Hey guys, I got some breaking news here that I wanted to bring up the podcast. I'm just recording this right off the computer, so the rest of the audio is going to sound way better than this, so don't worry about that. First off, we're hearing from a reliable source, Daniel RPK from Super Bro Movies, uh, that he's learned that the Avengers 4 trailer is currently scheduled for release on Monday night, and that a new Captain Marvel trailer is likely coming Wednesday morning on Good Morning America. It's very likely that the Avengers 4 trailer will premiere on Monday Night Football as Disney owns ESPN. So we will anxiously await that trailer if that rumor is true. It's got to come out before that prequel comic comes out. That prelude comic, excuse me, for Avengers 4, which I'm sure is going to reveal the title for the movie. So we've got to get it within the next couple days by Tuesday before that comic releases on Wednesday. Also, I just learned a possible rumor for the cameo appearance of Stan Lee in Avengers 4. I'm not going to spoil that right now, guys. Stick around for the end of the podcast after the end music, and I'll go over the possible Stan Lee cameo in Avengers 4. All right, guys, enjoy the show. Pop culture leftovers might not be suitable for people who can't handle insane amounts of profanity, so you might want to fuck off. Pop culture leftovers might take its time getting around to its advertised content as well. If this is a huge problem for you, then you too can fuck off. Pop culture leftovers typically has a long run time as well. If you can't handle a four to six hour podcast, then you probably won't like us, and you too can join the aforementioned cock thistles and fuck off altogether in unison. Others who may not be able to handle pop culture leftovers include children under the age of 14, if you regularly listen to NPR, are a pregnant woman that has spent most of your first, second, and third trimester looking at stupid shit on both Etsy and Pinterest. If you tuck in your t-shirts, if you use a Bluetooth headset in public, if you go to motivational speaking seminars, if you have life goals, if you have self-respect, if you have a heart condition, if you're a huge pussy, if you're a huge pussy with a heart condition, or if your name is Melvin, TFS706, or TJ Lamb. Everyone else, please enjoy. Episode 261. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat, but it's all been done before. And we don't want to be a copycat. It's a trap. Good it, toss it, good it, do we love it? Hey, let's race it, can't erase it, let's embrace it, Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture, carry over, counterculture, push over, pop culture. Leftovers. And for the uncool kids, what's to say has already been said. Leftovers. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. You're listening to the only podcast with the balls to bite a radioactive spider. It's Pop Culture Leftovers. Five, five four, four, three, three two, two, one. Hey, welcome to Pop Culture Leftovers, the only podcast that sounds even better the second day after it's been uploaded. I'm Brian. I'm Jake. And, and we're, we're the, the leftovers. leftovers. Yay. <laughs> ah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, hey, oh, that was a big song, wasn't it, Jake? Yeah, it was huge. It was huge. What was the next one? I forget. They had two hits. Uh, oh, oh uh, OPP. Oh, were you down with OPP? Yeah, that was the other one, right? Oh, I thought you were going to say, yeah, you know me. You let me, no. you let me down. Fuck. I, 
Oh man, I'm such a failure. <laughs> I'm glad you've finally come to the realization that we all have. Um, I'm kidding, Jake. You're a wonderful human being. Uh, guys, we are not alone this week. We are joined, uh, second time guest on the podcast, first time on with Jake, uh, Mr. Dan Ramirez from the Heroes of Noise podcast. What's up, guys? Thanks for having me back on again. Jake, yeah. nice to meet you, sir. Yeah, you too, Dan. Glad to, glad to be able to talk to you this time. You know what I like. You know what I like about having Dan Ramirez on the podcast, Jake. Tell me. You know we get we get some other people on here, and I love them. They're all beautiful people, all wonderful people. But a lot of noise going on in the background with some people, right? You got clicking. You got Stephanie Chapman eating pretzels. You got shift. <laughs> you know, shifty McShifterton, uh, shifting Tristan Brown with with. <laughs> I I think like don't you think when you podcast? I I love them. I'm gonna have them back on. I don't care if there is background noise. I'm just saying this for saying it anyway don't you think like with the podcast jake it should be like funeral or church rules like where you're just quiet as a mouse you know what i'm saying yeah i completely agree library rules as well right yeah exactly well we we, we want to be able to talk but like that's you know just yeah just, exactly you don't talk at a funeral at a church either but it's it's one of those things where you know you i don't know you're not doing all the uh extracurricular activities and shit no no one of the Definitely greatest inventions ever is the mute button love it i just burped you guys didn't even know well, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. good, yeah. A lot of people, they use the mute button, and then they forget that they used said mute button, and then they don't come back, and we're talking to ourselves. <laughs> I've been there. Yeah, so, yeah, Dan, uh, you're with the Heroes of Noise podcast. Uh, I just want to let you know I've been listening, really enjoying uh, you and Steve and your banter together. It's fantastic. So I think our listeners oh, thanks, should, man. Yeah, our listeners should definitely check you guys out good shit so um we're gonna jump into this episode uh, we don't have any itunes reviews or Podbean flick the bean reviews this week jake oh my gosh mm-hmm. this has been the first in a long time yeah yeah first in a long time it's been a while so we're totally just bypassing that altogether. Uh, I did want to make a little bit of a public service uh, a public service announcement here. Uh, we were uh, nominated for a uh, discover pods award. Uh, in the entertainment category. And so you can, uh, I posted the link to the Google Doc where you can vote for Pop Culture Leftovers. We're on the second page of the Google Doc. Please vote for us. Give us the vote there. I uh, don't think we'll win. I, I don't think we'll win. I am a <laughs> pessimist by trade, so I don't think we'll win, but I, I at least want to have it look a little close um and uh you know guys we give you three to four hours every week if you could give us four fucking seconds and vote for us it'd be great yeah there's less than a week left to vote i believe too yeah so it, it would yeah. be great if everyone could get out there it ends on december 7th so you'll get this uh, episode on the second so please vote for us on that uh the link will be in the show notes or you can go to oh shit is it? Yeah, it's it's in the show notes. If you can't access them from the show notes, you can actually just go to the actual episode on the website, popcultureleftovers.com. Click on the link through the actual episode on our website. So, hey, Jake, found out what uh, our uh, reviewer last week in our iTunes review, your boy Habibi, was talking about with the old Rayleigh trilogy. The Rayleigh trilogy. Yeah, you're shitting me. This this isn't a joke. This is not a joke. I found out what it is. Remember when when I when I did the uh, it was the uh, the rallies trilogy with that girl. 
Oh, um, the bumper shit. Yeah, the bumpers from bump- when we were on bumpers. It was a separate service where you could record like your own little podcast on your phone and. And uh, they were an affiliate of ours for a little while before they went under. <laughs> so, <laughs> to roll a telling sign, right? Yeah, I mean, they're, they're the movie pass of podcasting. Um, but anyway, yeah, he was talking about the rallies trilogy. She, this girl, recorded three uh, episodes talking about her hatred for the fast food chain rallies. And I played one of the episodes at the end of the podcast. Didn't play the other two, and he was wondering what happened to the. But he. Called it the Rayleigh Trilogy, and that's what threw me off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, none of us had any idea. Yeah. I, I would have been a second to even remember the Rally Trilogy, but now, now that we're talking about it, I, I remember it very clearly. That shit was hilarious. Yeah. Oh, man, she hated that place. Yeah, so I can't play the other two parts of the Rally's Trilogy because Bumpers uh, is gone. It is dead. Rest in peace, Bumpers. Mm. Oh, that's sad. It was a fun little service. It was. I mean, it, it was. was. It was definitely very unique, and it, it allowed people with no equipment to just boom, yeah, make a podcast. Yeah, exactly. It was a lot of fun. Got some, got some good mileage out of that thing, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. It was, I enjoyed it. It, it was fun. It was uh, just another way to uh, put up random content whenever we wanted to, and then. Then they had this thing where you could uh, call other people through your phone and record stuff together, and that was very cool. So, yeah, we got a lot of mileage out of it, but it's a shame that it went under. Uh, but anyway, let's move on. So that's what the old Rayleigh trilogy was. Your boy Habibi, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to offend you. Just had no fucking clue what you were talking about, sir. Um, let's, since we don't have any iTunes reviews this week, since we, since we can't flick the bean this week, Jake, I want to bring up our Michael Cannon mashups. Now, Dan, I know, did you attempt a Michael Cannon mashup this week? This is our artist out of Hawaii. He's been listening to us since the San Andreas episode, Jake. And what we do <laughs> is we throw out, like, different mashups in pop culture. And then uh, Michael will send me uh, an artist rendition of said mashup. And then I'll throw it up on the Facebook page or throw it. And, and I also throw it up on um, Twitter. And I actually use the hashtag Michael Cannon mashup so you can just search that hashtag if you want to see some of the past mashups but dan i gave you a little a little bit of an assignment and you didn't sound like you were too confident that you can you're grasping (laughs) what a mashup is you sound like like my don't get me wrong don't get me wrong i know mashups i'm just hoping that i'm doing them right for you guys oh i have them ready i have two for you actually do you want to go first you want me to go first i've got three so tell you what i'll go first then you then me and yeah we'll alternate back and forth it'll be like a fucking tennis match sounds good without the grunting oh my god when female tennis players play tennis it's just like if you close your eyes it's almost like you're on a Pornhub site. It's just fantastic. Anyway, moving on. Michael- I killed a few angels of that. <laughs> yeah, I've, yeah. <laughs> I hope people listen to last week's episode. Then they will understand. Oh, yeah. They're going to think I'm a fucking Satanist or something like that. <laughs> uh, let's see here. My first Michael Cannon mashup this week is Shacaroni uh, and Cheese. It's a mashup of, <laughs> of Shaquille O'Neal-shaped macaroni, and it's topped off with four different types of cheeses, one of those cheeses being blue cheese in honor of his role in blue chips. So, and, nice. and the four cheeses are for the four rings that he earned uh, while in, in basketball. I believe he earned three with the Lakers 2000, 2001, 2002, and then I think he got one in 2006 uh, with Miami. 
I believe so. But yeah. I, I'm going to be honest with you, man. I would be bullshitting you if I told you I was like a huge sports fan. I think you might be alone in this. That's fine. Whatever. I think it was 2006, back when he was playing with Dwayne Wade. Dwayne Wade was at the top of his game. Shaq was on the decline, but he still had enough in the engine to win that fourth championship. But, yeah, that one is Shaqaroni and Cheese. I I love that one. You know what's crazy about Shaqaroni and Cheese? What's that? Stand up certain distance away and try to throw it into the garbage can it never goes down. <laughs> you brick every time right every fucking time it's a giant fucking mess <laughs> i love it jake wow that was good that was a, that was a deep cut sir thanks for the singers, thank you right thank there. you all right dan dan what is your first attempt at a michael cannon mashup guys we're gonna get to the content and the content we're gonna get to immediately after this is we're gonna talk about the daredevil cancellation i'm not gonna bury the lead as soon as we get them yeah you gotta listen to us be cute here at the michael cannon mashups it's interactive and fun (laughs) but we're gonna get the daredevil stuff so don't worry about it but dan what is your michael cannon mashup all right, so I was thinking about it. Now, first of all, you went the extra mile with the blue cheese and the four rings and everything like that, so I'll try to elaborate a little bit more. But uh, I was thinking if you took the Patrick Swayze and Demi Moore 1990 hit Ghost, you switch out Swayze, you keep, you keep uh, Demi Moore in, and then you add the overrated recording artist Post Malone. Guys, you've got Ghost Malone. <laughs> I mean, just think of the hilarity that would ensue when you add Whoopi Goldberg to that. Oh, that is one unattractive ghost. <laughs> I don't know. What do you think? A B, B minus, maybe. I'm not. I'm, I'm not, not sure. I'm not hip to the music scene, so people that are like all about music and stuff like that, they're probably loving this dude. I'm just like he's an ugly motherfucker. I mean, no offense to the guy. I'm sure he's nice, but he's got like tats all over his face and everything. Trust me, it's going to look good on the screen. All right, swing and a miss for Brian there. No, it's you know, fine. <laughs> it was fine. Ghost Malone, I, I get what you're doing there. I get what you're doing there. It, it was it was it was a long journey to get there, but we got there. You know, <laughs> I yeah, that also up. did not make it into the garbage can. <laughs> <laughs> All right, my second one. Uh, we're going to be reviewing later in the uh, podcast uh, a movie that I saw this week. I know Dan saw it as well. The po- the possession. Of Hannah Grace. It's the new horror movie that just came out. So my uh, second mashup in honor of that movie is the possession of Hannah Montana. And <laughs> I, 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 in a way, I just kind of like this is basically like the possession of Hannah Montana is actually just like Miley Cyrus once she got possessed by hormones and she became like this uh, uh, wrecking ball humping uh pervert or whatever for a while there so basically in a way that's i i guess i just want to see her with like her big mouth hormone monster and uh just humping something uh, while she's possessed so that yeah the possession of hannah montana is my second one. just watch one of her videos from that era you basically <laughs> yeah yeah so all I mean, right she's got the crazy tongue that sticks out so I, i'm with it yeah all right okay i i don't think that was a big as a crowd pleaser as the first one (laughs) but anyway moving on to dan's uh second michael canna mashup all right i'm I'm gonna try to shorten this one up a little bit so again we're we're going music here i I think you're gonna get this one though brian i think you'll be fine Mm. so this time you're taking the 1986 movie about the cro-magnon woman raised by neanderthals which is called clan of the cave bear and instead of the cave bear you're you're putting in the wu-tang clan so you got a wu-tang clan of the cave bear 
Oh, wow. Like yeah. seven people got that. Yeah, yeah. You know what it is. <laughs> I think I think maybe eight or nine, Brian. But I'm with, I told you I wasn't fucking good at this in the first place. But I'm trying to be a good sport about it. Yeah. I don't, I don't think we'll ever have you play this again. But, you know. <laughs> well, it, was, it was good being on the show, guys. Thank you very much. <laughs> I, I can see Dan was like scrolling through his Spotify coming through, coming up with these. I've heard of people right. going. I've heard of people going out on a high note. I think Dan just came. I think Dan just came in high. Like, <laughs> very. Oh man, yeah. Don't let me play these anymore. I'm not good at this part. Oh, oh, oh yeah. We're finding that out. Um, <laughs> I'm Fuck you, man. I'm trying. <laughs> I know it's cute. Um, if you've watched, here's my third one. If you've watched The Walking Dead, now don't. This is not what you think it is when coming out of the gate. So don't judge me. Just oh, that sounds cute, Brian. But no, I got a story to accompany this. If you've watched The Walking Dead or you've read the comics, you're familiar with the character of Negan. So my idea for a mashup is called Vegan Negan. And hold on, it's it's Negan. With his bat, Lucille, and he's bashing the heads of Cabbage Patch Kids. Nothing. Mm. Absolutely nothing. <laughs> I want to see Cabbage Patch Kids that look like Glenn, like with an eyeball popped out of their head and cabbage coming out of their skull. They call him Vegan Negan because he kills Cabbage Patch Kids. It's not because he eats <laughs> vegan. Yeah, I just think there's nothing funny burn, about but I just got it right now. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are talking over it. What did you say? Depends on who you're talking to. I just said it was a slow burn, man, but I just got it. I like it, actually. Yeah, because it's Cabbage Patch Negan. I got it, man. It's beautiful. Oh, this is why this is your game. Fuck, fuck both of you. <laughs> Over explaying it. And it's just an OK, fuck it. Moving on. I'm done. <laughs> you can blame it all on me. Stupid fucking guest. Uh, let's see. Uh, real quick. Uh, we're going to jump into the Daredevil, Daredevil news. I got nothing else at the top of the show. I feel like I've embarrassed myself. I should have ended on Shakaroni uh, anyway. Um, Avengers 4 trailer has not dropped yet. Did you guys see that uh, Daniel RPK from Super Bro Movies tweeted, tomorrow you'll know? And he's, he, that's all he tweeted. Do you think that tomorrow, possibly, on December 2nd, we could find out the date of when this trailer is going to be released? That sounds like what he what he's hinting at, right? It's definitely not hinting at the trailer. It's like hinting at knowledge of when we're getting the trailer. So yeah, yeah. If he if he's got the scoop, that's definitely what it sounds like. Oh my gosh! Uh, I just uh, I'm ready for this trailer, Jake. Yeah, yeah. You know, normally I bitch about like the uh, five second teaser to the actual trailer that we get. I'm here. I'm okay. Give it to me. <laughs> give me. Give me <laughs> anything, right? I mean, I just want anything. Oh my gosh. All right, guys, we're going to Oh, go ahead. They're really they're just going to say they're really dangling the carrot this time for some reason and people have, you know, people are just like on the edge of their seats waiting for this. Yeah. I'm not even sure that's going to be the thing that happens tomorrow, but it's a nice tease. Yeah, it, it's people are feverish. We're ready for it. Um, you know, what are we like <laughs> 4 or 5 months out now? So we are we're ready. And, I, you know, like we've talked about this in the past last week, like the other Russo brothers of like uh, Marvel films came out at around this time for those trailers, like for Civil War. And then, you know, Avengers Infinity War came out like 26th, 28th, respectively, I believe. And so we're getting close. We're getting close to that time. Like the Russo brothers had a Q&A after they had an Infinity War screening. We'll talk about some of the news that came out of that. 
But uh, a lot of people were thinking, oh, they're going to drop it here. They're going to drop it here at the Q&A. Uh, or, or before the Q and A, and it didn't happen. It just didn't happen. So, yeah, I'm I'm ready. I think, I think the Russos are very attuned in too, right, to all this stuff. Like oh, everyone's yeah. just hype and everything. It's almost at this point a master troll job by the Russo brothers. So, with all the little teases to the title and everything, sure. like they, they definitely feel, you know, will they do it at this thing? Will they do it at that? And I think they're very much attuned to all of this and oh, yeah. they're going to play it up for as long as they can. I think that yeah, they're 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 seeing the memes, they're having a lot of fun with this. And so like when it does drop, um it's going to be huge. It's going to I think that this is going to break records as far as trailers down, uh trailers being viewed on YouTube, like 100%. Yeah, how, how can it not, right? I've never had so much hype for the trailer for any, any movie I can think of, right? It, even Star Wars never really reached this level of hype for just a single trailer, it feels like. Oh, yeah. Yeah, even The Force Awakens. It's, and, mm-hmm. and, and we had to wait a decade for new Star Wars, you know? Uh, so, uh, you know, aside from the Clone Wars animated show. But I'm just saying, like, live-action Star Wars, man. This is And this is just literally a year off the heels of, like, the first part of the Avengers Infinity War, and people are feverish, Jake. Yeah, it's it's the power of that cliffhanger, right? Yeah. It's, it's, it was just so big. Like, it does, I was thinking that, too. Like, it's just a year. When you said the 10 years for Star Wars, I was like, gosh, and Avengers has only been a year, but it's just that, it's that ending, man. People are on the edge of their seat. Dude, I've got some theories this week. Uh, they're not mine. Uh, I got some, th- I got a theory this week about Captain America, what possibly could happen to him in this that we're going to talk about later in Marvel News. And then also the Russo brothers explained the powers of the Soul Stone. Like we understand the powers of pretty much like, you know, the space stone, the time stone, the reality stone. They I think the Soul Stone, that was the last stone that we didn't even know where it was located until we watched the movie. And, like, now that we've even seen the Soul Stone and, like, you know, uh, Thanos become in possession of the Soul Stone, we really don't know how it kind of works. Like, you know, the, the, the science behind it, the mechanics of, like, what does the Soul Stone, Soul Stone actually do in the MCU? And they talk about that in the Q&A, and I can't wait to talk about that. That's going to be fucking awesome. So Yeah, that is exciting. That's a good tease. Yeah. Let's talk about... I want to... Let's jump before... We're, we're going to get the good pop, bad pop, and all the stuff that we've been uh, watching uh, over the past week, but I want to talk... I don't want to bury the lead. I want to talk about Daredevil getting canceled. So, um, let's... Deadline reported it first. Netflix cancels Marvel's Daredevil after three seasons. Uh, goes on to say, the axe continues to fall on Marvel series at Netflix. Daredevil, which launched the Marvel Universe on the streaming platform, has been canceled after three seasons. The move comes on the heels of Netflix canceling Iron Fist and Luke Cage last month, but Daredevil seems to have an afterlife somewhere else. Uh, Quote, Marvel Daredevil will not return for a fourth season on Netflix, the streamer said in a statement tonight to deadline we are tremendously proud of the show's last and final season and although it's painful for the fans we feel it best to close this chapter on a high note we're thankful to our partners at marvel showrunner eric olson the show's writers stellar crew and incredible cast including charlie cox as daredevil himself and we're grateful to the fans who have supported the show over the years Netflix added just a month after the third season of the series launched on that service. Um, quote, 
while the series on Netflix has ended, the three existing seasons will remain on the service for years to come, while the Daredevil character will live on in future projects for Marvel. Netflix also said that. First, I want to I talk about that quote here in a second, but I want to just ask your guys' opinions on like how you were feeling after the news dropped uh, I believe it was was it thir- yeah it was Thursday night. Um, Jake, how did you feel about this when when they dropped this news about uh, Daredevil? I'm not gonna lie, I've been kind of out on all the Netflix shows, but I was still a little bit shocked by this. I kind of thought if anything wouldn't get canceled, it would be Daredevil. I, I don't know why. If it's because it was the first show, but I kind of consider it the flagship show of all of this. But I kind of thought it would be like, you know, the last pin standing. Mm. And so I was kind of surprised to, to hear this announcement. Um, not too shocked by it, though. I, I got to say, like, it did feel like all these shows probably were going to come to a close within the next, like, two to three years. I, I guess this is a bit more sudden than I thought it was going to happen. But, you know, I wasn't floored by the announcement by any means. Sure feels like all those rumors about like, oh, they canceled Luke Cage and Iron Fist so they could do a Heroes for Hire show. That just seems like it was wishful thinking, dude. Oh, yeah. You can definitely chalk that up to wishful thinking at this point. Like, I, yeah, I think I think a lot of the responses online still are wishful thinking after, even after the cancellation of Daredevil. And I and I understand where people are coming from. Because this news just kind of devastated me. Like, I, I had just seen a movie in the theater, came out, got to the car. Tristan Brown, um, Shifton, sent me a message on Facebook. And I was like, I, I, I was, and, and it said, like, Daredevil's been canceled. I'm like, what? You know, I, I, I was shocked. We're going to talk about, like, why. But, um, Dan, what were your thoughts when you saw the news? And have you, have you watched all of the daredevil seasons i blasted through one and two very quickly uh just really haven't had the time to do season three yet and i plan on watching it of course but i'm sort of in jake's camp where i feel like i sort of saw it coming i'm not surprised about it it seems like they're being very systematic about the whole thing Mm. and i think that i mean i think there's a big reason which i'm sure we'll start talking about you know once we get into it but no not really surprised at all I, i think it's just a matter of time i pretty sure that they already said that they're just these are the last seasons for the other shows as well correct uh as far as they have not come out and canceled officially canceled jessica jones and john bernthal's punisher um but uh that is probably going to happen once those seasons come out so yeah we're getting a <laughs> third season of jessica jones which i believe is rat is is in production or has just recently wrapped and then punisher is just like in the can ready to go i believe So the thing I want to talk about here is that this quote that says, you know, while Daredevil character will live on in future projects for Marvel, that's what Netflix said. And so people are basically saying like, oh, Disney Plus is going to take over Marvel, uh, this kind of this, the the Daredevil character, the Iron Fist and, you know, Luke Cage and, and then possibly Jessica Jones and Punisher, respectively. That's a quote from Netflix. They they don't know what Marvel's plans are for the character. You know, they, they're just saying while the Daredevil character will live on in future projects for Marvel, just that's speculation on their part. They haven't always had the best relationship. I'd say post, I'd say some Luke Cage stuff that we'll get into later, but it's all speculation from them. So I think people are reading that quote and saying, oh, this is just going to go on. It's going to go to Hulu. It's going to go to Disney Plus. Uh, 
and I don't think that Netflix knows 100% what Marvel's direction is on this because they Marvel TV and Marvel Studios are two completely different things. Jake, what we're seeing here with Disney Plus, though, is Disney Plus is actually bringing over a lot of like the Marvel Studios people to work on their streaming stuff. So we're getting like Kevin Feige heavily involved. They're bringing in, you know, um, Tom Hiddleston, Tom Hiddleston. They're bringing it. Hell, they're bringing industrial light and magic has restarted their television, um, uh, their television branch or whatever you want to call it there, which they haven't done since, uh, uh, the Indiana Jones series that came out in the 90s. So ILM, which they own, is going to be heavily involved in this. I, I don't think Netflix – Netflix doesn't know. I think it, that's, spec, that's a speculative statement from Netflix. Definitely. A very safe one too, right? It's like an easy one to go ahead and just throw out there because it seems pretty safe that at some point in the next – 10 years or less right. you'll see some iteration of daredevil within you know the marvel world it could be it, hell it could be an animated show for all we know jake i i'm not saying that that's what it's going to be I'm saying it could you know yeah it, exactly i've seen a lot of people reading way too much into yes. that statement myself yeah and yeah it's it he's basically just stating the obvious that right. daredevil the mythology and character will will live on and obviously they'll try to make some kind of property down the road with it whether or not that'll be charlie cox continuing adventures is a whole nother story yeah this article goes on to say you know whether those future projects mean cox's daredevil makes appearance with his defenders colleague or the john bernthal led vigilante series remains to be seen a daredevil series on the planned disney streaming platform or another movie could be an option though the latter seems unlikely we hear so this is all like hot off the heels when earlier in the week fans started a petition on Twitter at Renew Daredevil trying to get Netflix to renew Daredevil for a fourth season. Uh, fans were using the hashtag Renew Daredevil. Um, so uh, we'll talk a little bit about the fourth season of Daredevil because that is – that that was a real thing um it's crazy um this article then goes on to say the fact is times have changed on the digital landscape and marvel shows on netflix are costly to make even with new york's generous tax credits which had an extra clause added to accommodate the series when the initial deal with marvel disney was made by netflix five years ago the company desperate to gain big draw content laid out big bucks for the series which it never owned now the situation is very different, which Netflix awash in new series and returning series that it holds the keys to. This is all very important. Both of those things are very important. I'm going to break those down and unpack them a little bit later. Um, it goes on to say, in that context, Netflix and Marvel TV have also been arguing over the season. This is also important. They've also been arguing over the season orders, and that may have played a role in Daredevil's demise, as it did with Luke Cage's. Being part of the first wave of Netflix original series, all Marvel series have produced 13 episode seasons, but Netflix has since switched to the seasons of 10 episodes and has been pressuring Marvel TV to switch to fewer episodes, which the company had been resisting. Um, yeah, uh, <clears throat> Defenders had 10, Iron Fist season two had 10, but Daredevil season three still had 13 episodes. This article then goes on to say, 
There's also been creative issues with a revolving door of showrunners on Marvel's Netflix shows. There have been new showrunners for every season of Daredevil, with Iron Fist and Jessica Jones also undergoing a showrunner change. Okay, here's... This is what I think has happened. And it pretty much is like, it's kind of been laid out here, but this is me putting it together. I think these creative issues that they've had coupled with like Netflix co-producing it with Marvel and not owning the rights 100% is why Netflix canceled these shows. They recently did this. I believe this is not a hundred percent for sure, but they recently canceled American Vandal after two seasons. And this was canceled after it got rave reviews from critics and fans. We don't know the numbers and the download, not downloads, but how many times it's been streamed. But I think it did pretty well, if I were to guess. And I think they canceled American Vandal after season two because it's co-produced and not totally owned by Netflix. That's, I, I 100% think that's why they did it. Netflix is going to be focusing on more originals that they own. They recently you know, purchased Miller World rights. So they I, do they own Miller World or is that like a, another co-owned thing? No, I feel like the, I feel like they own all the like the video publishing rights to it at this yeah, point. Yeah, and like American Vandal was co-produced. The Marvel shows were all co-produced, and I think like with the the when you mix in the frustration that they've had with Marvel not liking some of their direction with like Luke Cage season two, and uh, also with these shows becoming expensive, like they they recently bought a state-of-the-art studio in New Mexico. And, you know, and we've talked about that before. I think that also played a part into this. I think it all comes down to, like, Netflix just wanting to wash their hands clean of this. As much as, like, the relationship was, like, you know, they were in that honeymoon phase, like, that first, you know, two years. And I feel like the last few years, especially with this new Disney Plus coming up, I feel like Netflix had every right to keep this they did not have to cancel but i think like this was more of a headache for them jake in the past i think marvel studios and disney has made this kind of like a headache for them to where they were just like you know what fuck this we've got we, we just want to do our own shit we just want to do our own original shit oh comic book stuff we bought miller world so yeah we've got that covered we'll do comic book stuff with miller world and i'm sure there's other creators out there that'll be happy to like sell us like you know their properties as well so i really think it came down to cost creative issues and then also netflix wanting to own everything 100 percent. yeah i i can't even argue with you here i i agree with this 100 percent. i mean why deal with the headache of dealing with the other company when at the end of the day you're investing all of this money into something that can't be like a lifelong product or universe for you, mm -hmm. right? It's, it's, it's like the difference between like leasing a car and buying a car, right? Is you just what's eventually you just you're not getting the value for yeah. it anymore. Yeah. So, so why just further invest, dude? And like, okay, it it gave Netflix a huge jump um, as far as like getting the access to these characters and making these shows. They got a lot of subscriptions out of it, but I think that they feel confident with like their original content that they'll be able to keep those subscribers and with all the new original content that they've got coming out. And they're making deals with big studios now. Paramount, they're doing like eight movies with Paramount that are going to be direct. Roma, 
uh, Alfonso Cuaron's movie. I think that like a lot of these movies that are worried about theatrical releases, we saw it with Annihilation. It released here and uh, it released here in the U.S. and in Japan, but nowhere else internationally. They were able to cover the cost of that film through Netflix. Um, you know, I think Warner Brothers is even getting in on this game, um, dude. I, I just, I think that they, they, they're thankful that they had the relationship. If it, if they owned these characters one hundred percent, this would, I think, this would totally go on. I think it comes down to like we saw this happen first with American Vandal season after American Vandal season two, and they don't own that. So I think we, I think we can take that and kind of like. Even though it is these very popular Marvel shows, I think that's what happened here. Dan, you got any thoughts on all this? Because I got more that I want to unpack, but like where we're at now, what are, you, what are you thinking? So thanks for giving me the time, because actually what I was thinking is, could it be as simple as just as you're saying, it's like it's, it's time to break up. And with Netflix being so successful and having all these different partnerships with other movie studios and whatnot, it should be a clean break. Now, being that Marvel and Disney are about ready to do their thing on Disney Plus. Mm. What if they decided to take these characters? And I, I don't necessarily think I like this idea, but what if they decided to take some of these characters and kind of tone them down just a little bit? Because I mean, let's face it, the Netflix series is not for kids all the time. It's, depending on, you yeah, know, yeah. Uh, a parent's uh, what am I trying to say? Like a parent's belief on something like that. I don't think it's you know there's sex and there's like extra violence and things like that. Yeah. What if they try to tone them down just a little bit and interject them into the MCU, where they're going to be, you'll be able to see Charlie Cox hanging out with the Avengers. Okay, now, so you know, you're, you're not just saying characters; you're saying actors. I'm sorry. Well, the yeah, well, characters, but yes, I think it would be great to see Charlie Cox on the big screen. And I don't think it'll happen, and I hate to burst everybody's bubble. I don't think it'll happen. I, 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 I Marvel released an official statement. Um, I, I think that it all comes down to Kevin Feige getting control of these characters now he's going to want to build this world the way that he wants to build this world yes we can say that these characters did like okay there were connections to the mcu because you know there was the battle of new york but we kind of saw a lot of the stuff like go away in the season three of daredevil like there was not a lot of mentions of mcu stuff in that series and mm. we've kind of seen the separation of like netflix marvel tv from the mcu over the past few seasons on the shows and i think that once marvel gets these characters they they they've always owned these characters i'm not saying they're going to get them back i just think that charlie cox is right now out of a job i think that they're you know mike coulter's out of a job i i you know i think they're all out of a job at this point and and people will say oh they could go over to hulu see the problem is with this guys is that netflix since they did co-produce this and they did basically you know, they were the ones that ran this whole thing over there uh, for the most part um, as far as like financing these shows. Um, they're going to own the seasons on their streaming service for a long time, if not forever. I don't know how that works, how that deal works, if the rights ever revert back to, you know, uh, Marvel and they can throw this up somewhere. But I don't think that Hulu even if they threw it on Hulu I don't, or Disney Plus, if there was like Disney Plus after dark and you could watch TV and <laughs> shit, I don't think that they want to have seasons that start with season four or season three on there. I think that they want the full catalog on that Disney Plus service. And I, so I don't think it, for them, I don't think it makes sense for them to 
like let's integrate these characters, these actors, but we're going to start from season four or like do even like a soft reboot. I just, I don't, Mm -hmm. I don't see it happening. Yeah. Yeah, That's actually where I was trying to go to. Sorry, Jake, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but that's, I was going to say, you know, even if you let's just take the actors out of it completely, you still don't think it would be possible to throw Daredevil in there and just and like you said, do like a soft reboot with them. On no, the no, 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 no. I, I think that they, if they want to do something with Iron Fist, Luke Cage, Daredevil later on down the road, they will. Whether they put them into the MCU or whether we get a new actor in the role of Daredevil and they do one of these shows like the the Loki show, the, you know, the Vision Scarlet Witch show, um, they could definitely do that. But I don't see this current group. I don't see like Eldon Henson coming back. I don't see, you know, Charlie Cox, Deborah Ann Wool, you know, Vincent D'Onofrio, unfortunately. I think they're all kind of like victims to like what started off as a great relationship between two companies and then I think just kind of like fell apart um, over the last couple of years. I, I, I think Marvel has kind of like made this harder on Netflix and Netflix is just – I think Netflix after buying the new studio, after doing what they did with American Vandal season, after season two, I think they just want to focus on more stuff that they own 100%. Yeah, both Netflix and Marvel are in completely different places than they were just even the three years ago, like three, four years ago when all this started, right? Yeah. They're just the positions of power both companies are in were completely different. Like they, they both did get a use from each other back then, but that it's kind of worn thin, I think, at this point. I agree. I agree. And like, you know, even held, Jake, even on um the TV side for like ABC with Agents of Shield, like I, I don't feel like there's always there hasn't been a great relationship between Jeff Loeb on the TV side and uh, and the MCU like the Marvel Studios side. It always it has not been a good relationship. Yeah, it definitely feels like a lack of respect from both sides to each other. Right. Like I'm not even going to put blame on one side over the other. It feels like there's just not a very like cohesive working relationship between those two medias. I think it's because Kevin Feige didn't have his and I'm not blaming Kevin Feige. I, I respect everything that he's done so far for like the MCU. I think it's because Kevin Feige didn't have his hands involved in that stuff that he's like. For him to for him to like embrace that kind of stuff. He's like, I think he wants to be a hundred percent in control of everything in that universe. And so like why incorporate stuff that's going on in, you know, the Marvel Netflix shows when it's not even, you're not going to see these characters pop up in the movies. So, yeah, that's when you really start to muck shit up. I think is when you just let other writers go to town on television series that you're not, you don't have your hand in Marvel. Yeah, go ahead. They got where they got by his guiding hand, you know, from Iron Man to Avengers, and he he knew how to get that kind of thing done. Yeah. Marvel released uh, an official statement on Friday. They said Marvel is extremely grateful to the huge audience that loved Marvel's Daredevil. From the moment of young Matt's first act of heroism to the birth of Paige, Murdoch, and Nelson, it has been an unbelievable journey. We are incredibly proud of the amazing showrunners and writers, starting with Drew Goddard and Stephen DeKnight, Marco Ramirez, and Doug Petrie, and Eric Olson, Charlie Cox, Deborah Ann Wall, uh, Eldon Henson, Vincent D'Onofrio, and our cast who brought our characters to life with such excellence, and every one of the fantastic crews in New York City. We look forward to more adventures with the man without fear in the future. So they're they're basically, you know, 
they're thanking these people for all their hard work. They're not saying like, we look forward to more adventures. They're, they, they're not saying, we, they're not saying we look forward to more adventures uh, uh, with Charlie Cox as the man without fear. They're just saying, we're looking forward to more adventures with daredevil in the future. And they're not really tying it to the people that they just thanked. They, they're grateful. It sounds like they're saying goodbye. <laughs> so I agree with that too, man. Yeah, I can, I, even though, you know, it, it's not so upsetting to me, I totally like get why it's so upsetting to so many people. Like, right. This was, how can this even get canceled? It was like such a flagship Netflix show mm-hmm. and we're only three seasons in, right. It, yeah. It's just gotta be so disheartening for, you know, the fans of this show. It sucks. I wish I could get on here and say like, I, I you know, I wish I could get on here and say, yeah, I'm hopeful that, you know, they're going to return. They're going to be on Hulu. They're going to, you know, somehow they're going to be able to incorporate these actors into something. Uh, I just don't, I don't see it happening. I don't see it. Ha- just like I didn't see defend uh, like uh, heroes for hire happening after the can. You just don't cancel shows and then announce like, Oh yeah, we canceled those shows, those individual shows. So we could give you a heroes for hire. It just, yeah. I've seen a lot of people saying um, another thing that I disagree with too, is that they're going to kind of like siphon what would have been daredevil season four into punisher season two. And I, I do not see that happening whatsoever no. either no no i don't either yeah so I, that creative team's not going to just give up a bunch of their creative space so we can have a daredevil farewell tour I and mean, right. that's not going to happen exactly yeah i uh um daredevil's co-executive producer sam ernst tweeted well yeah the idea for season four it, it had been pitched to netflix jake by eric olson so like that's when people started doing the hashtag renew daredevil and because they knew that it had been pitched and they were just like, where's the announcement of season four or when are we going to get this announcement? So people were feverish and kind of nervous that we weren't going to get it, especially with the cancellations of Iron Fist and Luke Cage. So but anyway, Daredevil's co- uh, co-executive producer Sam Ernst tweeted, man, so weird to be in the Daredevil's writer's room today getting the news that were canceled on the walls were an entire season four laid out and it was so fucking cool so many moments we wanted the fans to see sigh this business so it doesn't even how how are they going to incorporate that into punisher when you've got sam ernst basically saying like there's no contingency plan to throw those ideas into punisher i don't think that they're just going to do that on the fly yeah, it, it, I think it's too late. They're too far into that process. Um, even if they weren't, I don't think there there would be a reasonable way to just kind of cram the two things together. And I think that's kind of a case of fans not realizing what they probably don't want mm-hmm. like a bit there, too. Right. Yeah. Deadline also said, like, relations between Netflix and Jeff Loeb run Marvel TV have become strained. I think that's, you know, just it's just more evidence that this is just a clean break and and Netflix is going to be focusing more on their original stuff and then here's another factor I wanted to talk about this is from Screen Rant 
Netflix doesn't release official viewership numbers for its shows and movies, so we don't have as accurate a picture of Daredevil's performance as the Nielsen ratings of traditional TV might have offered. However, industry analysts estimate that in the first week of its release, viewership for Daredevil Season 3 was down 57% from Season 2. Daredevil is an expensive show to produce, around $40 million per season. So it's not too surprising that Netflix decided to cut its losses, especially amid a dissolving partnership with Marvel TV. That cost, again, coming up. And I think Netflix crunches a lot of numbers, and I just think that's what we're looking at here. Um, as far as like the Hulu stuff, a lot of people were thinking that uh, – yeah, I could go over to Hulu. I still think that they would want full seasons, even on the Hulu service. Um, so they would act. They I, and you're not going to get them. Um, Fox. Once the Fox deal goes through, Disney's going to own sixty percent of Hulu. Hulu would be able to have like the more mature stuff that the Disney Plus can't. And then AT and T, who owns ten percent of Hulu, is possibly going to sell their share, which would even give Disney. 70% now. Um, I still don't think, even with all that control, that, that Disney's going to move it over. I I just think they're going to shelve Daredevil and Iron Fist. And Jake, what about Punisher and Jessica Jones sticking around? Do Those are way more adult care. I think that you can incorporate Daredevil into a more family-friendly Iron Fist, of course, and, and, and Luke Cage can be more family-friendly, but Jessica Jones, like right out of the gate, has always been more of an adult character. And Punisher has, I mean, we've seen PG-13 Punisher movies. They can do it. But like, I don't know. Do you think there's any way in hell that they'll continue to make Jessica Jones and Punisher stuff on Netflix? I am leaning towards no, because those characters are still like in the same universe as the Charlie Cox Daredevil and and all that stuff. So I just think that that causes more problems for them, I think. And and. Yeah, that's a great point. They've done so much connectivity that it would be kind of wonky to just all of a sudden not see those characters ever again. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. Um, I, the only argument for those shows continuing on Netflix that I can like think of off the top of my head is like cost level. Right. I mean, Jessica Jones does have superpowers, but both those shows primarily have to have a cheaper budget, I would imagine. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know the budgets of Punisher and, and Jessica Jones. Yeah, I'm not sure. Just as far as the action sequences that are involved and just the kind of filming and the kind of shoots that I've seen. And I, I'm only basing this off of, you know, one episode of Punisher and, you know, two seasons of Daredevil and Jessica Jones. Mm-hmm. But it, it just seems like the the latter would be a cheaper show to produce yeah. than your Daredevils and so on. Yeah, I just I don't see any hope. Dan, any what, what are you thinking? I mean, unfortunately, I think it's just a lot of wishful thinking. I think we're done, to be quite honest with you. And I think we're going to see after these next two seasons that they're going to give them, if they give them to them, that mm-hmm. it's just done. I mean, I don't yeah. know. Clean break. There's a, there's so many other Marvel characters that you can utilize and do something different with. And, yeah, I think it's kind of a – I mean, not to sound too pessimistic, but I think it's kind of a lost cause. And we can we can sort of wish all we want. Mm-hmm. But I, don't, I just don't think it's going to happen. I wish I could get on here and say, like, yeah, I see a second life for these. You know, we've seen Netflix resurrect – you know, shows like uh, Arrested Development. We've seen Hulu resurrect the Mindy Project. I just don't see, I see like Marvel 
getting these characters back, shelving them, figuring out where they fit, what they want to do with them. And that's what we're looking at. I think Charlie Cox is out of a job. That really makes the most sense. Well, it is weird that Netflix wouldn't just can all the shows out of the gate, though, right? It feels like once you've canned Daredevil, why not just come clean with the future of the whole Marvel? Netflix still wants Netflix. Marvel can't cancel them. It's up to Netflix. And Netflix Netflix is the one canceling these shows. And I think it, it, it all goes on to the business side of, like, why they're canceling these shows. Also on the business side is the fact that if you cancel a show before seasons come out, what's the point in even watching those shows? People that are like wanting uh, a Jessica Jones season uh, four or wanting a uh, Punisher season three are still going to watch those two shows in the hopes that they'll get those shows. If they cancel them right out of the gate, Netflix has already put their money into these shows. People might just be, why the fuck am I going to watch Punisher season two? If they've canceled it, why am I going to watch yeah. Jessica Jones season three when they've canceled it? Ah, whatever. I'm not going to watch it. Yeah, it, it gets into that. It doesn't matter mentality, and then you just don't care anymore. So right. yeah, that, that that's a good point. Uh, it's in, 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 uh, industry insider, uh, Rolling Stone TV credit Alan Sepinwall revealed this on Twitter. Uh, he called the disconnect between Marvel TV and the Marvel Cinematic Universe, quote, sad slash hilarious. And also the main reason why Disney Plus wants to stay away from the Netflix produced slew of shows, quote, the execs have already said they don't want these shows on the Disney service. And even if they did, the nature of the contracts would make it virtually impossible. They're done. He goes on to say, I should clarify the Marvel shows for Disney Plus are being produced by Marvel movie execs who do not like or get along with the Marvel TV execs who made Daredevil at all. Technically, they could make a Luke Cage show a few years down the line. They just don't want to. He called the relationship between the Netflix pocket of the MCU and Disney one sided and admitted that Disney could bring these characters back someday, but only in a creative direction similar to what transpired with Spider-Man and Sony. That saw Disney recasting the character with Tom Holland and telling a whole new story, which erased the stories of Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man. So that's what we're looking at here, I think. I, I, I tend to side with Alan Sepinwall here on the season Industry Insider. This is not 100% confirmed, but I feel like maybe he's heard rumblings and, you know, we've heard rumblings that, you know, Marvel TV uh, on the Netflix side has not gotten along, you know, with the, with Disney. So especially over the creative differences of Luke Cage and some of the other things in the past. So I, I wish I could get on here and say, yeah, they're going to go to Hulu. I, I mean, I really do. I love these shows. You guys have no idea. Like Daredevil season three is just a masterpiece. It was incredible. So like, you know, after coming after finishing Daredevil season three, I would have been. Ah, they're not going to cancel this. You can't cancel this. I didn't know all this other stuff that was still going on. All this, all this bickering, and I think that Disney and that, that relationship just became strained. And I think they just want to end it. This is like a. This is like. Um, a couple getting divorced is what it is, and they and they they, they and the kids unfortunately are. You know, Charlie Cox, Deborah Ann Wall, and Eldon Henson. And we got to say goodbye. And it sucks. It sucks. Yeah. 
and it's yeah, always unfortunate totally. when a show ends before the writers wanted to end too, right? Yeah. That's always just such a bummer. Right? Yeah, they pitch season four, Jake. We, I think like later on down the road, hopefully we'll find out where they would have went with that. I, I always find it interesting, and also in the same respect, disheartening when we find out like what incredible things they were going to do for us in a season that we'll never get. Yeah, I feel like we'll get that scoop eventually. I, I think these writers have nothing to lose, and they'll come forward with that at some point. Yeah, so I don't know. Were you Okay, before we had this conversation, were you guys thinking that there was possibly a chance for a second life, and now do you still think there is? Or have you kind of like, are you on my side of the fence, sadly? No, for me, I always thought this was the end of the Charlie Cox Daredevil stuff, but I— I did kind of hold out a little bit of hope that there would be more. Well, not hope, but I thought that there would be more Jessica Jones and Punisher. You've kind of made me rethink that, too, mm-hmm. that those are just going to get insta canceled once you get a respectable two months away from their current seasons airing on Netflix. I was the same way, man. I was like, oh, Jessica Jones, Disney's not going to want to touch her. So they'll keep her in the unit. They'll keep her there. They'll keep her there. Same thing with Punisher. They'll keep him there because Punisher, you can go violent with with him and. Who knows? Who knows? Dan, what are you thinking, man? Yeah, man. I got to tell you, I was just trying to be optimistic to begin with, but I think we're done, gentlemen. I don't think it's going to happen at all. And you know what? I think it's a huge waste of D'Onofrio. I was <sighs> really hoping to see more from him. Now, granted, I haven't seen season three yet, mm-hmm. but um, I still think it's a huge waste. I think he made a fantastic kingpin. And, well, you know, now you're going to get those. You're going to get fans. And we're going to have fans on our page. We're going to have people saying well now that marvel's got the what, what, what are the chances of vincent d'onofrio coming back and playing the kingpin for you know uh, whatever the mcu whatever disney plan i guys i the chances are zero in my opinion sorry guys i think we're done with all these actors as these characters i think we've seen the last of them unless for some reason they do show up in uh you know you know punisher jessica jones we might see karen page show up in punisher again i don't know i didn't finish punisher season one so i don't know <laughs> how the relationship ended but i i i think we're done with with d'onofrio kingpin i think we're done with charlie cox daredevil and it, it and it does suck yeah it's a goddamn shame mm-hmm. yeah I could see some potential Easter eggs in those final two seasons of those shows. But, yeah, there's not going to be any cramming of last-minute storylines from canceled shows going on. Mm-hmm. It's just going to be some cheeky Easter eggs from maybe some characters from those canceled shows. Agreed. I hate getting – see, that's the thing. I hate coming on here and being like gloom and doom. I really do, Jake. I hate doing this because it's something that I love. I loved Daredevil season one and season three. Thought they were fantastic. I, I was a big fan. I was a big fan. I was in the minority. I loved the Iron Fist, and I, I you know, I loved uh, some of the stuff that they were doing in Luke Cage. And I hate to see these characters and these actors go away from these roles. And I, I wish them the best of luck in their future endeavors. I really do. And D'Onofrio, we don't have to worry about that guy. That guy's got shit lined up, I'm sure. But you know, oh yeah, yeah. It'd be nice to see like. Uh, Man, it'd be nice to see Charlie Cox, you know, have another breakout kind of show that he could uh, that fans could get behind. You know, I'd love to see him, you know, like, uh, you know, we've got all these different other streaming services. I'm hoping that his agents getting some calls. You know, we're seeing Amazon get some stuff. We're seeing all these other streaming services get these get these huge shows. Maybe we'll see Charlie Cox show up in that Lord of the Rings show or or something or, you know, fuck, he. They might, you know, he might show up on Watchmen season two for all we know. We don't know. So let's 
Let's hope. Yeah, he'd be a great get. Hopefully, he's got a good agent. Hopefully, he makes some smart business choices in the next couple of years because this is a big defining moment for his career. That's for sure. Agreed. All right, guys. Uh, yeah, so we're, what we're going to do now is we're going to take a quick break, and we're going to come back and share good pop, bad pop. Listen, group. it's simple. If you want to help the pop culture leftovers, go to thepopcultureleftovers.com and do all your shopping from the Amazon link. I am Groot. It doesn't cost you extra, and it helps the leftovers. Got it? I am Groot. Yeah, people can buy hats at Amazon. Are you still hung up on that hats thing? I am Groot. Yeah, okay, I got it. You don't have to buy your hats there. I am Groot. You're impossible. For anyone else who doesn't have a strange or borderline psychotic hatred for hats, please head over to popcultureleftovers.com and use the Amazon link already. I am Groot. And now you're wearing a hat. I freaking give up. Attention. The following is an important consumer warning. Listening to PCO might be harmful to your health. I'm Yaden Palm. You might know me as Sturdy, but after years of listening to PCO, I might have developed a multiple personality syndrome. At first, I didn't quite buy into it until... <laughs> laughter of the joker popped into my head but things got really weird when my wife found me in the dark closet saying the power of the darkness and i will let nothing stand in our way at which point i jumped up and said to her well there honey i didn't know you're sitting there watching me then it dawned on me i don't even have a wife it was ollie williams with the blackie report it's gonna rain get your umbrella all in all the condition isn't that bad because i have the pcl ohana means family for more of my voices search me on social media y-e-a-d-o-n paul Vio. all right hey we are back it is now time for good pop bad pop it's time for more leftover reviews with good pop bad pop good pop bad pop is where we talk about the things in the previous week and or weeks that we either watched or read sometimes we rate these things and if this is your first time listening we want you to be familiar with our rating system the rating system is simple. If the leftovers don't like something, they toss it. If they do like something, they suggest you taste it. And if it's brilliant, it gets a Tupperware rating. If all the leftovers love it, then it gets the pinnacle of success, a Tupperware party. All right, I'm going to start off here real quick. Just a real quick review. I have finished uh, season three of Bill Burr's F is for Family on Netflix. Uh, this dropped on Friday, uh, 10 episodes. Episodes and uh, it stars Bill Burr, Laura Dern, Justin Long, Sam Rockwell, David Koechner, and this season executive producer Vince Vaughn is actually he's a cast member. I'm not sure if he was a voice actor in previous seasons or not, but he plays their new neighbor who comes into the t- into town, who is a Vietnam vet, and he's married to a Vietnamese woman that he met over in Vietnam, and. Uh, I, let me just I'm just going to give my rating. I'm going to give this season a high taste. I don't think that it was as good as the first two, which were Tupperwares, in my opinion. I wanted more like angry Bill Burr in this one, because that's what I expect from him. Yelling and cursing. I thought it was really good. I do. I, I think that the first six episodes were high taste. and I'd say like the last four are Tupperwares. So overall, I'm going to give it a, uh, a high taste. I just don't think it lived up to like, you know, Big Mouth season two. Uh, and uh, it just and the, the previous two seasons of F is for Family it just didn't. 
I don't know. It just didn't grab me like the other two seasons. So I did enjoy it. I, I'm hoping it comes back and returns in season four and it's back where I absolutely loved it. But I'll, I'll give it a high taste. It, and that's still a good rating, people. High taste. It's still good. I still enjoyed the show. I really did like it. So uh, it's too bad you hate F is for family. Top <laughs> <No>. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, the F stands for I hate I fucking hate this show. No, I I, I really did enjoy the season. I, I thought it was really good. I just don't think it was as good as the first two. Um, you know, I it it's hard to kind of like nail it down, you know, uh, why it gets that rating. I think it's I, I wanted to see Bill Burr get angrier. Um, I, I think that the kids stories were okay, but not great. And it just didn't have like the moments of hilarity. It had moments of hilarity, but it didn't have as many as it did in the first two seasons. And I don't know if that comes from like Bill Burr, like he incorporates some of his stand up into the show. I can kind of like hear it come out of him. And I don't know if he feel like he, he was running low on some stuff this season. It just... It just didn't. Uh, it just didn't hit me as as much as the first two. But um, still loved it. High tasted. I highly recommend it. Some other people are going to watch it and probably love it. Give it a Tupperware. But for me, it was a high tasted. Um, second thing I want to talk about here, real quick. Dan, did you watch? Can you ever forgive me? I did. All right. Can you ever forgive me? Uh, it's a it's a movie uh, just came out. Lee Israel made her living in the 1970s and 80s profiling the likes of Catherine Hepburn, Tallulah Bankhead, Estee Lauder and journalist Dorothy Kilg- uh, Kilgallen. When Lee is no longer able to get published because she has fallen out of step with current tastes, she turns her art form to deception, abetted by her loyal friend Jack. An adaptation of the memoir, Can You Ever Forgive Me, relays the true story of the best-selling celebrity biographer. Um, and uh, instructed by Mariel Heller, uh, she directed Diary of a Teenage Girl. It's a movie that I reviewed on the show a couple years ago. It's a very edgy movie. Um, this one stars Melissa McCarthy, Asley Israel, Richard E. Grant, Dolly Wells, Ben Falcone, who is Melissa McCarthy's husband in real life, and then Jane Curtin, uh, former SNL uh, member, and then Kate Nally alum, Jake, Kate Nally. Uh, uh, yeah, not, not seen her in anything in a long time. I've seen her in like small things, but she, yeah, she was in this movie. She plays uh, her agent, uh, Lee's agent in her, in this movie. Dan, what did you think of uh, Can You Ever Forgive Me? You know, I I liked it. Um, it was an interesting movie. I like movies that are biopics, first of all. And uh, I thought the story of Lee Israel was actually quite interesting. You know, you get this woman that's totally down on her luck at this point. It's like New York, 1991 now. She's fired from her job. Her cat's sick. She, she can't take care of her cat. She's late in her rent. You know, she's got that classic down on her luck story. And I thought that the whole premise of her doing that just out of pure, like, fuck you to society. You know, she's uh, there's a part where she has the one of the original letters that she finds and she's putting in her typewriter and she's <clears throat> I'm not going to spoil it or anything like that. But she she, she kind of puts a P.S. on it just to make herself laugh. And she gets this great idea. Um, I thought the cast was really strong in this one. Now, this is it's not the type of movie that I would normally like, you know, just just rave about. But. I thought the movie held my interest really well. And, um, but I also think that it's something that could have been seen just on a, you know, on a small screen. Um, 
it was good. I, but I will say, I will give credit to Melissa McCarthy. I thought that she was actually really good in this here, being that my experience with seeing her in movies is usually her falling down. You know, it's, it's <laughs> very, very formulaic. You know what I mean? And, uh, and this one here, I thought it was a good stretch from her from what, from the movies that I've seen. In fact, I think it might be her best performance, but, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, it was definitely something that I think I'd recommend to people, but it's not, it didn't wow me so much that I just, I'm going to go raving about it. I mean, I don't know if you're ready for a, my rating on it or anything like that. I was actually kind of curious to see what you thought. I'm kind of like right there with you. I, I felt like uh, her performance, in my opinion, just based on the performances, I thought her and Richard E. Grant were absolute Tupperwares yes. in this. I just feel like the story, it's very interesting, and it's a movie that I'm glad that I watched. Um, I'm really glad that I watched it, but it's, and I may even watch it again in the future, but I don't think that, it, for me, it's not a Tupperware of a film. I'm going to give this one a high taste it. Um, you know, they, they try to tackle a lot in this that, you know, Richard E. Grant's character is gay. And then like later on in the movie, they're talking about like, you know, what, what was a big, you know, epidemic back in like the eighties and nineties, it was, you know, the AIDS virus. And like, they just kind of like shove that in at the end, even though we saw him kind of be, um, you know, uh, promiscuous, you know, throughout the movie, th- that's just kind of like thrown in there real quick. And I get it that it's based on a true story. Um, they, they try to tackle a lot in this movie and I think that they do everything well. I just don't think that everything it, there, there were moments that I think should have been more tense. Like when she is, when she's faking these letters and these documents from the, these famous authors and celebrities and stuff like that, when she's yeah. trying to sell them, I just didn't get like, it wasn't as tense as it should have been for me. I should have been like scared for her turning these things in like you ever watch like the uh you know like the even they do this right even in like kids shows like when the kids like worried about like the bully beating them up after school and they got like the big clock on the wall and it's ticking and it sounds it's it's like this boom 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 where you can hear like every sound (laughs) you know of like one like the second uh hand moving on the on the clock and 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 in this one it just I, I wish they would have kind of like focused in more on like her fear and like some of the things going on around her that were like freaking her out. I just don't feel like it created tense moments where it should have created tense moments. And that's where I kind of like would have gotten into it. Cause this is, this is basically, she's, she's not, there is a, a little bit of a heist element in this and it just didn't feel as tense as it should have. Am I making sense, Dan? You're making total sense. And that's exactly how I felt, too. You know, you're watching this movie. I'm uh, again, won't spoil, but you're I'm talking about the one scene, Brian, where she she goes into that archive area and there's the guard that's watching her and she has to, you know, do what she does to make this happen. Mm -hmm. And you're right. There was no level of suspense for me. It was just it's simply I'm watching it play out on the screen and I did not feel that as well. Yeah. But that said, again, um, I'm sorry. uh, The actor's name that was her friend again was Richard E. Grant. Yeah, just beautiful performance by him. Yes. And kind of like a beautiful performance by everyone in this movie. I was surprised. I'm going to be terrible with the names today. I'm sorry about that. But I was even surprised to see what's his name from uh, 13 Reasons Why show up. Um, The kid? I was trying to find it. Yeah, the kid. 
the one that uh, was that went with her friend, stayed with her when. Uh, sorry, guys, I know you don't even know what the fuck. Oh, I'm talking I know about, what you're. Ta- I know exactly who you're talking about. <laughs> yes, he was the. Uh, he was a waiter at a restaurant that they went to. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. It was, a, it was a pleasant surprise, but I just, you know, I really, really enjoyed this movie. But I'm with you right along there. I think that it could have been better. Um, I mean, who am I? I? I don't think I could write a movie this good, but I'm with you. I'm going to go ahead and give it a high taste as well. Yeah. Yeah. I, I do recommend that people watch this. Like, I don't say I don't, I'm not saying like you have to go to the theater and watch this one. I do think that this is definitely worthy of like a, you know, VOD watch or if it's streaming somewhere or if you can red box this bad boy. I, I definitely think this is a good movie to watch like on a lazy Sunday because it is a pretty amazing story and the ending for as no i'm not going to get into it i don't even want just watch it i just i want you to watch it I, I, don't sit, don't take the high taste it as a bad rating i can't give everything tupperware's people but th- this is a, I, I can you ever forgive me with melissa mccarthy it's it, it i also agree with you dan it's her best performance that i've ever seen her and i want to see her do more dramatic roles i thought that she was really good in it and for a character that it, like in some regards is so despicable uh, what she's doing. I did kind of connect to her with the cat thing. She loved her cat. And that, that, you know, some of that stuff broke my heart with the sick cat. And uh, it also pissed me off when, you know, she goes to the veterinarian and she's got a balance there and they won't look at her cat. And I'm just thinking, oh, that, that just shit like that kind of like really kind of like made me connect with her where I wasn't before. Anybody who has a love for animals, I instantly kind of like connect with them. And so that really helped me because like before that, I was just thinking like, she's just a really shitty person. She's <laughs> <laughs> kind of dirty and, and bitter and, yeah. you know, and kind of almost entitled because of her title of, of her um, position of being a writer. She felt entitled, you know, and yeah. And, uh, yeah, I totally get it, man. And I totally share your point about the vet, too. I'm an animal lover. I'm, I'm a dog guy. Got t- a couple of dogs. And that really pissed me off that they were so cold to her on that. Yeah, yeah. Jake, I, I would recommend still seeing this one. It's a, it's a good Melissa McCarthy movie and uh, a pretty a pretty excellent performance by her. And then Richard E. Grant was just – he knocked that role out of the park. Uh, he was amazing. Yeah, I agree with Dan. If you can catch her when she's not doing her I'm falling down and being obnoxious space, <laughs> she can be very good. Ah, she was really good in Spy, even though she was doing that fucking fall down bullshit. She was really good in Spy. <laughs> and then she was great in Bridesmaids. Oh, my God. She uh, that, that's true. That's yeah. true. Yeah, that's very true. Fucking slayed me in that movie. Um, Dan, what do you got this week? All right, so – Starting at the beginning of the week last Sunday, are you guys familiar with a podcast called Dirty John? I am not. <laughs> no, I am not. Okay, so Dirty John, it sounds it's not as dirty as it sounds, actually. But Dirty John is – I'm going to go ahead and read the, uh, the synopsis on this. is an investigative journalism podcast hosted by journalist Christopher Gafford – excuse me, Gofford and created by Wondery and the Los Angeles Times. Um, what it's about basically is about a guy named John Meehan who's a, a grifter. He's an ex-con who was – we eventually find this out, was known for manipulating people time and time again, particularly women uh, in relationships. And this is based on her, his relationship with a woman named Deborah Newell. Um, it's this insane, guys. It's, it's, it, the podcast, first of all, is fucking phenomenal. And it's, um, it's like in the, in the vein of like serial or something like that. This thing had me coming back week after week to check it out because the story just keeps getting crazier and crazier. Um, so 
with that said, this stars Eric Bana, who was in The Hulk, Troy, Star Trek. We know Eric Bana, of course. Uh, Connie Britton, Friday Night Lights in Nashville. Uh, there's Julia Garner, who's in Ozark, who I think is fantastic. Yeah, this, and is, then, uh, this is – I've heard of this. This is clicking now. I've seen the ads for this. Yeah. It's, and it's, here's the other thing, too, is that it's on Bravo, which is not really a channel that I watch very much. But from what I uh, was – I've been reading about it, and it was actually like the highest rated show – debut that's ever been on bravo and i can totally think it can, it's contributed because of the the podcast it's uh again a fucking amazing podcast but there's not a lot that i really want to say about this one actually i want to say everything about this one but the way that this story unfolds week after week on the podcast makes you want to just come back for it and uh, what this is is a nine-part miniseries that's going on it comes on sunday nights at 10 and so i wish one of you guys knew about this but that's okay uh because there are some it's very accurate to the podcast, first of all. But the uh, the character or the actual real life person of John Meehan was this gigantic guy. Uh, he he posed as a doctor, and he was really tacky. He'd always wear scrubs, no matter where he went. He'd wear these medical scrubs, and that comes to play in the show as well. But um, the actual person of Deborah Newell, she was the most probably the most gullible person that you'll ever come across. She was married four times. Uh, she gets together with this guy. She meets him through like a dating site. And it's one of these things where they like instantly, quote unquote, fall in love. And they're, you know, they're well into this relationship way before they should be. We're talking like a matter of weeks. The family's aware of it. The family knows that there's something going on that's just not right with this guy. And it's a battle of the family against him and him. Manu- Lost you. That this story Damn. eventually plays out. Oh, Hello? you're back. Can you're you back. Me? Yeah, start over. Start. Start. Oh, okay. <laughs> we lost you there for a second, man. No worries. I'm not sure where you want me to start from, but um, I'll just say that um, th- this story is really, really crazy. And the way that it eventually, you know, plays out is something that, trust me, if you do end up watching this or listening to the podcast, which I 100% recommend, you'll be glad that I didn't give you the spoilers on this because it's just this crazy family battle that eventually. You know, comes to this crazy climax and it's all there. It's all, you know, you can look it up. It's, it's all true. It all happened. And it was just recently, like, I think it was 2016 or something like that. Um, I really enjoyed this for the first episode that I've seen. The second one comes out tomorrow. And as far as the TV show goes, I'm going to go ahead and give it a high taste it because I know where this is going eventually. But as far as the podcast goes, it's a total fucking Tupperware. You guys got to check this out. Okay, awesome. Yeah, I actually – this is kind of crazy. Um, I didn't watch the show, totally forgot about it. There were so many things that were going on this week. I had seen ads for it on IMDb, and I actually sent a text to my mom about it thinking like it might be something that she would get into. And so she was like, oh, yeah, I've got that set up on my DVR, and yet I haven't watched it yet. But, yeah, this uh, sounds like something – it sounds like I want to – it sounds like if you listen to the podcast, it – it might even like dampen your viewing on the show because it's probably not going to live up to the actual podcast. Exactly, man. That's the thing is that, I, okay, again, I don't know where we broke off, but um, seeing Eric Bannon in that role, he does not look anything like him, but he's very menacing in the role. So, you know, it's promising. But as far as the story goes, it's pretty accurate so far. But these, this, this group of characters, the real life people that were that experienced this thing, uh, they're just so like – 
they're just they're just interesting people. And, and sometimes that's a little bit on the insulting side because there's two daughters that are involved and they don't seem like the the smartest people, you know, the, the brightest bulbs in the batch, basically. Right. So if you ever go and you do any research or look on YouTube and see these people, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. But I guarantee it. If you listen to the podcast, you're going to like it a lot more than the television show, even though I've only seen the first episode. But you're right on the money. Yeah, it does kind of dampen it a little bit. But I would highly recommend you know, I guess I guess in that vein, I would say watch the television show first and then go back and listen to the podcast. And you will definitely see that this it's an amazing thing. It's um, it, it just it's uh, I want well, to listen. You know? I want to listen to the best thing first, because I don't you know what I mean? I don't want the I don't want the subpar show to like spoil the podcast for me. It, does that make sense? That makes total sense. Yeah. Go that way. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, total Tupperware on the podcast. And again, just for the first episode, I'm going to give it a high taste. It just because I know how this plays out. Nice. Yeah. Dirty John. I, I, I might check out the podcast. That sounds pretty, pretty incredible. And where, where's the show airing on? I didn't catch that part. It's on Bravo. It comes on Sunday nights at 10. Okay. Okay. It's a Bravo show. Okay. Yeah. And it's, again, it's, a- it's, a, it's nothing that I, I normally don't watch Bravo shows, but I think it's just because I love the podcast so much is mm. exactly why I went to it. Well, shit. Yeah. yeah. And it's Connie Britton. I love her. America, yeah, she's Connie really Britton's good. In this. Great. Friday Night Lights, American Horror Story. I didn't watch Nashville. She was she in Nashville. She is in Nashville. Yeah, yeah. Nashville was kind of a guilty pleasure. It was, it was okay. Yeah, I just uh, I never watched Nashville. I know it had a big following and everything. Didn't uh, didn't uh, what was it uh, TNN? Did they did they resurrect that show? Oh, I don't know about that. I only watched the first season, to be uh, fair. I don't I don't know what happened. I do think it was one of those shows that went away and had, like, fans get it back, though. Yeah, I, thought, I didn't know if it came back on uh, TNN. Remember Tom, saw- Wop- Remember Tom Wopat? One of the I Dukes. met Tom Wopat one time. Yeah, I, I know that guy. Yeah, from the Dukes of Hazzard. I, I urinated next to, uh, John, to John Schneider, the other Duke boy. Well, your story's already better than mine. I took a piss next. Huh. I took a piss next to one of the Duke boys once. But anyway, <laughs> um, but yeah, Tom Wopat. Uh, why did I bring him up? I, he had a he had a talk he had a talk show on TNN for a while. Ouch! He would interview like different. Oh, I think I remember that. For, it lasted for about six seconds, right? Yeah, and then now he's isn't he being investigated for being kind of shady to women? Yeah, who isn't these days, Brian? Hey, don't take it so lightly. <laughs> was it, uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson's now getting investigated. Yeah, that's kind of heartbreaking, yeah. man. I hope that's not true. Oh, I, I, yeah. It, from what I read, it sounds like it, it could be. So, you know, I, it's, it's, yeah, it's a lot of these, you know, I'm, I was a fan of his. And, like, you know, once they do this investigation, if it all comes out to be true, it's just, uh, Ah, it sucks. It sucks. So he just, put, he put out a big lengthy statement like about an hour before we went live recording. Actually, really. So I don't know if you got a chance to read it. Uh-uh. I don't know. Eh, you know, he sounds pretty indignant about the whole thing. Wow. He probably should have just kept quiet reading the statement. Mm-hmm. All right, Dan. Do you have anything else? I do actually. Uh, let's see. Where do I want to start here? Well, I know that we were going to – let's see. OK, I'll just do this. I know we're not going to talk about this one. Um, I watched Green Room on Netflix. Yes. This movie came – yeah. This came out in 2015 mm. and this movie blew my mind. I just watched it the other day. I had no idea it existed. Um, 
Green Room is a 2015 American horror film written and directed by Jeremy Solnier and produced Sol- by Neil it's, Pop. Uh, it's Solnier. Solnier. I heard myself say it, actually. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even going to bother saying the other ones. I think it's like Anish Savanji or something like that. Just I don't even uh, deal with my pronunciation. But uh, this film stars Anton Yelchin, Imogene Poots, and Patrick Stewart, who is a far stretch from you know Picard or Professor X. He plays <laughs> yeah. a neo-Nazi skinhead uh, club owner and sort of like the leader of these neo-Nazi skinheads. Uh, what this is about is a punk band that's on tour and a gig falls through. They are uh, dealing with this guy that's doing a radio show who feels bad about it, so he tries to set him up with another gig. This gig happens to be ran by his cousin who is associated with these neo-Nazi skinheads. It's somewhere in the Pacific Northwest. I think it's like Oregon or something like that. And what happens is uh, after the gig, they encounter a murder and shit just goes crazy from there. It all mostly takes place within this set of a green room for the most part anyway. And it's so intense. What did you think about this? Because I know we talked about it a little bit. Yeah, this is one of those movies that I had heard about. And I think I heard about it from Scott Schutte. And, uh, you know, uh, you know, everybody knows old man Scott Schutte. So um, but uh he told me about this movie, so I, I sought it out and saw it like streaming. Dude, this is an absolute Tupperware. This is uh, this is an incredible film. This is yep. it is Anton Yelkin is amazing. Patrick Stewart definitely a performance I've never seen from him before, and um, he's basically unrecognizable in this role. It is a tremendous film. I loved it. Very violent. I was actually surprised at the level of violence that this movie had. There's some. Uh, you know, I think this movie, if you're one of those people that are on the fence about pit bulls, this is not the movie for you because it's wow kind of thing. But it's so well acted. Uh, talk about suspense. Getting back like we were talking about. Can you ever forgive me? Now, this movie has the suspense. Yeah. And uh, it was just so well done. And it's not that long either. I think it's only like a little bit over an hour and a half. But it just had me hooked the entire time. Uh, the cast is pretty strong, but it really focuses mostly on Anton Yeltsin or Yelkin, rather, uh, Imogene Poots and Patrick Stewart. And they just... They put out these phenomenal performances. I think that it's pretty accurate. Not that I'm walking around with a bunch of skinheads or anything like that. But I think that, you know, with the music that was in the background, some of it was familiar to me. Some of it wasn't. But it seemed like they, they did their homework on it. Um, but again, heavy violence and gore, uh, super suspenseful. And, you know, again, if you're not a pit bull, if you're not a pit bull person, this probably isn't going to sway you. But um I highly recommend it. I Tupperware the fuck out of this movie. And I yeah. really wish that I would have caught it in theaters. If you're a fan of that movie, I would also check out Jeremy, uh, Jeremy Saulnier's other movie uh, from 2013, Blue Ruin. And then I would highly recommend that you stay away from Hold the Dark, which came out from Jeremy Saulnier on Netflix earlier this year. It was terrible. <laughs> so... <sighs> I'll keep that in yeah. mind. I think I heard you say that uh, a couple weeks ago, or maybe just a month ago or something like that. I, I, lo- I have avoided that one at all costs. It's terrible. I love Jeremy Saulnier. Uh, Blue Ruin was just... It came out of nowhere, and it was excellent film. Green Room, just... I was like, okay, I can't wait to see what he's got next. And then I watched... Hold the dark, and it was garbage. It looks like he's doing uh, a couple episodes of the new True Detective series with Mahersal Ali. Okay, yeah, I, I, I still, I'm still a fan. Hold the dark was just terrible, though. Garbage. Sometimes, sometimes we swing and miss, you know. But I'm sure he's going to give us more if he's doing. If he's capable of doing this movie, yeah. he's capable of doing something great in the future. Oh, is it, how did you watch this? Is it streaming somewhere? Amazon? Yeah, it's on Netflix. I think it just came on Netflix this month. 
Right. I'd seen it once before and I said, oh, that seems interesting. And, and I like, you know, uh, coming from a, a punk background back in the day, a little bit anyway, it just seemed interesting to me. And it was way more than interesting. Again, total Tupperware. Trust me, guys. Like we've talked about some like movies on this show before and we tell you to watch it. This is one you need to watch. It's on Netflix. Watch Green Room. You will not be disappointed. It is fantastic. Um, Jake, what do you got for Good Pop, Bad Pop? Oh, I, I guess I'd be interested to know um, how Patrick Stewart even got hooked up with that kind of role, huh? Like, I, do you think he probably took some kind of pay cut for that? It just seems like a tour de force for him to take take on that kind of role, right? It was surprising to see him. I have no idea what what his association was or how they found him, but I'm glad they did because you see him, you just see a whole other side of him. You you see, I've never seen this is not Jean-Luc, you know what I'm saying? And I've just never seen him do anything like this before. It makes me very excited to see what he's capable of doing, you know, outside of the, uh, professor X and the, and the star Trek thing. I know he's coming back for that from what I understand at some, in some capacity, but this man's got chops that I did not know existed. So I don't know. I'm really not sure how he got involved. Yeah. I'd be really curious to like go online and do some Google and read some like making of about, you know, how he got even involved with that production. Someone's really wild. Someone sent him the script. I don't know if Jeremy Saulnier was like a fan of Patrick Stewart. I can't imagine him not being a fan, but Sir Patrick Stewart said in an interview that when he finished reading the script at his country home in England, it was so terrifying that he locked up his house, turned on the security system and poured himself a scotch. He then knew that he wanted to play the Darcy Banker role because a character that horrifying would be an incredible challenge and make for a compelling movie. So I guess his name was on a probably a short list for people that Jeremy Saulnier was wanting to get for this character. He might have been at the top of that list for all we know. And Patrick read the script, loved it, and then he did the movie. Wow. Yeah, that's awesome. So wow, really cool of him to do something like that and show a lot of range. Dude, it's, yeah, I, I, you'll love it, Jake. You've got to watch this fucking movie. It's so good. It's on Netflix then, yeah. I'll make a note here. Yeah, I wanted to talk about um, some music that I've been really into lately. Um, and I'm, I'm sure some of our listeners have heard of this, and I'm sure some of them haven't. But I think it's something that would be of interest to a lot of our listeners. Um, it's a band called The Greatest Bits. Have you, either of you heard of this band? I have not. No. Yeah. um, They've been around since 2010. And basically what they do is they redo classic popular video game music. And it's not note for note. It's almost an homage to all the different tracks from different video games. And he started in 2010 with Mega Man 2. There's a track for every single level in Mega Man 2. And since then, he's recorded over uh, 450 video game tracks on 40 plus different albums really easy to find this stuff too it's all over on spotify or apple music or you know if you're titled by by some weird reason however you get your streaming music um it's pretty easy to find the greatest bits and man it is just freaking awesome i'm just in love with it um the way hearing like street fighter 2 music but like in stereo and with all these different instruments and everything just decked out is just unbelievable and you get just such an appreciation for all these classic video games and like the compositions that they made for them i mean just so much tender loving care into you know a side-scrolling donkey kong game for instance it's it's just unbelievable how much like rich music there are in these old video games and to hear this production level given to them and you know such such love really shows like what great tracks all these things are and i mean he does all the basic stuff like all your classic mario tracks but i mean there's 
just tons of deep cuts too and he still does music today he he produced a album for Fortnite in the last couple of months he did a Mega Man 11 album which just came out in the last few months ago and it's really awesome stuff i mean i highly recommend checking it out just look for some of your old favorite classic video games and listen to the tracks i highly recommend the uh chun lee track from the street fighter 2 album just blows my mind i sometimes i drive to work and just listen to it five times in a row to get myself pumped up for work it's just freaking incredible i wish i would have known about this i would have had some of this pulled up so we could play it yeah yeah i I thought about bringing it up but i don't know i just kind of sometimes like want to surprise you with this stuff um maybe we can look forward to a break or something but yeah i i think you would really dig this actually brian especially like the street fighter 2 album yeah oh man oh and mega man Mega Man, and you said mega man 2 mega man 2 is one of my favorite games of all time oh man yeah when you hear like the heat man level some of those dr wiley stages and just you know, it sounds great in the old bit tune music. Don't get me wrong. I'm a big fan of that. And I mean, this keeps that style and keeps that passion. It's not like it's it's all computer and very minimalistic real instruments here, too. But the sound quality is so much better than just the beeps and the boops that you're used to mm-hmm. from the original game. I mean, those the original Nintendo had like three speakers and a, like a noise processor to make music with. So it doesn't take much to make those same melodies and tunes just sound so much better and in stereo. That sounds so, awesome. Yeah, this is incredible stuff. Sounds like like when I'm doing show notes, that'd be something that I would want to have on in the background as I'm doing notes. That sounds like something I could listen to. Uh, it's awesome, dude. I, I took I went through the whole library and basically any video game that I was into, I just threw it into a playlist. And now I just like throw that on mega shuffle. And it's fun sometimes to not even look at like my screen and try to think like, oh, what what fucking game is this? It's like, oh shit, Double Dragon Two soundtrack. Oh shit, you yeah. Know? I want to hear like <laughs> like fucking like uh, Contra. You know? Oh yeah, yeah. There's there's some super deep cuts. I mean, it's unbelievable. He did four albums that's just like Ness greatest hits, where it's just twenty tracks of Ness songs like upgraded. And oh man, it's it's unbelievable. I am in love with this guy. Um, I've listened to it so much that Spotify has kind of figured out the algorithm that I'm into video game music right now, which has also been a super bonus because now I have a daily mix full of other artists that specialize in doing video game soundtrack music and it's been kind of a cool just discovery just from the algorithm that spotify has given me from listening to all this stupid stuff <laughs> but yeah i love it total tupperware for the greatest bits i highly re- highly recommend any of our listeners that love classic video games and classic video game music to check this out when you it's just fucking amazing when you first hey. brought up music i was starting to have like ptsd of like dan giving us his mashups and so I was a little worried, but now you've put me at ease. So thank you. Well, I yeah, you know, I, old I, shit, though. <laughs> <laughs> I thought about that. I was like, oh, man, Dan is just bombing with this music stuff. And I, <laughs> I, got, I got my greatest bits review. But, yeah, I, I can't <laughs> wait for you. Don't sugarcoat it, man. Don't sugarcoat it. <laughs> no, no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't for you, Dan. But, yeah, I can't wait for you guys to check this out and let me know what you think of it. it this is just fucking cool stuff here. What's it called? Hey, guys. It's called Alphabets. Uh, What's it called? The Greatest Bits. The Greatest Bits. I was thinking of the serial. What were you saying, Dan? Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, but I was curious. If you do want to hear it, I do have it pulled up if you want to hear a particular cut. But if not, I totally get it. That's fine. I don't want to step on your show. Just fucking play it, Dan. <laughs> Is there something that you <laughs> – I'm not coming play back ever if, again. No, if you're going to interrupt the show for that, Dan, just play it. <laughs> you got to do that. You got the Mega Man 2 album up already? Uh, yeah, I do actually. 
It's Dr. Wily Stage 1-2. That's the track. All right, here we go. Any day. <laughs> there we go. That is not it. That's what you, that's Dr. Wiley's stage. Uh, well, All yeah. right, Dan, let's, let's thank you. For I that. think I'm just going to fucking turn it off now. Yeah. Good night, everybody. Good. <laughs> See, Dan, Dan I, I think we'll take over from here. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Hey, that's what I get for fucking helping. <laughs> See people. No, the thing is like, don't, don't even be embarrassed. It just makes for fun comedic moments. No, not at all, man. Don't yeah, worry. I'm, I'm not even doing this too long. I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> you must have got either the wrong Mega Man game or the, or the wrong Dr. Wiley stage there. So let me ask you, Jake, is it all kind of like like eight bit sounding? It's all over the place. Um, a lot of it is eight bit sounding, but he does a lot of modern music, too, which, you know, has a lot of, you know, actual instruments. So but yeah, it's I would say it's like 80 percent, 80 percent, like still chiptune sounding and eight bit sounding. It really keeps that flavor. Does it sound anything like what we just listened to? Yes, it does sound <laughs> okay. like that. OK, <laughs> So you get the idea. Yeah. yeah. That was probably the band. Um, Dan, Dan, <laughs> that was definitely yeah. the band. I'll tell you yeah. that. It was definitely the band. I love how Dan was trying to be helpful. That was It was a nice gesture, Dan. I tried. It was well appreciated. Yeah. It, you're kind of like a, like a toddler trying to help mommy clean the house, but you're really not doing anything. You're just actually and just... And I helped. Yeah. You're pushing the dirt into more dirt and then pushing it around into other places and now mommy can't even get to the dirt but you know thank you it was it was cute it looked fun you know good effort a. good effort a for effort <laughs> all right sit here in a corner on mute <laughs> you're fine <laughs> I'm, I'm yeah, playing. you're in I'm mute good. for five minutes dad <laughs> oh man i don't know I'm, I'm not i'm definitely not on my game tonight gentlemen so whatever <laughs> um let's let's i'm good to go hit me with what you got hey let's talk about the uh movie that we saw dan the possession of hannah grace Let's do it. When a cop who is just out of rehab takes the graveyard shift in a city hospital morgue, she faces a series of bizarre, violent events caused by an evil entity in one of the corpses. It's directed by Diedrich Van Rugen from the Netherlands. He directed uh, Daylight and Taped. Those are two movies I've never seen. Uh, It stars Shay Mitchell, Gray Damon, Kirby Johnson, and then... I was really excited to see this guy, Lewis Hertham. He played uh, the original father of Dolores in Westworld. Big fan of that guy. Um, Hannah, (laughs) the possession of Hannah Grace. Uh, Fuck this direct-to-DVD bullshit. My God. Thank you very much. Fuck this movie. (laughs) The possession of Hannah Grace. I would rather watch Nancy Grace than watch this fucking garbage again. This was fucking terrible um i want to dive into it and unpack it a little bit more but uh i'm going to tell everybody right now i toss this movie save yourself the money do not waste any money on this movie at all uh do not see this one we'll unpack it a little bit but dan what were your thoughts on uh the possession of hannah grace this movie was a hot dumpster fire it was so fucking bad i thought okay so earlier this year, I don't know if you guys reviewed Slenderman at all, but that was another shit show. This one is right along with it, man. I, I'm really glad that you guys feel this way, or at least, Brian, that you feel this way, because I was thinking I was going to be the one that was the negative guy. But first of all, 
there's nothing that this movie offers that's going to be of any originality whatsoever. Everything that's in this movie you've seen before. I'll start off with that. Uh, there's one thing in particular that I think that they got to be really careful with from now on because, um, you know, in horror movies now, and you'll know what I'm talking about, they, they have this trope where there's something crawling on the ground and they have like these cracking bone sounds and it's all distorted and the body gets distorted and crawls after you or something like that. That actually was cool at one point. But at this point, it's just a trope and it's it's just terrible. Um, I will say the acting wasn't too bad, but the story was complete shit. Uh, it really gave you no no ending like the ending was I was expecting more from the ending at the very least to have something where it kind of tied everything together but just complete shit there's a guy in the movie that plays a security guard by the name of David I think who is the most ridiculous character I've ever seen Uh, complete with like you know when when someone's by themselves and they're like you know he steps up to bat and the crowd goes wild all that bullshit like all of that's in this movie yeah and it offers nothing of any kind of substance whatsoever uh someone gave me a gift certificate for my birthday to go check this out and i want my money back on the gift certificate because it was just a waste i actually spent 1250 on this piece of shit and Mm. i'm not happy about it see i used my amc a list and it was one of my selections for this week you've got this character uh the main character and she was a uh, police officer and she's suffering from post-traumatic stress disorder because uh, there is a scene, they show a flashback where she couldn't pull the trigger uh, on a guy who then shot and killed her partner in front of her. So we saw that ha- kind of like play out. She couldn't shoot the guy. And so like she's kind of like, I don't know, she she doesn't. She's That's not the plot to a loaded weapon one there. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. The, the comedy? Yeah. Yeah. Um, this is so basically she couldn't. This guy pulls out a gun. She couldn't shoot him. And so they she she just leaves the force, the police force, and she's got to find a new job. It really fucked her up. And she started I guess she got addicted to uh, Xanax or uh, opiates or benzos or whatever she got addicted to. And so like that was a big thing in this movie was like her being addicted to like these, uh, you know, the prescription drugs, uh, antidepressants and uh, abusing them. And so like a lot of people that are in her life, she lost a relationship with her boyfriend because she was abusing these drugs. And, you know, her friends are worried about her and falling back into her old ways and taking these drugs. She's really fucked up from the PTSD of that whole situation. And so, uh, in order to kind of like take her out of that element, she gets a job where she works at a fucking morgue around dead bodies all the time, Dan. Because that'll keep you sane. Okay, you watch your partner die, and so what do they do? They don't have her working at a fucking grocery store checking out people's bags. She's got to deal with dead people all the Does that even make any sense, Dan? Dead, slashed up people. Yeah, that's really good for your morale. It's good to, when you're, especially when you're getting over a PTSD thing. No, none of it makes sense whatsoever, Brian. It was terrible. Okay, so basically they, they let her work around dead bodies. She works at this medical intake bay at the hospital. So basically she's inside uh, and uh, there's this uh, intake bay where like they bring the bodies to her. She opens the doors and they, and they, they wheel the bodies in. And then her job is to like take pictures of these people that have died and and then uh, get their fingerprints. And uh, and uh, let me just say the, the movie um, is just it's slow. It's horrible at creating tension. And and then all of a sudden, like we talked about her doing like the Xanax and the opiates and benzos, whatever. There's these intermittent drug 
public service announcements from random characters throughout this entire movie. Like you got the one friend who's saying like, you know, don't do drugs, don't fall back into your old ways. You got the boyfriend saying it to her. And then all of a sudden, like you got the Randy, the intake guy talking about how he's an alcoholic. It's a, it, this movie takes so many fucking like after school moments, special moments to talk about like the dangers of doing drugs and alcohol that it's just like you forget for a moment that you're actually watching a fucking horror film until you see some like creepy girl crawling on the goddamn damn floor it happened to me so many times in this movie i feel like i was just watching like a a commercial for don't do drugs and then all of a sudden like there's this weird twisty woman on the floor with her bones poking out and i'm like oh i'm in a fucking horror movie i forgot completely (laughs) i was in a horror movie the part when uh fuck it i'm gonna spoil it the part where let's do it the the intake guy when randy died in the in the uh parking garage right outside the park at the uh the intake bay i was just i was laughing to myself i was like oh wow he kind of he just made her job easier for him that's uh, that's like curbside service the guy just dies right next to the intake bay she can just wheel him in that is just stupid shit this movie was absolutely fucking terrible it was a waste it was an hour and 26 minutes and it felt like it went on forever this movie cost <laughs> 9.5 million dollars to make and i honestly don't know where the budget went because you barely get to see hannah grace and her possession and when you do it does she's like it's um, jake this is like a prequel to like gene gray from the x-men because she's doing like telekinesis shit where she's making people float she's got like kind of like red hair and she's making people float and stuff like that i don't know where the budget for this movie went because i it feels like you know like if you if you if you just like hire a shitty contractor you know what I mean? You hire, like you find your contractor. He's real cheap because you find him on Craigslist. You could pay this other guy. You can you know this guy's going to do the job right, but you got this other guy on Craigslist saying I can do it for a quarter of that. And so you hire this guy, and then he comes out and he does a couple things. He you know he puts up a couple studs and uh, does a couple things to the wall, and then and then he skips town, never comes back. That's what this movie feels like. It feels like <laughs> this nine point five million dollars that they put into the fucking budget of this movie. Like they they put a million dollars into it, and the people behind it took off with the other eight point five million dollars of it. It feels like a bad Craigslist fucking botch job of a contractor here. It was fucking terrible. This is the this is the worst horror movie wow. I have seen probably in the last three to four years. This is terrible. Uh, what was it? What was that Truth or Dare one? Truth or Die that came out earlier this year, the Blumhouse movie. I actually yeah. got enjoyment out of that one because it was so bad. It was silly and fun. This has none of that. It is slow. It is plotting. It is boring. The characters, I mean, for as much as they talk about not doing drugs, I literally wanted to fucking try heroin after watching this movie. It is <laughs> that fucking terrible. This is garbage. And. What's crazy about this is because, like, you look at the budget, $9.5 million, and you look at, like, what Blumhouse has been able to do for $5 million on some of their horror movies and blowing this out of the water. This is a – and they marketed this and made this movie look like it could be possibly a good horror film, uh, giving you some some of those creepy moments in the trailer. None of it plays out on screen. This is absolute fucking garbage, people. Toss this one so fucking hard. <laughs> oh man, horror movies have become the trickiest to tell what the fuck 
quality is going on just by a trailer. Because, I mean, you could just make any trailer scary with the proper edits and the proper music and the yeah. proper cuts. And you just you can't tell what for what when it comes to, like, what kind of a pacing of a horror movie you're going to get. If you're going to get dull fest lane or if it's actually going to, you know, be a good thriller or not. Dude, I would love to see what Jason Blum thought about this movie. And, like, I would love to see what, like, Jason Blum could do with this movie. And the ending was so projected, wasn't it? Yeah, the whole thing was projected. There was nothing in this movie that ever gave me, like, let's take the uh, the homeless guy. You know who I'm talking about at the Bay. Yeah. I knew where that shit was going right away. There oh, me nothing. too. The jump scares, you see the jump scares coming from a mile away in a taxi cab down the street. Like, there's just nothing at all in this movie <laughs> that works whatsoever. There are movies now that are coming out. Uh, like particularly on like a Netflix or Shutter that are just blowing this thing out of the water, yeah. and they have an even lower budget than that. And you yeah. can see it, but you can see what they're trying to do. Uh, there's one called uh, Terrorizer that's fucking fantastic about this this guy named Art the Clown. That's like a slasher movie. That's fucking great. You take all this money and you just waste it on this piece of shit, and it's almost insulting to be honest with you. I think Diedrich Van Rusen, the director, is at a fucking strip club in the Netherlands right now throwing ones into some girl's fucking G-string. I honestly don't think that he used half of this fucking budget. It's ridiculous. This movie is terrible. They, they hold back on so much stuff. They hold back. They pull back on... I mean, uh, $9.5 million? Where did it go in this? <laughs> Oh, those strippers wow. can answer you, I think, man. And he better hold on to those ones, by the way, because if he keeps making shit like this, that's all he's all the ones he's going to get. Terrible. Oh, it, I give this movie one out of fucking ten stars. It was J- J- Jake. This is just this is a fucking just terrible film. There was nothing compelling about it. Nothing compelling about the story. Nothing compelling about the exorcism itself. Uh, I mean, it's like somebody watched The Exorcist one time and said and i'm gonna do and it was just so i'm gonna do something so un- uninspiring with with the with the exercise well I, I don't know dan i'm sorry i'm just rambling i just i really hated this movie i don't want people to get caught up in the hype of the trailer because the trailer does not look this bad the, the, the trailer sells this way more i remember seeing people watching this trailer and other movies that I've seen this year and reacting to it and saying, Oh, I got to go see that. And then I just, I got no reaction out of my crowd today at all from watching this film. Actually three people left the movie theater midway through it. That's the honest truth. They really did. They never came back. I thought, you know, bathroom break or something, but I was paying attention to that because I'm just sitting here going, what the fuck am I watching? Mm -hmm. But just gar- what this is, is a toss it and then light the garbage on fire. Yeah. That's what this is. This is absolutely, just just terrible the possession of hannah grace this is just it's sad i really wanted to go in and see at least a you know i wanted to come out here and at least be able to give this one a taste it i can't there is nothing jake this is not like uh truth or die or whatever the fuck that what was it called truth or and what was it called truth or dare i think yeah truth or dare you're right truth or dare truth or dare yeah when i saw that like it was bad, but it was it was still fun. And, and characters, you know, would say silly shit. Hey, have you seen the trailers for uh, Escape Room? Yes. That looks fun, doesn't it? 
Oh, totally. Those are that's something that I haven't done yet and I want mm-hmm. to. But I think it's at least it's a, an original take on something. We yeah. haven't seen this yet. I have been to an escape room and it is a lot of fun. So and I'm looking forward to that movie. What, what's the new movie with uh, with uh, what's his name? Uh, Dennis Dennis Quaid coming out. Have you seen the trailers for that one? No, no, not yet. Uh, yeah, there's like a new kind of like thriller movie with Dennis Quaid. He plays the bad guy in it. And a family moves into a house that his grandfather built, and he's always lived there. And so uh, he has to sell the house for one reason or another after he sells the house to this nice, you know, uh, these the, this couple that just got married or whatever. They've moved in. He just shows up and starts mowing the lawn, and he won't leave. And it looks like it's going to be a really fun thriller. So I've never, I never thought about seeing, like, uh, Dennis Quaid. In a movie like that, he might have done performances like that before, but he looks like a looks like he's going to be a good villain. And I'm watching those trailers for, you know, Escape Room and and this new Dennis Quaid movie. And I'm like, why can't I be at that movie now? Because like this, (laughs) this, this is just a dumpster fire of a fucking film. Just terrible. The Intruder. The Intruder. Yeah, it looks good. Looks good. Has, Did you happen to see a trailer for one? At least in my theater, I saw it. It was uh, The Curse of La Llorona. Have you seen that one? I have seen the trailer for that one time. I is is that uh, is that like a real kind of like? Uh... Yeah, it's it's like Mexican folklore. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Like my grandma used to scare the fucking shit out of me with that. You know, if I didn't behave. So like we this, used to live we used to live behind a uh, or in, in front of a canal. And this that's is what like it's based on this is a lady like the, that lost her kids. It's the horror version of Coco. Right? Yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> That's totally it. You know what, man? Though this kind, this movie really just kind of—I'm losing faith in these types of movies mm. because, as it is, nothing really scares me anymore, and I, I want that. I mean, the last movie—can you guys think of a movie that scared you? What scared you in your in your life? I think maybe The Exorcist, Amityville Horror. Maybe that's it. Exorcist. Um... Amityville Horror definitely did uh, the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and then the um, the original Asian version of The Eye. The first two thirds of that movie, not the Jessica Alba one, but the original one, uh, scared the shit out of me when I was in my twenties. I'll have to check yeah. that out. I haven't seen that. I can't think of anything in the last ten years, though. I mean, there's been movies that were good that it were decent movies but like actually scared me i don't know <sighs> i can't think of a movie nowadays it's more the thrillers than the actual like you know yeah tropey horror movies yeah. that actually like leave the lasting impressions on me i that, that's the thing i think like uh with the horror stuff I, I don't it's not about being scared anymore i think it's just about having fun and watching the kills like with halloween the new halloween that came out that's what it was about for me so you know I wasn't scared, but I had a lot of fun watching it. Yeah, and like the Conjuring stuff. I mean, that's very interesting. Like, I like that movie. Ah, Blair Witch. Blair Witch did it. Blair Witch kind of freaked me out. Yeah, yeah. Blair Witch is a good one. Yeah. You're referring to the original one. Right? Oh, yeah. Not, not the Book of Shadows and not the <laughs> new one that came out. But again, it was something new, something original. This has been done a hundred times, and they have to stop it. Or if they're if they're going to continue, they got to get their shit together and do it right because this was not it. Oh god, this is. Ter- but it only cost nine point five million. So like, let's see how much this one makes. You know what I mean? Just based off the fact that people falling for the bullshit marketing that they gave it. 
yeah, it'll probably make a good amount on VOD too when it comes out yeah. in like two months. You know. Can we talk about the new Night Flyers featurette, gentlemen? Yeah. Night Flyers is a show that I've been looking forward to. It's coming out on December 2nd. Uh, this was actually sent, this featurette was sent to me by uh, uh, one of our, our new super fan on Twitter. Uh, what's his uh, at A-N-A-S Anus? I want to say Anus, but that doesn't, I don't think he wants to go by Anus. Anus the Night. It's uh, A-N-A-S underscore the night on Twitter. Um, I'm so I I don't I wasn't gonna mention that it kind of looks like anus and I did now I feel bad. Um, <laughs> yeah, you can't no take backs. There's no take backs. It's out there. It's yeah. It's it's out there in the ether now. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> anyway, thank you, anus, for sending this. <laughs> <laughs> thank you might as well run with it now fuck it i'm doing it uh thank you so much for sending us the featurette uh we've talked about night flyers before it's coming to sci-fi it's a new show that's coming out and uh what is it it's on a mission aboard the night flyer the most advanced ship ever built a team of scientists embark on an expedition to make first contact with alien life set in the year 2093 their mission takes them beyond the edge of the solar system farther than mankind has ever gone before but when terrifying and violent events start to occur the team and crew begin to question themselves each other and their reclusive captain they soon come to realize that the true horror isn't waiting for them in outer space it's already in their ship and um I've been looking forward to this one. We talked about it a little bit last week. I've actually included the link to the featurette in our show notes. So if you want to check it out, you can. A couple things that I learned from this featurette is I didn't realize that Andrew McCarthy is going to be an executive. He's an executive producer on this. Good old Blaine from Pretty in Pink. Yeah, Pretty in Pink Blaine. Um, But I wanted to know kind of like. Dan, what what are your thoughts on Night Flyers and then and then on this featurette? Kind of like, I mean, the featurette kind of deals with like, uh, you know, the this whole production in general that Sci-Fi is working on. Yeah, that's what I focused on mostly. I'll be honest with you, I don't have a lot of familiarity with it, but shit, I want to be acting on that. It looked really impressive. I love that they're using all these practical effects and that they built this massive set for the spaceship that they're, you know, that they're going to be in. Which is that the Night Flyer? Is that what I'm led to believe? Yeah, that's the Night Flyer. Yeah, it looks really impressive. I don't know really anything more about the story or not, but it just looks like it. I was very, very taken aback by how big this damn thing is. It's a um, George R. R. Martin book from yes, years yeah, ago. Yeah, I'm familiar. Yeah, yeah I, I, but I, do, I really don't know like much more than that. But uh, have you read it? I have not. Oh, okay. But yeah, it looks impressive. I, I really haven't seen anything as far as any type of trailer for it. But based on that feature alone, I'm watching. Jake, you were down on this last week when we talked about that uh, first five minutes intro. Did this change anything for you watching the featurette? Yeah, you know, um, I'm actually going to – I want to thank Anus too for sending this because <laughs> this um, – <laughs> <laughs> this um this actually did um is like as far as all the hype for this this actually did get me thinking it wasn't so much um the visuals i was seeing but the things that were being said and what they got me thinking about um i thought getting george R. R. martin in this spot was very clever um i thought he said a lot of great things um he said a lot of really big promises though like they kind of put out the thing that they always say where, you know, it's not going to be all the same tropes that you never see in these science fiction spaceship shows. You know, they're they're going to break the mold. They're promising to break the mold and show you something darker and, you know, 
better than you've ever seen before. And, and I kind of fell into the hype. I, I thought they did a good job. And, you know, I I thought to myself, you know, fuck it. They did. George R. R. Martin did it with Lord of the Rings and, you know, broke that mold with Game no. of Thrones and kind of, oh, yeah. Yeah. you know, changed the game. And maybe I'm being a little bit short sighted just from what I've heard and what, you know, the first four minutes that we watched on this show. And uh-huh. maybe it's there, too, you know, because Game of Thrones is very long form storytelling. And maybe it, it takes more than three, four minutes for me to say, holy shit, look what's going on here. Right. And I honestly, this four minutes made me want to give this more of a chance than anything I've seen yet. I'm like, OK. Maybe they really do have something special here. Maybe they really do have something cooking, and it's going to be just a wild, crazy, violent, who knows what's going to happen, science fiction space ride. And I I think I'm kind of down now. Dude, I was blown away by this featurette. I think, like, you know, all the sets, all the real tangible sets that they've made for this look incredible. They built a dome out in the forest. Like, this is not CG. They built a dome out in the forest for one of these sets. Um, I loved how they talked about how the ship itself is actually a character and how it's a maze and how you can get lost in it. You don't know what's lurking around each and every corner. I loved how just watching the characters walk through the night flyer, it's kind of like a, I don't want to say a spherical shape, but there are many circles on the night flyer. And you could kind of see like when they're walking through like hallways and corridors, the curvature of the ship, but also how like it's not difficult for them to walk, like kind of like replicating, like the ship has its own gravity. Um, I, I also liked how, when you saw like what they see when they're looking out side of the ship, they built they didn't mm. use they didn't use green screen they actually have a gigantic screen showing you the scenery from the outside of the ship that the yeah, the video wall stuff was the crazy. video wall yes where like the whole set kind of like can pan is it the set that moves back and forth yeah that's i think I it was it. this yeah that's how i took it too yeah yeah, I was blown away by that kind of practical thinking and budget being done on a, on a sci-fi series. Dude, it's like John Hammond from Jurassic Park fucking is the CEO of sci-fi. And he's like, I've spared no expenses because this is awesome. They Everything in this featurette made me very, very excited for this series. Like I, I thought Origin on YouTube Premium was fantastic. And uh, now watching this featurette, I cannot wait to watch Night Flyers. And it looks like sci-fi has kind of taken a, a drastic turn with their programming. Happy was really good. We've got uh, Deadly Class, the Rick Remender comic book, is going to be on sci-fi. It looks like sci-fi is like they've, they know that they have to change with the times. As much as I love shows like Face Off with the makeup and all that stuff, they can't, their bread and butter can't be reality shows. Uh, defi- and you don't want to be known for fucking Sharknado either. Sharknado. Yeah. And, yeah, I love Defiance. I, I really did love Defiance and the world building that that show had, but it was an expensive show for them at the time. Um, and, and, and the makeup I thought was fantastic, but the CG was lacking. Here they're taking like that budget they have and they're building practical effects. And it's like, I was very impressed by this. Very, very impressed by this. So I, I Tupperware this featurette. I want to thank Anus for sending it to us. Thank you so much. And uh, everybody check it out. It's going to, I'm sorry for calling you Anus. He's our new super fan, Jake. This guy loves us. Yeah. Anus is super tight. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> you son of a bitch. I love you. 
right. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Any final thoughts on, on Night Flyers? I yeah, just think I, I miss that it's coming out. Yeah, I'm actually I, I'm for the first time excited to check this out. Like I, I'm ready to, to commit to this, and right. I don't know. I almost now I almost wish it was the kind of thing where I could watch the whole season at once. I know normally I'm anti that guy, but I just kind of know how George R. R. Martin's storytelling goes, and I feel like this it might be a bit of a slow burn, right? Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, it might be a slow burn, um, and I don't mean that in a negative yeah, way. Yeah, no, no. Um, honestly, I think everything was going pretty great when it was a slow burn on Game of Thrones. So we'll see how this series works out. So yeah, you don't know, you don't know what you got till it's gone, kind of with that. Dan, do you have anything else that you wanted to talk about for Good Pop Bad Pop? I have one more thing, gentlemen. Uh, let's see here. So I saw something on Netflix last week that was probably the most impressive series I've seen for a very long time and it's called The Kaminsky Method. That's oh, the best yeah, series yeah. I've seen all year. Yeah, okay. And um, this is an eight episode series that is created by Chuck Lorre stars Michael Douglas, Alan Arkin, and Nancy Travis. It has a little bit of an older cast but they they perform with each other so well. Um, wonderfully written and it, it turns real life situations like mortality you know, drug abuse, even like prostate problems, very real shit, gentlemen, uh, into this like heartwarming and hilarious and sometimes scary experience. You know, um, I think that the banter that goes on between Michael Douglas and Alan Arkin is just fantastic. I did not expect what I saw. I've passed through it a few times on Netflix. You know, you see the trailer come up and you you watch it. It, I was like, I'll come back to it. And I I don't know why I waited so long because it's just fantastic. It's got this, uh, I don't want to say it's an all-star cast, but there are so many people in this thing that Mm -hmm. just pop up here and there. Everybody from like Jay Leno and Margaret, uh, even freaking Emily Osment. Speaking of uh, Hannah Montana, Uh, even fucking Eddie money shows up playing a guy named, uh, playing a, uh, cover band. It's Eddie money, but he's, he doesn't want to get taxed for the uh, performance. So he plays Freddie money and he's playing this Indian. Um, Danny DeVito. Yeah, Danny DeVito is in it. It's just fantastic. Mm-hmm. And I don't really want to go too much into it, but essentially what it is, it's it's about, you know, love and loss and in your older years and how two two people that are sort of forced to what what it is is that uh, there's a there's an acting coach who's played by Michael Douglas and he used to be the shit back in the day and now, you know, he's not so much, but he has a uh, it's called the Kaminsky method. That's his acting class. And his agent, his longtime agent played by Alan Arkin, suffers a loss. And due to some conditions that were sort of established prior to the loss, Michael Douglas and Alan Arkin, rather, are, you know, they're they're kind of put together and sort of I guess I I guess you could say that they're sort of uh, led to sort of live the rest of their lives together. Not necessarily like literally where they're like habitating in the same place or anything like that, but they're but they they're they're forced to be better friends, I guess you could say. And the journey that they go on, the things that happen, uh, it's just all very real shit, but it's done so charmingly that honestly it's one of the best series i've seen on netflix in a very long time and i would definitely give this thing a tupperware i watched the first four episodes of this this week um because you said you were going to be talking about it so i was like ah, oh, i'll give it a shot I- i'm not i'm hit and miss with chuck lorre so i was very skeptical going into this i thought the first episode was okay um the second episode i thought it was all right up until it ended the the end of the second episode um was just phenomenal i i I think alan arkin kind of like carries the show for me in my opinion totally totally i think he's really good i do need to complete this whole season 
to really give it my nailed down rating um, because I'm only four episodes in. I'm halfway through it. Um, right now, I, I am definitely wanting to finish it. But as a whole, I'm giving it a high taste. It. I think that this could be a Tupperware by the end of it. Um, I really do. Uh, it's just right now, I'm only halfway through. So, uh, But you're right. It does make you think about mortality. And, and, and it does, you know, you know, Michael Douglas is like he used to be like the he used to be uh, king shit of fuck mountain when it came to like acting and he used to like be able to he was betting actresses you know big time actresses back in the day and now he's getting older he's having prostate problems and things like that and so like you know he's he he's he's not who he used to be and but he's also Alan Arkin's character is like a complete he's he's coming from a completely different place he was like married for forty years. You know, was with this wonderful woman, had a had a great marriage. And, uh, you know, you've kind of got like uh, Michael Douglas, who's like this playboy. And it's just but they've always kind of been friends. And here they are. And I do think that this is a I I do think that this series is interesting because I think it, it can show you even though like you're in your like your twilight years, you can still have areas of growth even as you become older and I think that that Chuck Lorre is doing a brilliant job of showing that I also really appreciated the scene with Alan Arkin watching Cocoon it was such a quick scene but he said something like I watched this movie 30 years ago and I liked it but like now that he's watching it as he's at the same age as the characters in the movie he appreciates it that much more and I was just like what what, what a just a, a quick thing to throw in there and it was fucking brilliant, in my opinion. And it, it yeah, made, agreed. It made me think about so many things that, like, as a kid that I watched that I didn't appreciate. And then when I got older and I watched them again, you know, it started to it, it, it hits home with you a little bit more because, like, that's where you are in your life. But uh, I think that this definitely has the potential to be a Tupperware for me at the end of the day. And I, that's a, Dan, that's a lot for me to say for a Chuck Lorre show. I feel you, man. And and I, I kind of agree with you. And I would go one step further in saying that if you're um, like I'm in my 40s and if you're not in your 40s, if you're in your 20s, you may not be able to relate to this as much. But trust me, shit gets crazy as you get older. And, you know, it's just it's just all very real. But the way they're able to turn this around and make this this very charming show, it just absolutely worked for me. I hope that you end up thinking it's a Tupperware. I oh, mean, I, I t- oh. right now, I, out of the gate, I am Tupperwearing Alan Arkin. I will finish the series, this eight-episode series, just because I love his character so much in this. I think it's totally worth it. I will say that it's... Um, it's it sort of ends abruptly, and it leaves you wanting more, and I hope they get back to it very soon. Nice. But for me, I recommend it. I recommend everyone watch it. But I could totally understand that if you're watching this as, you know, uh, late teens, early 20s, you're not really feeling exactly what they're trying to lay down on the show. Yeah. It makes perfect sense. But I do agree with you about Chuck Lorre. I'm not you know, I'm sort of hit or miss on him as well. But I think that he knocked it out of the park on this one. Yeah. You millennials go watch your pootie pie bullshit on YouTube or whatever you're doing. <laughs> I think he got taken off of YouTube. <laughs> I don't see how much I know. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so definitely check out the Kaminsky method on uh, Netflix. Yeah, good suggestion, Dan. I'm glad I'm watching the show. I will finish it. Um, I went to the theater and watched an anime this week. It was a, a movie that came out. It's been out uh, internationally uh, for a little bit now, I believe since October, but I could be wrong. But uh, they just premiered it here in the U.S. Uh, it's called Mirai. 
the movie follows a four-year-old boy who is struggling to cope with the arrival of a little sister in the family until things turn magical. A mysterious garden in the backyard of the boy's home becomes a gateway, allowing the child to travel back in time and encounter his mother as a little girl and his great-grandfather as a young man. These fantasy-filled adventures allow the child to change his perspective and and help him become the big brother he was meant to be. It's written and directed by Mamoru Hosada. And uh, Mamoru Hosada has actually said that this film draws from his childhood when he had a younger sister whom he was very jealous of. And... um, I, uh, you know, I didn't know what, to, I didn't know what to expect. I just saw it was a new anime. Like last year, Jake, remember I went and saw silent voice in the theater Yeah, and how that was my favorite movie of last year, not just an animated movie. It was my favorite movie of last year. So I was like, I'm going to give this a shot. I'm going to, I'm going to watch this movie. It's rated PG. Uh, I'll, I'll give it a shot. I think that this is a great movie for kids to watch who might have a problem understanding like a new younger brother or sister a new baby in the family, you know, kind of getting all the attention from mom and dad and them just not understanding like why their parents are the way that they are too. Cause it, it not only deals with, you know, like a, a new, a new baby taking the attention away from you. It also deals with like, why are mom and dad the way, why do they, why do mom and dad scold me the way that they do? Why do they react the way that they do? This movie is very deep for a PG PG film, excuse me, not PG-13. And there's also this really cool, like, element of fantasy with uh, uh, the character being whisked away to, like, different worlds and different times. There's there's a time travel element to this. Um, He meets his his, uh, sister when she's older, and uh, that, that is very cool. Because he is very jealous of her. He actually, there's a scene where he gets very angry at her. And he's, he loves toy trains. And he picks up a toy train and he hits her over the head. A little baby. Because he's so angry. He's a little boy and he's so angry. Because he wants mommy's attention. He wants daddy's attention. And he hits his little baby uh, sister over the head with a little toy train. And uh, so he meets his sister uh, when she's older and they, they, they talk and they interact. Um, he actually meets the family dog in human form. Who's actually jealous of him. So he gets to see it from the other end of the spectrum. The, the family, he was born when, when the, the, when the boy, his, the boy's name is Coon. And when he was born, it took attention away from the family dog. Oh, that's awesome. That's a funny perspective. Yes. Yeah. That's interesting. There's a scene where Coon, the young boy wants to run away he just wants to run away. He's, he's upset at his mom, his dad, his little baby sister. And he goes to this fantasy world where he's at a train station and he's lost and he doesn't know his mom's name. He doesn't know his dad's name. He's scared. And it's an important reminder to like parents to like teach your kids, you know, what to do and what they need to know if they ever get lost. I thought that that was a very cool thing in this movie. The movie has really quirky humor to it as well, and it's very charming. There are some scenes that actually had me laughing, had my audience laughing very much. Um, the Kid Coon, like I said, he's not always likable. He hits the girl with the, with the train. Mom gets mad, and he starts crying and screaming. And it shows like how overwhelming parenting can be. You want to do the right thing. You want to be there for both your kids, but it's, it's so overwhelming. And even though like in this family there's two parents, it was just – it's it's a lot for them to handle, and especially with a kid who's who's uh, he's 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 got a lot of spunk, but he's in a lot of energy. 
but he also desires attention, craves attention. And um, he meets his mom when she was his age. And uh, that is that is pretty incredible. So he starts to understand, like, why she is the way that she is and why she parents him in certain ways. It's kind of how, how she was raised. And, and pe- that's what people do. People react the way that they were raised sometimes. It's hard to break those. Even if it's a bad example, it's hard to break those molds because that's what you're – the only adult that you're around – you know, you, you can watch all the family sitcoms you want to, but you're not always going to react like fucking, you know, Mr. Brady from the Brady Bunch. You're going you're gonna to turn into your father when you don't want to. You're going to turn into your mother when you don't want to. And then this movie also takes this fantasy trip down his family tree and how his little family came to be and how important certain moments throughout time of this family. Like if this didn't happen, you know, your grandparents wouldn't have met and you wouldn't be here. And it just shows how special the whole family is as a unit. This is, and it's a fantastic piece of animation. I, I, I think the animation is absolutely beautiful. It's by Studio Shizu, and they did a fantastic job with this. Um, the, uh, <laughs> I also found it interesting. Mikado, the house that they're in, was, it, it's split up into different levels. Um, and it was very, is a very cool designed for this house and Mikado Tanjaniri designed the family house to have stairs and different levels as a key feature. Um, he said a, a child will be able to see the bottom room clearly from the garden, but an adult will only be able to see what's right in front of them. The child's view will change as he grows up. And I've, I, you know, I noticed that when I was a kid growing up, you know, how things look so much bigger when you're a kid and when you get older, they, they look different in, in your, in your, in the house. Uh, the, the house you're raised in. Jake, I loved this movie. I thought it was a Tupperware. It's fantastic. I, I think it's a, it's a heartwarming story. It's got great lessons in it, and it was a lot of fun. Um, a beautiful movie. Yeah. This is a beautiful movie. It sounds fantastic. I, it sounds like a, a, another great example of just, you know, the things that anime can do that you just never get in, like, American cartoon productions. Yes. Like, you know, broaching these kinds of topics that never get any kind of treatment anywhere near an actual full-fledged, you know, hand-drawn animated movie or, you know, computer-drawn animated movie. And just that's what kind of makes it so interesting. I think a lot of people, you know, hear that it's an anime movie and they instantly think it's just going to be giant mechs and boob shots. But Mm -hmm. it's not the case at all. I mean, they really, you know, broke some really deep topics and some really important topics. And you know, along the way, maintain, you know, a great sense of humor and a lot of whimsy. So it doesn't come off as just a giant preachy mess. Like yes. it does anytime, like American cartoons try to pull off the same kind of thing. Agreed. Yeah. There, there definitely is like whimsy and humor in this one that like had my audience just like cracking up and we had a great time watching this movie. Um, it's called Mirai. It's spelled M I R A I. It's going to be in theaters, I believe on December 5th as well and december 7th or 8th it's a um it's a g kids event and it's at limited theaters i am so glad that i took the the trip to go see this one in the theater it's a beautiful beautiful movie so i highly recommend watching mirai i think this is a great one for parents to share with their children i also think it's a great movie for parents just to watch because you realize like those moments from like when you were a kid and like why you 
maybe speak to your kids the way that you do. And I think like even the kids watching this will understand like where mom and dad are coming from. Like, oh, that's why mom and dad act like that way. Cause like, that's how they were raised. And I don't know. I, it, it's a fantastic movie, Dan. I think that you being a father, you, you might, you might even appreciate this even more than I, I did. So. Yeah, I look forward to seeing it. I, I wanted to see it on Thursday so we could talk about it, but I just I got called into work and it didn't happen. But I'm definitely going to check it out. Yeah, I highly recommend this one, guys. So Mirai uh, Studio Shizu doing a great job here. And then if you haven't seen A Silent Voice, seek that movie out. It is an amazing piece of anime. It yeah, Jake. It's not like mechs and uh, you know all that stuff that maybe people can't get into there's a it's just an it's an incredible anime so i highly recommend that hey guys do you want to take a break and then come back and do the pop culture leftovers news or do you have a choice oh let's do it i'm ready for a smoke all right let's take a quick break we'll come back with the pop culture leftovers news uh, did, dan did you have anything left I, I i i didn't know no sir i'm good we're good all right. thank you taking a break we'll be back back everybody it's now time for the pop culture leftovers news all right ladies and gentlemen we got uh, dan ramirez from the heroes of noise podcast now dan you're just a, you're just a polished podcaster <laughs> well thank you i'm feeling a little uh little you know what you guys you guys are keeping me humble this week and i love it man. how so how, how are we keeping you humble you know, I busted out my little my little sound effect thing, and you you shot me down, gentlemen. And and you know what? That's good for me. It keeps me <laughs> humble. It teaches me to be a better podcaster. Uh, not to go up against these these kings here, the uh, the pop culture left. This is why you guys have the awards, gentlemen. No the award we, nominations. We, we got we, yeah, uh, the nominations. Yeah, yeah nominations. No, you totally fucking deserve that, though. Seriously. Yeah, yeah, no, whatever. <laughs> oh, come on, don't, 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 don't sell yourself short, man. You guys got uh, a whole I, legion of fans and everything. It's awesome. Don't you know? It's, it's okay to suck your own dick every once in a while. No, it is not. Absolutely not. We are not worthy. Yeah, of, we, we've been we've been told not to do that. A yeah, couple times. exactly. On the iTunes reviews, just blowing each other over those things. <laughs> anyway. Well, I commend you. I think it's awesome. Hey, guess what, Dan? You should be excited about this, and I'm sure you've heard the news. Uh, Preacher's been renewed for season four. I have learned this, yeah. I'm a little bit bummed, though, because, I mean, I'm happy that it's coming back, but I was this close to getting a set visit. Um, Sorry to do a quick plug, but we do a podcast called um, The Word, the unofficial Preacher podcast. And, you know, I've had some celebrities on from the show uh, doing an interview and whatnot, and I was this close to getting a set visit and going and do all that. And then they fucking pack up and move to Australia. So Uh. that's kind of... Yeah, that's yeah. They, yeah, I did read that that they're going to Australia, but yeah, I thought you'd be excited about that preacher season four. That's pretty incredible. Oh yeah, I still need to watch season three. I love the first two seasons, so I got to get on season three. I still got to do it. What's stopping you? 
Uh, everything else new coming out, and uh, it started, and I just never. I need to just watch that first episode, and then I'll just I'll you know because I love uh, Dominic Cooper and Ruth Nega. I think they're fantastic. I'm very curious to see what you think about this one. Okay. I'll check it out. I will check it out. I promise you I will watch uh, Preacher Season 3. Uh, let's see here. Again? I'm not going to read that. That's stupid. <laughs> yeah, it, well, oh, I will read it. It's, it's, it's early. Things could change here, but it doesn't look like Kurt Russell is going to be a part of the new Big Trouble in Little China film that's starring uh, Dwayne Johnson. Um, he said he probably won't be in it, in it and he said, quote, He's talking about Dwayne Johnson. He's he's just a really good guy. I like working with him. And if he's going to do it, he and his crew will hopefully be able to come up with something that I guess makes the title work. So that was a quote from Kurt Russell. So I was, you know, Jake, we talked about the reboot and not reboot, how it's going to be a sequel to Big Trouble in Little China. And I talked about how maybe at the end, you know, the... We see, like, uh, the Pork Chop Express roll up, and out comes Jack Burton, you know, Kurt Russell. And uh, as of right now, it doesn't look like that's going to happen. No, this completely kind of shoots down that hope, it sounds like. So, yeah, yeah I don't know. It's one of those things, right? I, you should try to stand on your own two feet with stuff like this if you're going to do it. That's true. Uh, I, I wanted to see old man Jack Burton, though, man. Yeah, I don't know. It, it, it comes back to that like prequelitis cheese kind of stuff, though. Like, it's a really hard to pull that off and have it be a fist pumping moment instead instead of like a cringy moment. Ah, oh, you, you a cringy. It's not like they're doing a reboot here and Arnold Schwarzenegger shows up as a different character in a Terminator movie or a Predator movie. This is like a continuation of the original story. You can't tell me that fans would not be excited to see Dwayne Johnson on screen with Kurt Russell reprising the role as Jack Burton. I don't know, man. I just I feel yeah, like yeah, but it, there's a there's a difference between doing that movie and doing it for thirty seconds. You know, I, I guess it, I think it just kind of teases the next movie and gets people excited. Like, wow, they could really they could do this if they did it. In, I don't know. I I can't see myself in the theater if I've enjoyed everything. Hopefully, going forward, you know, uh, happening in that Dwayne Johnson movie. If I am enjoying it, um, and I was shocked that I enjoyed Jumanji as much as I did. I can't see myself not getting to the end of that movie and seeing that scene and not being excited for the second one. I don't. That's just me, though. I love. Yeah, I, I, I love Big Trouble, man. It's one of those movies I've seen literally, you know, twenty plus times. I love. I that movie was on repeat when I was a kid because it was. It was always on like Cinemax or HBO, and I would just watch it constantly. So. I mean, that movie will still always exist and still always be awesome. Like, I still think you kind of need to let this movie breathe on its own. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I totally get that. It's just, you know, and I did read the uh, the, the Big, Trouble, Big Trouble in Little China uh, comic book that came out. And then they came out with, like, uh, The Old Man Jack, like, which is, like, him older and stuff. Like, I really enjoyed that kind of stuff. And so uh, we'll see. We'll see what this movie does. And I'm hoping for the best. Hey, Dan, were you a fan of Big Trouble in Little China? I know you guys are big fans. I've seen that movie one time and I don't know if it's like, you know, how like when you're I think I have a few years on you guys. So, you know, how like when you're younger, like four or five years can make a big difference in what, you, what you're into. I think I missed that whole thing. I, I did see it in the theater, but I, I just don't really 
recall it very much. I assume that it's that good to where it's rewatchable and maybe I should check it out again. But I don't have a lot to say about it, unfortunately, because I, I just I've only seen it once. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I think it's the same way with kids today when they're watching porn. They don't watch porn with like the, <laughs> the pizza guy showing up. They're, they're basically just watching like, you know. The, the snippets, the clips of just people getting down and dirty. Like they, they wouldn't know what they were watching if a pizza delivery guy came and rang the doorbell, and they they wouldn't know what to expect. And uh, you know, we 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 were raised on story, Jake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, now that I can get down with. That I understand. I totally get that. <laughs> Hitting the enter button a lot of times. Yeah. Let's <laughs> uh, see here. Uh, it's just all down to business now. It is. It is. It's just. It's just like uh, you, you. You click on it, and all of a sudden, it's just like you just. Yeah, she's just going to town on on whoever and whatever she wants to or he wants to. Anyway, back in the day, it was all about uh, a, a story. You know, back in my day, I watched porn with a story. You know. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, whatever. We were happy to watch it. I, I was happy to watch anything back then, porn related. You know, it's a busy world now. They don't have the time for this kind of thing. The attention span's not there. You have to get down to the, you know, the old one too. Right I'm not. Yeah, I'm not saying. I'm not. I, that's the stuff I'm watching now too. I'm not going back and doing like a, you know, revisiting like old pizza porn. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> I just like just like you don't have time to watch Preacher season three. It's like who's got time for all that, right? There's so much new material. Uh, it, it is with this show. It's hard to keep up with everything. To be quite honest with you. Anyway, I was on Twitter uh, Thursday and I read um, on at Adult Swim. It said simply, "We are making a Blade Runner animated series," and I was just like, "Oh my god! Oh my god!" So then. Details were later given to what's now being titled Blade Runner Black Lotus. Uh, will feature 13 30-minute episodes produced by animation studio Sola Digital Arts. And uh, Shinji Aramaki, Kenji Kamiyama uh, will direct all episodes of the premiere season. Those guys are from uh, Appleseed, and then uh, Kenji is from Ghost in the Shell. Um, they're going to direct all the episodes of the premiere season, which will follow their current directorial work on the upcoming Ghost in the Shell series reboot. Um, Shinchiro Watanabe from Cowboy Bebop and Samurai Champloo is a creative producer. While the series plot is being kept under wraps, producers have confirmed the story will take place in 2032 and will include some familiar characters from Blade Runner from the Blade Runner universe. So this, this story actually takes place between the first and the second film. I for one am I'm excited. I, I'm I'm hoping it's fantastic. I'm I love Blade Runner and I loved Blade Runner twenty forty nine. I know not everybody loved that movie, but I'm looking forward to seeing like uh some of the things that happened in between those stories. Yeah, it's a great platform I think for this show too. Adult Swim does a good job with a lot of this adult anime type of like feature stuff, right? And is this being done by an American studio? Do you know what, what's the studio again? Uh, Sola Digital Arts, uh, same studio that I guess did uh, Ultraman. Okay, okay, yeah. I mean, this this should be really spiffy looking, and um, I wonder how much um, input Ridley Scott will have into this, if uh, any at all. Yeah, I don't know. It'll probably be executive producer, right? You would imagine. Yeah, they throw him on. Yeah, there. you got it. Yeah. 
Yeah, you got to imagine he's got to have some involvement. And this Blade Runner is kind of his baby, right? Like, think of how much he tinkered with even just the original. Yeah. Dan, you a fan of Blade Runner? I am. Yeah, I've watched it. I like it. It's it's not my favorite, but I do like it. I appreciate it. And I like the first one a lot better. Yeah, I liked I I, I enjoyed both of them, but I, I've spent more time with the first one, so I'm a fan of the first one first and foremost. But yeah, looking forward to the series. I think it's perfect for Adult Swim, and I also it just it goes to show that streaming services are having every network sweat now, right, Jake? Everybody's got to get their thing. You know, I mean, I know Adult Swim's got Rick and Morty and that like they signed like that huge exclusive deal with Rick and Morty. What was it like 70 episodes or some shit? And so now they're like they're like, oh, fuck. Netflix has got Castlevania. Netflix is, you know, doing, uh, you know, we're going to got another announcement I'm going to talk about here in a second. But like Adult Swim is just trying to keep up with the times. They don't want to get left behind. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and, you know, it's always easier to get people to tune into the first episode of something if it's something they're already somewhat familiar with than it is an original property, unfortunately. So you're going to keep seeing, you know, stuff like this. Netflix has ordered the planned live action adaptation of the iconic anime series Cowboy Bebop. Variety has learned the series is described as the jazz inspired genre bending story of Spike Spiegel, Jet Black, Faye Valentine and Radical Ed, a ragtag crew of bounty hunters on the run from their past as they hunt down solar system's most dangerous criminals. They'll even save the world for the right price. The series, which hails from Tomorrow Studios, has been in the works since last year. Netflix has ordered 10 episodes. So this is... uh, uh, Tomorrow Studios is developing the Snowpiercer and Hannah TV series adaptation. Snowpiercer coming to TNT. Uh, check this out. Christopher Yost, the writer for Thor Ragnarok, will pen the first episode, while original, original series director Shinchiro Watanabe will serve as a consultant. So apparently the series was previously set up at Amazon Studios, and for some reason or another, it... Now, maybe they got outbid, but it landed at Netflix. Oh, no. Amazon passed on it. Amazon passed on it. Netflix is now taking it. And um, this is it came out in 98. And they I think they had 26 episodes of this in a movie. And it's considered one of the biggest series in anime. Uh, Jake, have you watched all of Cowboy Bebop? I have not seen the series in entirety, no, but I've seen a giant chunk of it. Um, well, I did not know Christopher Yost was one of the pen writers of Thor Ragnarok either. That, that kind of came to it as a shock to me. Uh, Dan. Um, oh, go ahead. Sorry. I was going to say, I don't, he is really, I, I was, I didn't know he was behind this project. He is really hit and miss with me, Christopher Yost. He's done a lot of the, uh, direct video animated Marvel screenplays too, mm. which are, yeah, not the greatest, you know? And he always pins a lot of the comic books that are the like prequel comic books or just like the generic animation spinoff comic books right like i don't know it's a little bit of a disappointment that he's the head creative force behind this because i never think of him as someone bringing and if anything that innovative to the table so and even like with thor ragnarok i'm sure he probably just did the bare bones like storyline and because a lot of that is so taika with Hedy, right like you can oh, just yeah. tell yeah I would have said, like, uh, I would have said, uh, you know, like, Titans is, like, you know, some of those episodes that are being, uh, Akiva Goldsman has a, is writing for those, and, 
and he's a producer on that show. And I'm not a Akiva Goldsman fan, but Titans has just been incredible. So like I've got a newfound respect for Akiva Goldsman over the last like yeah, it, seven episodes. So I don't know. It's like it's one of those things with we'll see what Yost can do. Yeah, even Akiva though, like uh, I'd seen moments of like brilliance up until this moment. Like I'm a big fan of Fringe, and he had you know a big hand in that. And like I don't know, I just. I, I am kind of disappointed that Yost is is the driver here, so that's very scary to me. Dan, do you have any familiar? Do you have a, a relationship with Cowboy Bebop? I don't. You know, I dip my toe in the water with anime, and I've taken your recommendation on Silent Voice, which was brilliant. I know it's not the same at all, but uh, it's never been my strong suit, the anime. So, I, unfortunately, I don't have much to comment on on that. You know, I, people have sung the praises about Cowboy Bebop for years. 20 years now, Jake, and I'd never watched it. And so I was just like, ah, we're, we're going to be doing this episode. Cowboy Bebop's a big deal. So it's all on Hulu. Everything's on Hulu. So I started the Cowboy Bebop series, and I'm about five episodes into this and i'm absolutely loving this dude it is so fucking good and the thing is it's like um can they translate it to live action you've got to keep the same music and everything in there i don't think the action can be translated i just don't think it can be done yeah, I don't think this is going to work at all. I think this is this is a classic example of, unlike Blade Runner, I think they're just slapping a familiar name onto a Netflix live action property and hoping for the best. I just, I just don't see this being very creatively good or even a good homage to the original series. Uh, I am pretty worried about this show, and you know, I, you said Bleach was good, Brian, but other than that. Netflix hasn't really had the greatest track record either. With yeah, a lot but of Bleach these, was yeah. this was done by an actual like Japanese studio that didn't whitewash anything, right? So I, I don't know. I, what are they going to do here? Are we going to have that problem here? Are they going? And and another thing with this one, it's it's a space western, and Jake, like, is it going to be a lot of special effects? Are they going to use a lot like his like? Dude, there, there's scenes that I'm watching. It's like one minute they're flying around in town. The next thing you know, they're blasting off into outer space, dude. I, I can't imagine this having a cheap budget. No, you're going to have to dump some money into this. This is a series order, too. Am I correct about that? Netflix has ordered 10 episodes so far for the first season. So, we, of course, like we're not going to find out if it's going to get a second season or not. But they've ordered 10 episodes for this first season. It, it's not saying it's a limited series. So... It's not like it's a one season and done. This could this could continue on with with more seasons. Oh, that's super cool. Like I want to be wrong. Like I want this to work. I want Netflix to give the budget that's needed to make you know do do a proper adaptation. You know, and I agree with you, Brian. Like the music and just the whole feel of it is something that is going to be like really delicate to capture. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I hope they pull it off. I hope I'm wrong, but this seems like just. I don't know. Netflix th- going on for some easy clicks for are, old are they, school fans of are they going to do it? Late nineties Cowboy Bebop. I'm not too far into the show, but what I've seen, I've absolutely loved. Are they going to do it like the show where like every episode they're going after a different like uh, bounty? 
You know, because like, dude, I was like one episode, they've got like, uh, you know, the guy who's like got all the plastic surgery and he's looking for his dog and they're hunting him down. And he's the dude looks like he's like six foot 11, really tall. The next episode, like it's a whole like uh, it's 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 like a whole like Las Vegas space station that they're on. And I was just like, oh, this is with the gambling and everything. And I was like this. I think how are they going to be able to do this? Are they going to translate actual episodes that we've seen in California? Cowboy Bebop, or is it going to be all new stories? They say a live action adaptation, but does that mean that they're going to adapt each individual story to like this season or like pick and choose like which of these stories they're going to pull from? And like, dude, I can't imagine the bu- the budget cannot be cheap on this, man. Yeah, I lean towards the picking and the choosing, just t- kind of taking the overall plot and thematics and, you know, making your own 10-episode season out of it is yeah. kind of what I imagine happen happening. I, I actually think they will do a few episodes where it's it's different bounties, right? But it'll be a little bit more serialized than it felt in the original mm. to be translated to, like, a Netflix 10-episode thing, you know? Yeah, we, we shall see, man. I... Dude, uh, they also got to get the music right. They've got to get the music right. The music plays a big part in this, especially in the action scenes, because like you wouldn't think that it would fit and that it would work. <laughs> For some reason, it just does. Yeah, there's not much Cowboy Bebop either, right? It's only like a handful. 26 yeah, episodes. Wanna... It's 26 episodes in a movie. Yeah, there's, I was going to say there's a movie, too. Yeah, I, I think I haven't seen the movie in about six episodes, so... Yeah, I should probably go back and check this out before. It's like, why do that, though? I just make myself even more upset when this Netflix thing comes out. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I definitely need to finish it out. I've heard lots of good things about the movie. Yeah. Um, moving on here. So hopefully Cowboy Bebop will be awesome. I'm going to finish this series because I've been having a blast. I love the characters. I think, oh, man, it's just it's such a fun show. And... It's really good. It's all on Hulu, people. I highly recommend this. And it's, it won't take you that long. Each episode's like 30 minutes, and, you know, it's, uh, it's all there on Hulu. Um, got news here from Variety. YouTube, to make new originals available for free, ad-supporting viewing with single-slate strategy. So basically, this whole article talks about how, like, these, uh, these YouTube premium shows, like Impulse, Cobra Kai... Uh, Origin, the new one, uh, the new show Wayne coming out in January. These are going to be made free by late 2019, early 2020. So you're going to be able to watch them for free. That sounds like great news. Here's the problem. Uh, here's a quote here from a YouTube rep. As we look to 2019, we will continue to invest in scripted programming and shift to make our YouTube originals ad-supported to meet the growing demand of a more global franchise. This next phase of our original strategy will expand the audience of our YouTube original creators and provide advertisers with incredible content that reaches the YouTube generation. Um, It's basically what's happening here is... YouTube is shifting their whole strategy from this original programming that they're doing on this premium service. Apparently, it's not performing the way that they want it to. And they're moving toward mainstream celebrity-driven and creator-based reality fare. So they will continue to greenlight some scripted productions, 
but they're going to move toward their YouTube celebrity driven and YouTube creator based reality stuff, which this announcement sounds great when you read it for at first, like, oh, I'll be able to watch Cobra Kai for free. I don't want to pay for YouTube. I can watch Cobra Kai. I can watch Impulse. I can watch Origin. I can watch Wayne. I can watch all these. The problem is that they're not going to put out as much of this stuff. And who knows if they're going to be able to support what they already have to get greenlighted for the future as they basically are shifting gears now. And they're going to have their YouTube celebrities do more of like their reality shit. And that's going to be like their focus. I think this news comes with it's, it's a, I'm not happy about it now, to be quite honest with you. Yeah, that is kind of um, like a bitter ending to the story, right? Because it definitely did read as, you know, at first we're going to continue with these shows and these creator different shows. But, you know, you're going to be able to watch all the old stuff and any upcoming new stuff just with, with ads and everything. But, yeah, now now that you're explaining that it's going to be a, a cut down on scripted television and an increase of just YouTube celebrity. Yeah, it just seems kind of like they uh, dipped their foot into this pool and just weren't quite ready to compete with all the other the big boys, you know, the Netflixes and the Hulus. And it's nothing against their content. I know you've been a big fan of almost yeah. all the uh-huh. YouTube shows that you've watched, but it, it's just a tough market, right? It doesn't matter if something's good or critically acclaimed. You really kind of have to find that smash hit that just forces people to subscribe to to it and i i think youtube as a branding as a name is always going to have that problem you're always going to feel a little bit icky about paying for youtube right yeah it's just never going to go away yeah yeah very true and dude it's like fuck i'm glad that people are going to be able to watch this stuff for free but like does that mean like now that they're going ad supported does that mean that because I don't think that's going to bring in the revenue that they're going to need to continue some of these shows, especially like Origin, which I think has a big budget. Does that also mean that we might even lose Cobra Kai? And like, will that yeah. find a home somewhere else? Like, will it have to find a home hopefully somewhere else like Netflix or something like that? Dan, what are you thinking, man? That's what I was thinking, actually. I think they came out swinging with Cobra Kai and it was very promising. But they essentially said they just can't keep up with what's out there. So to me, it sounds like the kind of like a disclaimer for the beginning of the end. Uh, yeah, I agree. I agree. Oh, and it sucks because I think there's not enough there right now to justify people spending the nine, 12 bucks or whatever it is a month for the YouTube premium. I understand that there's not enough, but I feel like Jake, you said like they dip their toes in this. They realize that it, maybe it's not sustainable, but I feel like once everything does go, you know, once it's all ad driven, that might affect the current slate of shows that they have. We might not get an origin season two or an origin season three or a Cobra Kai season three. And that's disheartening because I've actually been a huge fan of like those shows. I'm really looking forward to Wayne as well. And it's like, you know, I we might see that kind of stuff go away. So like, yeah, when I first like read this and I published it on our page, I was just like, yeah, everybody's going to be able to watch this and everybody's going to be able to chime in on like how much they are enjoying these series. And now it's just like, fuck, it's like a double edged sword where we might lose these all together. Yeah, that is very interesting. It sounds like YouTube's really going to shake up their business model. And, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what, what shakes out of it. I do think that these shows could easily find a home. A lot of the 
more popular ones on other streaming services that honestly think that wouldn't be too far fetched or you know not possible at all. It may question it will Facebook watch be able to sustain is Facebook big enough that it'll be able to continue what it's doing because with Facebook watch, you can watch their stuff for free. Elizabeth Olson's going to be doing a, a, a Facebook Facebook watch series, um, you know, uh, or will Facebook watch kind of like go away? Well, I mean, it's a little bit of a different animal there because they're not asking you to pay any kind of price up front to watch it and they make so much money on you know the the ad streaming revenue and information about the people that are on the service itself like facebook can afford to do the facebook watch stuff because of the money that's already rolling in like they wouldn't invest in it if they didn't have that money to do it anyway you know they're they're not expecting really giant returns on it they've kind of already got their business model in place Mm -hmm. so it's it's just a little little bit different that's a good point but it's like we're in the middle of the streaming wars right now, the beginning of it, actually. Yeah. And who knows what's to come, you know? So I was actually thinking about that myself. I'm kind of new to that whole Facebook. What is it called? Facebook Watch? Is Facebook that Watch, yeah. Yes. Yeah, I'm kind of new to that. And I was checking it out. And it seems interesting. But getting back to, you know, YouTube again, where they – I mean, what's going to happen? I think they will eventually – this is just my prediction. I think they will eventually try to charge for it. And I don't think they're going to have enough content to – I know I, told, I totally sound pessimistic when I say this, but I don't think they're going to have enough content to really keep up with it. It's the streaming wars, guys. They're, they're up against Disney, Netflix, Hulu. Those are the main ones right now. And who knows what's going to come after that? We'll see. But I don't know. I think there's going to be a lot of ship jumping and, and a lot of you know rearranging things. I don't think that when we see uh, – take Cobra Kai, for instance. When we see Cobra Kai Season 3, it may not be on YouTube anymore. We may end up on Hulu or something like that. I think it's good enough to where someone will buy it. But – it's risky. It's a really risky business right now. This is like the Wild West. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think YouTube itself is very strong branding. I wouldn't be surprised if YouTube just gets eaten up by one of the bigger services in the near future, like totally. in the near five to ten. Um, you know, because I just don't think they're going to find their way as far as being a, something that's going to be a viable paid service for people ever. So, you know, I could see. And I mean, but who who knows? I mean, Netflix themselves started as sending you DVDs in the mail and they were able to change their business model into basically the leader of all this stuff right now. So, you know, who freaking knows? I mean, YouTube could yeah. turn it around. But as it is, the best part of having a YouTube premium subscription is being able to shut your phone off and still listen to the YouTube video with your phone shut off. So yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Not the best service. And, yeah, and then uh, no ads, of course. Yeah, the no ads is nice, but right. I mean the ads are pretty minimal. Usually, you get that one at the beginning, right? Unless you're watching a really long video. Yeah, but the problem for me with the ads is like when I pull up a YouTube video that I want to play, like on the podcast. Every once in a while, I'll get the ad and it'll start playing. <laughs> You know, oh, that's a great point. We had that problem since the dawn of time. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Getting back to those ads, too. It seems like they're very ill timed. Like if they're going to incorporate ads into it, which they obviously are going to, they need to work on the timing of that better because it cuts so abruptly. It sort of takes me out of it a lot of the time. Yeah, Yeah, it's very jolting. Yeah, I was watching. uh, We talked about the gate last week with Neil. And so I went to Tubi TV to watch uh, the gate with ads. And, like, it'll count down and let you know when the ads are coming. And it's just, like, at horrible times. I'm just like, oh, God. Oh, it was terrible. So. It's like a fucking extinction countdown. It's like, oh, crap. In yeah. five seconds, it's going to be this jarring moment right in the middle of a scene. Yeah, it was terrible. So, um, guys, it's confirmed Jordan Peele is going to produce the Candyman reboot. 
And this news comes from Dark Horizons. MGM is set to partner with Jordan Peele's Monkey Paw Productions on a reimagining of the 1992 horror classic Candyman, which adapted from Clive Barker's short story, The Forbidden. Uh, Nia DaCosta, she directed a movie called Little Woods, is going to direct this from a screenplay screenplay by Peele. So Peele's actually writing the screenplay and Rosenfeld uh, with the product dubbed a spiritual sequel to the original uh, the action returns to the now gentrified section of Chicago where the Cabrini Green housing projects once stood. So Jordan Peele's writing the screenplay. They're talking about it being a spiritual sequel. I think what they mean is they're talking about this being like Halloween where they kind of like ignore the two sequels that <laughs> the Candyman had. And... From what I remember, like the first Candyman, the second Candyman wasn't that like a uh, the second Candyman. Didn't they go back into the past and like the the history of the Candyman and how he came to be? Like they they ta- they touched upon it in the first movie, but you actually like got to see that story in one of the sequels. I don't know if it was two or three, but there, it sounds like the spiritual sequel sounds like basically like what they're doing is they're saying like, okay, this is you know set years later. Um, it's where Cabrini Green used to be in Chicago, the housing project there. So, like, this sounds like what they did with Halloween, that they're ignoring the two sequels for the Candyman. They're, like, Halloween ignored all, like, the other sequels from that franchise. And they're going to pick up the story. There's, yeah, spiritual sequel. I think that's what they mean by it. Yeah, like the lore, the the main lore still exists, the main canon from the first movie, but you don't have to be steeped in death for direct-to-video sequels or anything like that. Yeah. Like we're just going to pick right up on the lore that you know from the popular first movie and no other baggage needed. And I don't know anything really about this Nia DaCosta. She did this movie called Little Woods. Um, you can't watch it, <laughs> unfortunately. It never got distribution. Um, Tessa Thompson did star in the film, but you can't watch this. It was like screened at like, um, you know, film festivals and stuff like that, but it never found distribution. Um, so hello, Netflix. Maybe here's the thing, Dan, it deals with abortion. Ah, so touchy subject. Very. That's, that's, no one's going to want to touch it. Yeah. That's kind of like the reason it hasn't been picked up for distribution yet is it, deals with that a little bit so i don't know hey brian yeah do you happen to know if tony todd is going to have any involvement with this one don't know um i have no idea if tony todd who was the you know original candy man is going to play a part in this he was in hellfest <laughs> <laughs> i never see that one is it good i know you said you liked it right uh, it, was, it, was, it was. I think I gave it a taste. It. It was okay. It was all right. It was nothing better that, than Hannah Grace. Oh God, leagues better than <laughs> Hannah Grace. Anything's better than Hannah Grace. What a fucking pile of shit that was. You want to talk about that again? No. Um, it, I, I have a, would you like it if Tony Todd and Kurt Russell showed up at the end of the new candy? Oh, you movie? son of a bitch! It's all. It's just all a little joke to you, isn't it, Jake? <laughs> <laughs> Brian's Brian's wishes and Brian's dreams and people and 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 people that uh, you know that that played a big part in the past and in the, the building cornerstones of these franchises having anything to do with future installments. It's all just a big joke to you, isn't it, Jake? 
most of the time. It's all it's not just my fault a, that it's a joke. All the just writers a, make it one. Yeah, but you know, if fucking you know, like Juliet Andrews was in Mary Poopins Part Three or whatever the fuck, you'd be all about that shit, wouldn't you? Ah, uh, Dick Van Dyke's good enough. Yeah, whatever. Dancing on a table. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> They still got it for an old man. Yeah, agreed. It's just making a mockery of me wanting to see people reprise roles 30 years later, Jake. I'd be about it if it was the whole movie. I don't know. I, oh, yeah. They, they they cheapen it. They just cheapen it with Jack Burton showing up at the end of that movie in the Pork Chop Express, don't they? Yeah, have him just give him a thumbs up. Give the rock a thumbs up and drive off. No, he's teasing the next adventure. <laughs> he's teasing the next adventure, Jake. He's basically saying yeah. the adventures of Dwayne Johnson in this big trouble in Little China Universe will continue with Jack Burton in the next film. Kind of yeah, love it. I mean, it's it's one of those bold statements, though. If the movie's a failure, then it's like you never even get that movie. That's what I yeah. – I think what I if you go back and live, if we look at the tail of the tape and what I said, Jake, is I said it's all dependent upon how that movie is perceived. Yeah, yeah. I, I hear you. I hear you. Uh, I'm not really mad at you. <laughs> oh, I know. I said, geez, I'm going to be trouble in Little China again. <laughs> you had to bring up Tony Todd and Jack Burton, you son of a bitch. It just, it just sounded like the same conversation. I, I couldn't help but think of both. No, I'm glad you called it out. But I, I don't know if Tony Todd's going to be involved in this at all. There's no official announcement. No casting announcements have been made yet. So, it's, I, you know, uh, Peel's working on the screenplay, and they've got Nia DaCosta here. So we'll see. Uh, um, you, if, it, if it is anything like Halloween, you, you think that uh, Tony Todd could return then, right? Yeah. Uh, if it, they do it, they play it like that, like – I would kind of be fine with this. Like, I, I don't. Why do Candyman with Tony Todd still around? Like, he, he still looks exactly the role. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, just 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 have him be it. It would kind of be silly not to at this point. I think he is the legend. I mean, it would make sense that it would still be him. That would be the Candyman. So, Dan, you a big fan? Were you a big fan of the Candyman franchise when it came out? And and. Uh... Yeah, what's your, what, how do you feel about Candyman and your experience with uh, with this film franchise? Not so much the franchise, but I did like Candyman. I thought it was creepy as fuck when I was a kid. I think yeah. it was like probably 15 when I watched it. Getting back to movies that I think are creepy, that was definitely one of them. Um, but how old is Tony Todd, though, now? I mean, is he still looking good? Yeah, he was in Hellfest. He looks fine. I mean, it's... Okay. It's, so it's totally yeah. possible that it, that it can be good. I, I'm I'm all for it. He's, just, on, he's, I, on, he's on his last legs. He, <laughs> he's got a respirator. His last breath. Yeah. I don't know if he's going to be able to handle shoving those bees down his mouth this time. Well, what I'm getting at is he's the immortal. So do you think they're going to have to do some some uh, CGI? Some uh, you know Michael Douglas. I don't know if Jordan Peele wants to do that. I don't know. They might get somebody new in the room. I'm all for movie, it. Right? You know, what the hell? Yeah. We need good I mean, scary that, movies, so I, I'm all for it. Am I wrong? Was that a Clive Barker deal, Candyman? Sound, yeah, it was. It was Clive Barker. It was, okay. yes. Yeah. I, I couldn't remember. It's not a book, though. It's like something he did original for screenplay, I believe. Yeah, it was basically a, the whole thing is uh, he was a he was a slave that was brutally murdered and uh, he had a hook for a hand and he could control bees 
And whenever you said his name, <laughs> I know it sounds silly, but it has something to do with his death, people, if you watch the movie. But if you said his name five times in a mirror, um, he kills whoever whoever does that. And it was it was one of those things when you were a kid and you watched this. Like you were scared to go in the bathroom and look in the mirror and say Candyman five times. That's how that's how this movie affected me. I loved it. Yeah, yeah, Candyman was great. As, as a kid, though, I was like, geez, how many scary things are going to come out of this mirror?" Right? You know, you got Bloody Mary, you got Candyman, and it was like, yeah, lots of lots of mirror death. <laughs> I'm gonna <laughs> bring, big market back then. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna bring this up real quick. Uh, on The Walking Dead, Daryl has a new dog on the show. It's a German Shepherd. And fans have started a petition for the show not to kill the German Shepherd. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. It's a, they started a petition online, and uh, um, I'm just going to let people know that I added the petition to uh, the, the show notes this week if you want to sign it. Because I, I, too, do not want this dog to die. I'm sick of just animals in the, in the zombie apocalypse getting killed. I've seen the walking dead kill tigers and horses and everything. And I, I don't want to see Daryl's dog die. So sign the petition. Oh, they're, they're gonna, they're gonna, right? That's the whole reason this character exists. They're like, well, we can't kill Daryl. What's the next worst thing we can do. It's terrible though. It's like, it's like this dog has lasted this long in the zombie apocalypse. And, uh, you'd think that humans have adapted to this world that dogs would be able to adapt to. It's like, do you, do you have to kill everything in this fucking show <laughs> just don't advertise that they're going to kill the dog before they actually show the episode just sign the fucking yeah. petition people the 40 last time i checked and this was a few days ago they were looking for forty-five thousand people to sign it 40 over forty-four thousand people had already signed this petition <laughs> oh man that kind of thing would encourage me as a writer that, that dog's dead now. Oh, I hate you. I hate you, and I hate every word coming out of your goddamn mouth right now. That that it's sad that you take you would take that as a as a oh fuck all you fuck the forty four thousand. I'm gonna kill this dog. It's oh that's terrible, Jake. I would no take, real dog will be harmed. He'll be fine. No, it's just the violence on dogs. I I see it in everything. It's an it's a cheap way to get people to to feel something and any violence towards children and animals it's just a cheap way sometimes and i i think it works in some forms of media like i it worked in john wick i don't need to see it you've already done it in the walking dead so many times you don't need to do it again you don't i've seen animals die in this fucking show you don't need to do that's it with the goddamn dog. That's like the credo of The Walking Dead. You've already done it a million times. You don't need to do it again. Uh, I don't. I don't want to get into like what you hate and what you you know about the. Walking I know. Dead. I I agree with a lot of what you're saying. I, I'm not saying you know that they should kill the dog, and that's the great like storytelling move by any means. It's super tropey, and I do just like I originally said. They, they threw him in there because they they're not going to kill Norman Reedus off, but they got to. They got to do something to pull those tears from no, here. I get, I, you. I get people like listening to me right now. And they're like, oh, Brian, it's not real. It's not real. Uh, the, the dog's fine. I fucking get that. It's just like I don't want to see the depiction. Do you understand that? I don't yeah, really want to yeah, see the I depiction. Hear, yeah. I cry when Bambi's mom dies, dude, and that's that's hardly real. Because it's like it's not like zombies just like uh, they they all – gang up on one thing and then just rip it to shreds and then I gotta fucking watch it 
And it's like, I, I don't, I, I'm not tuning into the show every week so I can eventually get the scene, the obligatory scene that everybody's fucking expecting of Daryl's dog getting ripped to fucking pieces. It's, you know, come on, let's, let's, can we get past that in the show? Can we just have a dog that kind of like, uh, you know, their, their senses are heightened anyway, their sense of smell and, and, uh, their hearing. Can we just have a dog that just fucking makes it out of this thing that doesn't get ripped apart like a fucking goddamn pinata in this fucking show. What does Daryl name the dog? I don't know what the dog's name is. I have no clue. I don't want to. What's that? What's the dog's name? Peaches. It's Peaches. Is it no, Peaches? No, I'm just kidding. It's not. No, I'm fucking with you. But I was going to say, I was going to say, what if they went like a right? I know it's been a couple you know, like seasons, I think, since I've watched it. But what if they took like a right turn and went like train to Busan on it? Take the dog out, but bring the dog back. Oh, it's a zombie. No. Fuck that. I don't, no, again, I, I, it's been a couple seasons, but no, just, I, just throwing it out there. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's a Korean zombie film, and I thought that that, that movie started amazing. I, that, like the opening scene, I know exactly what you're talking about. That's amazing. But that, that's Korean zombies, you know, where it, where it can affect the, – the virus can affect animals. And uh, that's never been the case in The Walking Dead. And I know they could evolve the the virus and do it that way, but I would just keep it. I don't know what they've done in the comic book since post episode, uh, issue 100, but as far as I know, animals aren't affected. So I don't know. Well, just don't kill the dog, people. <laughs> Can we just keep the fucking dog? I know Jake. Jake sees it as a as a fucking dare. the more people that sign like the more gruesome we're going to make this fucking dog death but I I just I I didn't even want to talk about this too long I just want people to sign the petition if they want to and for people if you want to call me out and say I'm a big pussy that's fine but on the flip side you're you're a fucking sick fuck if you want to see a dog die in a show you're a sick fuck you're a sick fucking piece of shit Hey, Sylvester Stallone is retired from Rocky. <laughs> Possibly after Creed 2. In a video that was shot on the last day of filming for Creed 2, he uploaded it on Wednesday. Stallone says, well, this is probably my last rodeo because what I thought happened and has happened, I never expected. I thought Rocky was over in 2006, and I was very happy with that. Then all of a sudden, this young man presented himself. And uh, the whole story changed. It went on to a new generation, new problems, new adventures, and I couldn't be happier as I stepped back front because my story has been told. There's a whole new world that's going to be opening up with the audience with this generation. Now you, and he points to Michael B. Jordan in the video, uh, have to carry the mantle. So Stallone added a thank you to all the fans for sticking by his character for over 40 years. He added, sadly, all things must pass and end keep punching i love you kind and generous people and rocky loves you too so it looks like sylvester stallone has retired from the role of rocky after creed 2 so yeah it looks like uh creed 3 if and when it does come out will be a 100 percent uh adonis creed story and i would um, probably imagine the beginning of that movie we see adonis creed visit a uh, gravestone for uh rocky balboa Ooh, that'll be that'll be freaking dire. Yeah, we've seen Rocky do it so many times in these movies over the years. Now we've seen him visit, you know, Adrian's grave, and then we've seen him visit Paulie's grave, and I think like that'll 
continue into Creed 3. We'll see now we'll see our new main character Adonis Creed visit the grave of Rocky Balboa. Dan, I know you saw Creed 2 and and I know you saw this news. Uh what are your thoughts? I think if they're going to do Creed 3, they have to do it really well because I think right now they could just stop. It is ended. Now I know you didn't really care for the movie very much, but I think it's ended perfectly. I think that last shot of Rocky looking into the ring really just kind of capped it off. And is there, you know, it just poses the question, is there a creed without Rocky? Personally, I'm not entirely sure. I'm kind of on the fence about it. I don't know if I really want to see, you know, another uh, Drago movie or anything like that. It's it's a real dangerous territory, man. It's a fine line to walk. And And personally, after much thought, and believe me, I've been thinking about it a lot, I think I would like to see it just sort of stop now. But if they do... You know, a Creed three. Personally, I want to, I want to see. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me, guys. Sorry about that. I want to see Coogler do it, and they're just going to have to really bring it because they're fucking with a you know a, a property that is kind of just in my eyes anyway. It's sort of perfect the way it ended, and I don't really know if I really want to see that to be honest with you. The way the movie performed in the box office, I cannot see them not doing a Creed three, and it's uh, yeah, money talks. You know, I yeah. And, you know, you've already got Sylvester Stallone saying, like, you know, sadly, all things must pass and end. Keep punching. And he's talking about, like, and then he even said, what did he say? Um, he's, he's like, now it's up to you to carry the mantle. And he's pointing at Michael B. Jordan. It sounds like it sounds like they're going to go forward on this. It sounds like they're going to see what a movie in this universe would look like without Rocky being in this movie. In the next movie. It sounds like they're going to go that route. Let me ask you, would you want to see, like how you said, the, uh, you know, Creed looking down, Adonis looking down at a gravestone and talking to it? Or would you actually want to see Sylvester Stallone come back one more time and go out like, say, Mickey did in Rocky Three? Oh, no. I, 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 give me the gravestone sign. I do not want to see Rocky die on, on, on screen. Oh, it'll crush me, man. I don't want to see that. I do not want to see that, you know. Um, absolutely not. If I, I, I fully expect to just go into the next Creed movie, Creed three and see Adonis visit Rocky's gravestone. That's, that's what I 100% fully expect to see. We've seen it in so many movies, Dan, we've seen him go up to the, we, and not, I'm talking about Rocky movies. I'm talking about Rocky going up to different gravestones. We, we've seen him do it so many times. He's been our main character. We've seen him go to Adrian's grave, Polly's grave. Hell, we, we Mickey's grave. We've probably have we seen that? Have we seen him go to Mickey's grave? No, he hasn't been to Mickey's grave. But he That'd had be the, too much for me to take, man. He had the Mickey <laughs> he had the Mickey flashback, you know, back yes. in Rocky 5. So, you know, we but I, I that's what I th- that's what I think we're going to get here is we you know, we're we're going to see that grave, we're going to see like, you know, what what people have you know, people live, have left letters for Rocky, you know, on the grave. We will see these things. What, you know, it, it, it'll who knows what will be on that gravestone. It might have a quote by Rocky. It might have it might have like a, a pair of gloves on there. I, who knows? God damn it. I love that character so fucking much, Dan. I love that. Character. I, know what, I know what you mean, man. Seriously. It's, I, it's, but, but let me ask you something though. Is it that you don't want to see them die because you think it's going to be too much or do you think it's going to be too much? Like it'll crush you kind of thing. 
I just think it's I think it's more fitting and more poignant just to see the gravestone. Okay. I because that's kind of like what we've seen on these other. We didn't get to see. We, I know we saw Mickey die, but we didn't see. It's not like we saw Adrian go through what she went through. You know, before she right. died with like leukemia or cancer. You know, she had some form of cancer, and uh, you know we didn't see Polly die on screen. So, you know, I, I don't feel like it's. I, I don't I, I don't need to see that played out, you know, on screen. That can just kind of happen. I, I think they, they, they kind of like left it open there for a while, like after with Creed talking about how he had cancer. And then in the second movie, it was like a throwaway line that, you know. That he beat cancer. Yeah, that he beat cancer. They just kind of threw it out there. So I think they, they kind of like left it open for like, Stallone to come back if he wants to, right? Yeah, they could easily just write remission into it. Like, he could just have remission. And like what you're saying, he's talking to a gravestone. Rocky had remission, and uh, that's it. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. Such touchy subject, man. I'm not sure I want to see it, but if they do it, just please do it right and please bring back Kugler. Oh, please, for the love of God, bring back Ryan Kugler. Oh, my God. I know. Marvel's got him for Black Panther 2, but man, I want to see him team up again with Michael B. Jordan. You know, they they got to team up in Black Panther. Um, yeah, please bring him back. I I didn't hate the movie, Dan. I just didn't love it. It's 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 probably my my least favorite Rocky film is Rocky 5 and then I would say Creed 2 is right there. Wow. Fair enough. No, I know that is a big wow, but fair enough. I mean, that, that, that's how you feel. That's how you feel. Um, you know, I went into it on my show why I liked it so much, but I think it's like different reasons. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's totally fair what you're saying. No, it's subjective, man. Everybody watch it. When you watch something, you get something out of it. You know, everybody gets something different out of it. And I I loved I love the character of Rocky. I I love Rocky Balboa. I absolutely love those movies. Rocky one is it's still my favorite. Rocky one, then I, I Rocky two, and then then I'd say Rocky four, and then uh, I don't know that Clubber Lang movie is still pretty fucking cool. Did you hear about they were almost they almost had a Clubber Lang cameo in in Creed two? They should have. They shouldn't have wasted that. It would have been great, and it would have it wouldn't have been like a stretch either. You know what I mean? To have clever, what, what what do you do? Did you hear about the cameo? Did you know? Do you know what they were going to do? Oh, you mean like they had something already all planned out and everything? No, 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 no I'm not aware of that. There was, a, yeah, there was an actual rumor of having Clubber Lang show up as a cameo in uh, Creed Two. Um, I just wonder if, like, if they would have just shown him like in the audience for that final fight or something like that. If that was like kind of like the cameo they were planning, I don't. How would you have? You've already got. You know the Dra- the Dragos in there. Like now you're gonna what, what? What? You know? Fuck! Are we gonna have Spider Rico show up now? I mean, <laughs> nice pull. Yeah, Sp- hey, we actually got to see Spider Rico in Rocky Balboa though from 2006. That's right. Yeah, yeah. I was. You- I loved that when I when I was like, oh my god, that's Spider Rico. <laughs> it was, I think it would have hey, been good if they did like a you know like maybe like a news commentary or something like that. Just a quick flash. Oh yeah, saying something. I like. I don't. I don't mind that at all. I don't mind that at all. Yeah, that would have been cool. Hey Jake, 
Moving yep. on. So Rocky, Rocky, yeah, Sylvester Stallone's retiring from that role, it seems like. it's not. He said probably. He didn't say definitively, but it looks like it, people. So yeah, He left that window word in, I noticed. Yeah, yeah, probably. And, and so this, you know, he'll be doing the next Rambo movie, and then that'll be, you know, Rambo 5 will be the final Rambo movie, I'm sure. Anyway, are they going to Expendables? They'll, hopefully they'll do another one of those. I hope it gets made. Anyway. Jake, uh, do you want to talk about the Roald Dahl story? Uh, yeah, it's hard to say. Roald Dahl story that came out recently? Yeah, Netflix has announced a um, new adaptations and a universe based off the Ronald Dahl books, uh, the Willy Wonka, the Matilda stuff. I got a bunch of bullet points of information about that. Um, they've acquired the rights to make a number of titles in the author's library, including Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, Matilda, the BFG, the Twits, and more. Um, Netflix has said in its announcement that it intends to remain faithful to the spirit and tone of Dahl's books. Uh, Netflix also has said it plans to build out an entire universe that expands beyond the stories. So stopping right there, it means we're not just getting the adaptations. We're actually going to get further adventures of these characters and stories. So they, they want to make this a big franchise machine. And then um, our mission, which is purposely lofty, is for as many children as possible around the world to experience the unique magic and positive message of Roald Dahl's stories. Um, this is from his widow, uh, Felicity Dahl. This partnership with Netflix marks a significant move toward making that possible and is an incredibly exciting new chapter for the Roald Dahl story company. Roald would, I know, be thrilled. Uh, production for this is going to begin in 2019, so potentially we could get stuff um, fourth quarter, but for sure by 2020, uh, none of that's been like actually announced yet. Um, they haven't announced anything for witches, James and the Giant Peach, and Fantastic Mr. Fox, but it sounds like everything else is getting some kind of uh, adaptation made for Netflix. So it's another, I mean, we've been talking about this all episode, it's another grab at another creator and his works to try to make more original scre- streaming content, you know? Are you excited by this, Jake? Yeah, I, I, a lot of this stuff is a lot to do with like what creators they get, what actors they get exactly you know what stories they they're gonna tell um i'm mildly excited though um i i was like the willy wonka stuff i've always wanted them to adapt the next book which i've always loved since a kid you know um, the glass elevator i believe it's called willy wonka and the glass elevator yes you know where they actually pick up right where the movie leaves off and it's always been frustrating to me that you get that ending but there's never been any adaptation of that next story which is completely there you're not supposed to be left on that like weird cliffhanger ending so i'm excited i assume we're gonna you know get to that and i believe there's even another book in that trilogy um correct me if i'm wrong i don't think i ever read it but i think he did do a third one as well um and yeah the matilda stuff is very fun i'm confused as the whole like universe stuff right they don't want a connected universe just more of a like I think like Cloverfield is kind of how I'm thinking where it's just like everything thematically on the same page. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Kind of like the, the feel like it, it it feels like it could all be in the same universe, but we're not going to see that these stories intertwine. Yeah. Like the BFG isn't going to go to the chocolate factory and like weird shit like that. Like it's just going to be 
all, all bannered under this like doll banner for Netflix. So you kind of know what kind of thematics you're getting when you watch one of these shows. I um, think people I, should, Jake, I think people should look at Lemony Snicket's as kind of like maybe the template for this. Cause I think like, I, I, ugh, I think that the Lemony Snicket's show on Netflix was an improvement over the movie, which I didn't hate the movie to be quite honest with you. But I think like the the show is an improvement on that. Yeah, I agree with that. I, there's definitely a lot of really cool stuff that that could be done with this. Um, yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting to see kind of what they launch with and what they do first, right? Um, I don't know if anyone's ready to see Charlie and the Chocolate no. Factory again after uh-uh. the Tim Burton stuff. So I think that would be a bad move to launch with that. Do I think you, they should yes. launch with one of their more unknown properties. <laughs> yeah, but do you think that that's going to cause the most like uh, buzz? going i mean it worked for marvel they came out with iron man it's not like they came out of the gate with fucking you know one of their bigger characters at the time so you know shit i don't know maybe do it maybe do it second maybe do it third like give us something good and then let us be like be like okay these writers and these creators have a handle on yes now i can't wait to see what they do with jake if they if they fuck up you know willy wonka first who the fuck is sticking around for the next series exactly yeah yeah exactly so yeah i i mean this is really fascinating you know i'm you know we're a whole year off from seeing any of this but i'm sure within the next three to four months we'll start to get a clearer picture about how things are going to be adapted what things are going to be adapted and and creators and stars in these properties. So I'll be interested in moving forward. I I hope the news just more and more excites me instead of something just kind of throwing a a brick into the whole thing and making me not care anymore. As of now, I'm definitely intrigued. Jake, I think, I think, I think I'll, we'll find out what Dan thinks here in a second, but like, I think like for everybody, this should just be a wait and see. Like they just made the announcement. We don't know who's involved in this. We don't know any of the castings or anything like that. But I think that we would all want to see these adaptations be fantastic. It's not like, I think the only thing that we can say at this point is just like, man, I I don't, I I think Depp left such a bad taste in my mouth with anything Willy Wonka. that I'm scared. So, um, we'll see. It, it's a wait and see, really, right? Yeah, definitely, definitely. It, it's definitely a freeze it. Um, but I am excited for the news. Dan. I absolutely hated Charlie and the Chocolate Factory with Depp, so I'm, like, reluctant to go into this. But I think that it's kind of promising, you know, and if they – because it's animated, correct? Uh, Jake? Yeah, I believe um, it's all, all a whole set of animated series. Yeah, so I'm okay with that. You know, go for it. But I think it would be smart to sort of build their world first and leave us wanting the Willy Wonka stuff. That way we can buy into it. We're already ready for it. We get more hungry for it. Now, you know, when you're fucking with Willy Wonka, that's one of my favorite movies ever, but I'm willing to Mm -hmm. see it in an animated form. But like Jake, I've always wanted to see Charlie and the Great Glass Elevator made. So I'm kind of excited about it, actually. And, and, you know, I think you you can... uh, I mean, granted, we have great special effects these days and CGI and all of that, but I think that it kind of gives you more room as an animated show to really like expand that. And I don't know if you guys have read the book or not, but, and it's been like forever since I've read it, but I loved that book. So I'm actually very excited about it, but I would like to see them get their feet wet and build this world before they even go that direction. So they don't screw it up because it's like a one shot deal. Like you're saying, Brian, if they do that and they screw up Willy Wonka, who's coming back? Who the fuck is coming back? Hey, who would you, you're absolutely right. I agree. Who 
would you, off the top of your head, there's no uh, wrong or right answer, off the top of your head, who would you want to voice Willy Wonka for this Netflix series? Wow. Well, for some reason, the first name that came to my head was Sam Rockwell. Ooh, shit. <laughs> I love it. I kind of fucking love it. Damn. I mean, he, he, he can do all the different modes and, you yeah. know, be really friendly and then really creepy just on like, you know, in one sentence. Yeah. Dan, any anybody come to mind? I mean, this is just right off the top of my head. But what about like Neil Patrick Harris? He can sing. He did. He's funny. Yeah, he too are, close to the lemony snicket thing. Yeah, yeah you got a point. You got that's a point. what I was saying. That was just the first thing that popped into my head, though. I, you guys are gonna think I'm nuts. Joel McHale. Oh, that I, I don't think you're nuts at all. I think that's really that's really good for him. He, he's very energetic, and that that's a big part of that role too, right? Yeah, almost like a childlike energy, and yeah. I, that's definitely like Joel McHale on the soup. Yeah, that's who. That's my choice as far. But I love Sam Rockwell. That's a great. That's a great choice, Jake. Yeah, it was just what first came to my mind. I was just trying to think of, like, the anti-Johnny Depp. Yeah, I think Dan's was the most uninspired, right? <laughs> yeah, Dan just heard you talk about living <laughs> <laughs> That kind of seeded into his brain for a couple yeah, minutes. That was, and then just, oh, boom. God, it was so lazy. I was just, I was, I was embarrassed for him. <laughs> Taking a beating on this one, man. <laughs> <laughs> Dan, I love having you on. I love you I love being on, man. I know you're just fucking with me. I'm just fucking with you. Gotta have some fun. Gotta have some fun Absolutely. at others' expense, right, Jake? <laughs> Always. <laughs> just makes me really want to bring you on my show, Brian, so I can't wait for that. Oh yeah, yeah. I I know. <laughs> I'm gonna be out I'll be out of my element. I'll be fucked on your show. But uh, no, this is all fun. I'm I'm happy to be here. I know you're just fucking with me. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> hey guys, news from Dark Horizons here. Chris Robinson uh, has been set to direct a film. Uh, he he does Fox's Star. Uh, that show I have not seen it, but he has been set to direct a film based on the formative years, the formative early years of Los Angeles Lakers star LeBron James, which has been set up at Universal Pictures. Uh, Universal Pictures, Spring Hill Entertainment, Tangerine Pictures, and Cold Front Productions. The film will deal with a youth basketball team from Ohio who, united by their love of the game and their yearning for companionship, quickly forged a bond that would carry them through thick and thin to the brink of a national championship, only to lose it. Over the years that followed that they dealt with jealousy, hostility, exploitation, and the fallout of their earlier hubris. Um... It looks like a uh, Jewel Taylor and Tony Rettenmayer pen the script based on Shooting Stars, the book that James and Friday Night Lights author Buzz Bissinger co-wrote. Uh, yeah. Uh, interest, any, any interest in a LeBron James uh, childhood, form, uh, childhood basketball movie? Yeah, I actually do have interest in this. I, I think this could be re- really great. Um, I I almost think that they're better off not like actually saying like this is LeBron James, like, it, like just kind of loosely basing it off of the stuff he experienced and just making a really good youth sports basketball movie. I think that could be really inspired and actually be quite a big hit. Yeah, I agree. I think that would be a good one. I think that uh, you know this. There's a lot to say about his story and i think that 
it's something that just proves to be inspirational. You know what I mean? And I think that we need a little bit more of that these days. So absolutely bring it. I, Jake, are you saying that they don't mention in the movie that they just take his story and they don't say that it's I think that's crazy. You got to throw the name LeBron James in there, man. Yeah, I guess. I just I don't want like the story is going to be embellished. And I think it's easier to make a better movie if you're not necessarily making a hundred percent biopic. And I think if you just inspire a group of kids by the like events he experienced, you know, in his, I don't feel like that would be the better movie. I don't think that you have to embellish anything here, man. This kid was getting national attention. I think by the time I remember reading about this kid in slam magazine, when he was a sophomore, this kid was getting national coverage on ESPN, I believe as a senior, they were, they were, they were showing his, his team, this team that they're talking about, this team was getting national coverage on ESPN. They were showing his high school games on ESPN. This kid was fucking huge. I don't even, I'm not arguing that, but I mean, that's the LeBron James biopic. Like, if that's what they're trying to do, then that's what they're trying to do. But your description didn't sound like that to me. I think, the, honestly, I, you know, the, everything that happened in here is things that happened. They were brought to a national championship. They lost it. They had the biggest player at the time. I'm sure other players on this team were jealous of him at the time. As far as, like, all the national coverage he was getting, they were nobody was talking about anybody else on that team other than LeBron James. I, I don't I, – I, I want this 100% has to be a LeBron James movie, in my opinion. Like, that's just that's just my personal opinion. And I think that they really need to kind of like make Akron a big part of the story, too. You know, that's that's where he's from. You know, show show us what like life was like in Akron, Ohio, what people are dealing with in Akron and then also kind of show people in Akron kind of like hoping that he's like going to be the next big, great thing or something like that. You know what I mean? And, um, kind of like, uh, sometimes, sometimes life is shitty. You may hate your job or you might, you, you might hate things in life, but there are things that, that are, that, that keep you hopeful. And I think sports does that for people. Sometimes we kind of like lean on sports teams sometimes to, you know, it's one of those things where, like, when you're at a job, if you if you if you don't or if you can't bond with somebody about something, some people sometimes you can just bond over sports. And I think that they need to kind of like make Akron also kind of like a um, a character in this, too, and like how. And I think that all goes back to, like, making this a LeBron James movie, because I don't think like a. I, I don't think Akron's like a place with a lot of hope, to be quite honest with you. I, I think this could be a really touching story if they if they do make it 100 percent like adapt Le- LeBron James in this. I don't Yeah, I hear what you're saying. I just like the idea of making it more accessible to everybody by not, you know what I'm saying, by just creating a fictional narrative. Well, that, then, then, is- then we're talking about Bohemian Rhapsody. Sorry, Dan. Oh, no worries. <laughs> hey, you know what, though? Like, it could totally work if you're doing something like uh, – I don't know what you guys thought about, like, Blindside. But I, I loved it. I thought it was really yeah, good. Yeah, I did, 
I did too. So I'm kind of all for seeing a LeBron James movie. And, you know, I think as a, you know, as a person of color, I think that they need to have more of that in in the industry now. And I think that, uh, you know, the youth need that. I really do think that I don't want to go off on a big, you know, speech about it or anything, but I think that there needs to be more encouraging movies nowadays. And it doesn't always have to be sci-fi and violence and everything. I think that there's a, a very, you know, a charming tale to tell with this here. And it's obviously triumphant, like I said. So I'm totally for it. I want to know. I, I want to know what, how, how LeBron James felt and what he experienced. Because, like, he's the only one that can, like, do this. Is this, this even in a way? I think Jordan, in my opinion, is the best basketball player that ever lived. But Jordan's story, like, is not like this. His story is completely different. Came into the NBA, like, after his uh, sophomore year. After and playing at North Carolina, I believe, yeah, and then lots of gambling. It'd be a gambling movie. Well, back to this. Like, yeah, he's a gambler. He, he will totally one hundred percent admit that. But like, as far as like LeBron James is concerned, his story is completely different than Jordan's too. He had like a national spotlight on him at least from like when he was a junior. He had a national like. Every, there were teams that would have drafted him with their first round pick as a junior in high school. They would have waited for him. He was he was that big of a player that like if if a team could have drafted him as a junior in high school, they would have and they would have waited a whole year to get him. They would have easily. That's how big they they would have taken the risk on this kid getting injured in his senior year in high school just to get a crack at fucking getting LeBron James on their team. There's no, I don't think there has ever been a more coveted high school player than LeBron James. This is, this is, I want to know that story. That's the story that I want to know because there's only one person that has ever lived through anything like that. And that's LeBron James. What is it like to be that guy? That everybody fucking wants you. Shoe companies. Like they're fucking if shoe companies could have, they would have signed him as a fucking junior or a senior. I guarantee you. I fuck this kid was there's no more hype. He was a fucking man child, dude. He looked like he looked like he was fucking like twenty-seven when he was eighteen. Just like just uh, built like a brick wall. This kid was just a, a freak of nature when it came to genetics. And there's only one guy that could like there's only one story about that. And that's what I want to see. If they're going to do a LeBron James movie, that's what I want to see is I want to see the story of this kid and like what he had to deal with, you know, and I want to know what like other people on his team, like what they had to deal with with this fucking media circus of like nobody gave a shit about them. <laughs> it was all about LeBron. I don't know. I, I that's the story I want to see. This, this sounds like it could be incredible if it's done right. Because, like, there's been a couple of Michael Jordan movies that came out, and they're garbage. <laughs> yeah, there's, like you said, there's not much story to tell or inspiration. or He's just a damn good basketball player, basically. Yeah. So, so. yeah. I, but this LeBron James thing, this is a, this is a completely – for me, it's completely different because – there's no, there's there's nothing I don't think there's ever been a player like this in sport like I know like Shaq was huge coming out of LSU and everybody wanted to draft Shaq but dude fucking they, they, there is I don't I don't remember any hype any more hype than any other player coming out of like fucking 
high school than LeBron James. And it's funny that the year after LeBron James got drafted straight out of high school is when they passed that that thing where like you have to go you uh, one year of college before you can get into the NBA, you know, enter the draft. So you got to at least go like one year before you, you know, and it was like they did, they waited until the year LeBron James could join the league because they knew that the NBA fucking knew that ratings would go up. They, we, they had lost Jordan the year before, you know, he, he was with the wizards and then he retired again and they knew they need, I'm talking about basketball way too much and neither one of you guys fucking care, but like they knew they needed that next big superstar. That's how big LeBron James was. Is like they did, you know. It's uh, Stern, David Stern, waited a year before they, they before they had uh, players have to go to college for a year before they could enter the draft because they knew, they wanted LeBron in there as soon as possible. Anyway, I'm done talking about this. It's not that I don't care. I just can't wax with you. You know what I mean? So please speak up. I mean, it's, obviously, it's very important to you. I know you're a basketball fan. No, half, totally of the, half, the, half of the, I'd say 75% of the people listening right now don't give a shit about what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I won't, I won't be nice like Dan. I don't care. <laughs> no, like, why am I being nice at this point anyway, really? Jake's just basically saying, like, he wants to see uh, the Wayne Gretzky story, but told in Mighty Ducks number four or whatever the fuck. I, you know. No, I want to see a fucking story about a Beatles-like band, but in a movie called That Thing You Do. I, I just don't understand why this thing needs to be a giant LeBron James biopic poster movie like I, I just think there's a lot of cool stuff that could be done with this because he's or, the biggest name in basketball right now he really is he's the biggest name in basketball right now and there is it's the only it's there have been other high school players that have been touted i remember darius miles uh you know was the highest drafted at the time back in 2001 he or 2000 excuse me he was drafted number three but it wasn't until LeBron James and I know Sean Kemp came out right out of uh, high school was drafted, but and and Kwame Brown was the was Kwame Brown the first number one pick? Yeah, two thousand one Kwame Brown the first high school player picked number one. But no, there was never any more hype than LeBron James. I think I think it's a story that basketball players need to see. I, I think I think there's a lot of drama involved in this. It's it's a it's a big story, man. You would know that more than me. I, I have no clue. I remember that. I remember fucking watching ESPN just to watch LeBron James. He was like uh he was like a goddamn unicorn, Jake. Like you'd see you'd I'd read the articles in fucking you know, Slam magazine, but I had never seen the kid play. I'd seen videos online. They were grainy as fuck, you know. But I'd never seen him play. And it's like, I'm tuning in. Dude, I wouldn't, I would never have done that before. To a high school game on ESPN? That's fucking insane. People watching a high school game on ESPN just to watch this fucking kid play. So. Yeah, that'd be a good way to end the movie. But, uh, yeah, we'll see. Uh, anyway, let's take a break and come back and do this. Mo- this episode's fucking garbage. <laughs> I was gonna say no. I'm just playing. <laughs> it, no, it's crap. It's crap. Like if I'm if I'm the listener, I'm hitting unsubscribe at this point. You made a massive mistake bringing me on, man. 
It's not you. It's not you. I'm talking about. I'm talking about LeBron. I've, I've been talking about LeBron James for 20 minutes. You know, it's kind of it's kind of fucked up. It's really just out of the element. And yeah, you're fucking up, Brian. You need to bring up your level over the. You know, think about it over the break. Let's come back. Let's do this right. Okay, showrunner Dan. <laughs> <laughs> son, of, son of a bitch look, 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 look at look, look who's finding his voice now it's the alcohol me. it's fine no, it's, <laughs> it's, it's fine i love it i lo- stand up to me people yeah that's people you know people oh everybody's licking brian's ass here we go we got dan we got dan dan's making his little mark here dan's putting on his big boy pants go you got it buddy <laughs> Putting on his big boy pants, stepping pound up pound for pound, pound, pound for pound. I'm with you. <laughs> I, don't I don't think I've, I'm helping anything right now either. <laughs> I don't know. I think the episode got better in the last couple of minutes. Yeah, I'm gonna go do a shot. I'll really fuck things up when we get back. Jake's like, are we All done? Right. Are we done talking about that round orange ball thing? <laughs> <laughs> I know I had my one basketball joke. I thought we were never going to talk about it again. Oh, yeah. Yeah, oh, my God. All right, let's take a quick break. We'll come back with Marvel, with Marvel News. <laughs> All right, hey, we are back. It is now time for Marvel News. Marvel News. Uh, this episode. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll improve it. Let's turn it around, guys. I know we can do this. <laughs> I feel I mean, we talked about the Comiskey method with like the old guys that like they're losing their touch. They're not as like hip and as cool as they. This is the, <laughs> this is that episode. We are like I feel like Michael Douglas right now. Like uh, nothing's working. Shit. My prostate is shit. Who knows? I might I might pass a goddamn kidney stone by the end of this episode, Jake. <laughs> well, hopefully that'll be entertaining. <laughs> oh God, the, sh- <laughs> the, the shrieks of pain <laughs> as I pass a kidney stone. If you passed a kidney stone, Jake, would you keep it as a memento? I would. I don't know if that's a normal thing damn yeah, i like it would you would you keep it would you keep the kidney stone i think i'd put it in like um in amber and like wear it like on a necklace or some shit like that <laughs> yeah that's what i do <laughs> That'd be like nice. jurassic park fucking fossil yeah you put it on the end of a cane it's <laughs> <laughs> like a nice paperweight <laughs> Nice, nice paper. And you can tell everybody the story about how it came out of your penis. Exactly. <laughs> and now it, uh, now it keeps your bills all organized and keeps them from blowing off the table. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great conversation starter. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, uh, this came out of my penis. Right. And that's I don't How else? Do, how else does that story go? <laughs> There I was, trickling, trickling drops into the toilet, yeah. screaming in pain, and this came out, and it's all yours now, son. Yes, yeah, and you see, we were recording this podcast, and it was just going downhill fast, but yeah. luckily, this thing came out of my penis hole. Hey, hey, hey save the, the whole, whole episode. <laughs> 
listen, listen here. Uh, listen, what's my kids? Billy, Billy, I want you to. This is this is your dad's lucky penis rock. <laughs> <laughs> lucky penis rock <laughs> came out of my peen. And now I want you to have it. I'm passing it down to you. It's 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 not it's a like certain, the inverted true romance story. I was you no know, Pulp Fiction, right? It was with the uh, with the 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 watch the up watch. the ass, the Christopher Walken oh, story. That's Pulp Fiction. Yes. For some reason in my head, I was thinking that was true romance. That's a different. That's a different part. Oh, another great ensemble cast in that movie. Mo, but this was uh, Christopher Walken handing over the uh, the pocket watch that was uh, up his ass. Uh, to Bruce Willis. Oh yeah, to Zed. Yeah, or not Zed. I forget the <laughs> character's name. Jake, have you seen Pulp Fiction? It's been a long time. <laughs> it's, it's not in sequence too, so I, I, you know, yeah, I forget what happened when. Anyway, penis came out. Uh, rock came out of my penis. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think the episode just took a nosedive again. I, I thought we were. I thought we were. We tried. We tried, and then we failed miserably. Yeah. Can we? Can we break again? <laughs> <laughs> uh, we got Marvel news. Hey guys, Spider Man into the Spider Verse. Got news here from THR. Uh, they're uh, planning a uh, sequel right now, and they're also doing a spinoff. Uh, Joaquin Dos Santos, known for his work on cartoon series Avatar, The Last Airbender, and more recently Netflix's Voltron series, has been tapped to direct the sequel. Uh, David Callahan, who penned The Expendables and worked on Wonder Woman 1984, as well as Zombieland 2, is writing. Uh, at the same time, Lauren Montgomery, who also worked on Voltron and co-directed animated movies Batman Year One and Superman Batman Apocalypse for DC, is in negotiations to helm an untitled Spider-centric project that will gather the female heroes in the Spider-Man universe of characters in one adventure, uh, so basically, they uh, are looking for an all-female spinoff. There's no plot details. And uh, possibly, you know, of course, probably going to get Spider-Gwen. Um, possibly Spider-Woman, Madam Web, Spider-Girl, and Silk are also possible contenders. So, yeah, uh, Jake, I don't know about you. Last time I checked, uh, I saw that Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse is a 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, critics are loving this thing. People cannot wait to see it again. They saw it, you know, for the they, they screened it already for critics. They love it. They can't wait to see it again. A lot of people thought like this was not going to work. Um, it's Phil Lord, Chris Miller, and uh, it looks like they they hit this one out of the ballpark, dude. Wow. Uh, yeah, Into the Spider Verse is probably my most anticipated movie going out to the end of the year here at this point. I mean, I love Lord and Miller. I'm glad that they so quickly have a high profile picture out. I'm glad that the critics are loving it and that it, it's pretty much unified love, it seems like so far. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's still early. We'll get more, but it's hard to imagine it taking any kind of a nosedive by any means from this. Um, and yeah, this movie looks fantastic. I mean, ever since the trailers look great, and ever since seeing that Venom, like actual, you know, three four minutes of the movie, I've just been on the edge of my seat for this one. I can't wait. I love the idea of the um, female spinoff too. It's cool that a sequel is already coming, and yeah, that'll be really cool to see like what characters they put together. I'm interested if like we know they're going to all these different realities. Will the uh, female spinoff be all characters from one reality or will be more of the plot line where they're 
like plucked from all over. I don't know. I think we have to watch this movie to kind of like figure out what they're going to do going forward. All I know is like critics are going nuts for this fucking movie. Molly Freeman from Screen Rant said it's got heart, humor and seriously mind blowing animation, but it's all in service of Miles story. One easily one of the best superhero movies ever. Eric Davis said not only is Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse a great Spider-Man movie, but I think it's the best Spider-Man movie. That's a saying a lot, Jake, with Spider-Man 2. That's saying a yeah, lot. Uh, Peter, saying a lot. Peter, wow. Serretta from, you... Peter Serretta from Slash Film said, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse is not only the best animated feature and best comic book movie of the year, but one of the best movies of 2018, period. I don't think another movie does a better job of bringing a comic book to life on the big screen. Guys, I could continue to read quotes from this there are over 30 reviews right now for spider-man into the spider-verse and all of them are glowing i could continue to read these reviews they go uh, there are people that say that this is the best uh spider-man movie of all time uh yeah uh, dan mural said uh the social media embargo just dropped so i can tell you that i love spider-man into the spider-verse my favorite animated film of the year and one of my favorite movies of 2018 period what a fun beautiful ride it is i'm jake uh, glowing reviews i can't believe this yeah, I'm excited. I, 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 I didn't expect people to hate this movie. We've seen enough of it almost to know that it was going to be a fun movie. But to have, like, respectable critics just all, you know, pissing their pants, best Spider-Man movie, like, that's that's a lot of, a lot of hyperbole. I'm, I'm just cannot wait to see this thing and see what's blowing everyone's mind. And it, not just excited. It's going to be really not just excited for this movie, Jake. They want to see what happens next. It leaves you wanting more. Wow. Dan, are you excited for Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse now? Were you excited before? Oh, yeah, absolutely. It looks incredible. From the first trailer that I saw, it looks amazing. I mean, Lord and Miller are in their lane for this, so it only makes sense that it's going to be good. I'm really impressed with their confidence, though, to actually already you know, have another another picture that they're working on right now. So I think that you know they know what they're doing, and I think that they're not – treading lightly on this here i've read some of the reviews myself yeah it's it's just like jake it's one of my most anticipated movies this year uh does it, was it december 14th this comes out i believe so oh man can't wait to watch it cannot wait to watch it jake we're getting spider ham in a movie dude <laughs> yeah that's gonna be great i've already got the funko pop do you you found it yeah i got the walgreens one just a couple weeks ago dude i can't even knock you for that i love spider ham <laughs> yeah, I was so excited to have like it's the like first and only piece of like Spider Ham merchandise I've ever owned. I was like, oh my yeah. god, this is so great. <laughs> well, uh, Gentle Giant came out with a Spider Ham figure, like a collectible statue, years ago, and I wanted it so badly, but I've never been able to find it. You know, like out in the wild, so I just kind of gave up on it, and I'm not going to pay like eBay prices for it, but. Um, yeah, I, I'm a huge fan of Spider-Ham going back to those. Was it Star Comics? Yeah, that was like their kid line, like Heathcliff and Muppet Babies. And like it was mostly properties. Like Sp- Spider-Ham was one of the very few things that was actually a, an original Marvel property. Yeah, I, I still have some of my Spider-Ham comics from when I was a kid. Um, uh, I've got I still have uh, Spider-Ham number eight where he battles Hogzilla. <laughs> That's ridiculous. <laughs> it was a great book. Yeah, they, they had a lot of fun with it, right? Like they really 
played up on all the different and like animalizing all the different yes. Spider-Man universe characters oh, yeah. and like the puns were pretty pretty top notch. They it were probably great. would look very much like dad jokes by today's standards, but, but as a kid, they they slayed me. Oh, I loved Spider Ham when I was a kid. I loved Spider Ham. They did they did like a whole Secret Wars event too, and they had didn't they have him? They had him in the black suit. Oh yeah, they did do all the different yeah. stuff like that. I'm pretty sure they even did the Morbius event too. Yes, through the extra arms. They, yeah, they did. They did. They did. Um, oh my god, Dan, did you did you know, did you know Spider Ham was an existing character? Yeah, I've seen it, but I haven't read any of it. You know what really thrills me about it, though, is that John Mulaney's voicing it. I think yeah. that's a really, really good pick. I do, too. And he sounds great in the trailer. So, yeah, looking forward to Spider-Man uh, Into the Spider-Verse. Uh, Joe Russo was interviewed by US Today, USA Today and was asked about Chris Evans. When Chris Evans gave, like, that heart, like, it was like, it was a... Uh, this like a heartwarming goodbye to fans is what it sounded like. And it was about a month ago and he did that. And like many people started to think like, you know, cap is going to die and that Chris Evans is done in the role. Here's what Joe said in a very cryptic manner. I think it was more emotional for Chris Evans than it was for us, mostly because he's not done yet. I don't want to explain what I mean, but audiences will soon understand Jake, I've got a couple theories here for you. Dan, I've got a couple theories for you. Okay. Actually, I have three. Shoot. Okay. Number one, of course, Chris Evans as Captain America, Steve Rogers, could die in Avengers 4. By him saying he's not done yet, is he talking about Chris Evans possibly directing an upcoming Marvel film? Maybe maybe guardians of the galaxy volume three directed by Chris Evans. I I'm not saying that's going to happen, but I can't see people getting mad at Chris Evans for directing that movie. I think that that would probably be the only kind of announcement where people might be able to get behind it because it is Chris Evans directing that film. I don't know. I, and I, I'm not, not, not even necessarily guardians of the galaxy volume three, maybe just him saying he's not done yet. Does that mean that Chris Evans might have something lined up or he's behind the camera for Marvel studios? Yeah. And I can't help but think about all the flashback possibility stuff too. That's just, but yeah, the behind the camera that you could definitely see him wanting to do that. He's done all this stuff and everything. And I, I think eventually he'll get his stab. I was really kind of surprised that they would make that announcement. I don't know if they're throwing us some kind of weird curveball or what that he's, you know, because Cap has kind of been Cap and Iron Man are the two the characters that I thought were going to bite the bullet here in the next one more than any of them. So mm-hmm. I don't know if this dissuades me from thinking that or I don't know how I should feel here. Like I haven't processed this enough yet. But I like what you're saying, Brian. I do think he is going to direct stuff, potentially maybe stuff that has nothing to do with Captain America. But most likely it would be, I would think. What if, and I want to get Dan's thoughts here, too, on everything. Dan, actually, I'll get your thoughts now. What are you thinking? I think it could be a little bit of both, actually. I think that I think we're in for some flashbacks for sure. But I mean, he's always said that he was trying to get out of this like he was he was finishing up his role and that he wants to get behind the camera. So it sort of makes sense to me that they do a little bit of both. He he has it made in the universe. You know what I mean? In the Marvel Universe, it's Chris Evans's world, man. So he could pretty much do whatever he wants to. Um, but, yeah, I think that uh, I could see him doing some direction 
and uh, excuse me, directing. Boy, that alcohol is starting to kick in. <laughs> and um, yeah, man, I think that uh, I would personally like to see that. I'd like to see a little bit of flashback with him. I think he probably will end up dying eventually, but I think that he's going towards directing now. And uh, you know what? Bring him on for Guardians of the Galaxy 3. Why not? Let me throw this out there, and this is not my theory. This is a theory that I've heard actually uh, come from Peter Serretta from Slash Film. What if in Avengers 4, Cap does not die? What if, and it's not his choice, because Captain America, he, you know, he's, Steve Rogers is, he's here to protect us. He's here to, he's here to do the things that a lot of heroes wouldn't do. Um, but what if another hero made a choice for him? What if, um, what if the heroes get a hold of each individual, you know, stone, you know, reality, time, space, soul, you know, what if they get all these all these stones from Thanos and um, one of the heroes makes the choice to send Cap back? Whoever has the time stone sends Cap back to the 1940s so he can spend out his life with Peggy, Peggy Carter. So he doesn't mm-hmm. die, but he goes back to the 40s to 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 get that dance with Peggy. Meaning, That'd be kind of amazing, actually. Yeah, I like how romantic that is i'd be down for that scene for sure which also means that if any time they wanted to they could they could possibly get him to come back into a future installment into a future film so we don't have to watch cap die and and it's maybe even against his will like maybe he doesn't that's not what he's asking for but they give it to him anyway they 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 send him back for some reason and he gets to spend out the rest of his life with Peggy Carter. Like maybe, maybe uh, Black Widow makes that decision for him. Like you deserve this. You need this. You've done so much. We can handle this now. I'm making this decision for you. I love you and I want you to be happy. You're not happy. here. You're a man out of time. You need to see what it would be like had you gotten that dance with Peggy. That'd be really good. I could see him like fighting it tooth and nail and then eventually going back against his will and then finding out that's where his happiness is. Yeah, it's kind of beautiful, man. Kind of in the same camp, Jake, or, or is that just silly? No, I like it. I think that's good. I think that kind of stuff works like in the Marvel movies, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's very comic book like, you know, lots of connected tissues. I think people want to see stuff like that in comic book movies. You want to circle back around and see characters, you know, meet up with each other and make different decisions. And I, the cap arc does feel like that. Like he does need Peggy to tell him to move on before he actually finally will. Doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It also seems weird though. Cause he's kind of had like a little bit of romantic, uh, involvement with Sharon. So it's like, right. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I don't know. I, I like the idea. I, I like it, too. I really do. I, I would not be upset if that happened because it, it keeps him open to returning in a future film, especially if we're getting the X-Men where time travel is always possible, you know? So um, we'll see. We'll see what happens. But uh, the Russos were at a screening of Infinity War this week. I talked about this earlier. They had a Q&A, and they were asked about how the Soul Stone works. And this is what was said by one of the Russo brothers. And I apologize. The article did not uh, state whether it was Anthony or Joe that said this. But they said, the Soul Stone obviously has the ability to manipulate your soul, the essence of who you are. 
one key moment where it's used is where Doctor Strange turns into multiple Stranges and then Thanos uses the Soul Stone to eradicate all the fake Stranges and momentarily shoves Strange out of his own body and Strange has to pull himself back in. Of course, then when Thanos goes to the Soul Stone itself to speak to his dead daughter, he obviously has an ability to resurrect conjure the spiritual representation of the people who are dead it's a lot to lot to uh to think about yeah still processing (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah it definitely seems like that um second half the the communication with the dead stuff is probably going to come into heavy play right right you would think so because like we know that there was a scene that they had filmed uh it was sebastian stan who kind of let out some information about a future Marvel movie where he did scenes with the Ant-Man and the Wasp cast. He said, like, everybody was there. He said, he talked about Michael Douglas. He talked about, you know, uh, Michelle Pfeiffer being there. And I feel like that's a scene where we're going to get to see like all the ones that fell to the snap in the soul world. That's what it felt like to me. Um, But I could be wrong. Hmm. Yeah, I remember talking about that scene with all the people. It definitely felt like the feel-good scene of the movie. Why would they all be in the soul world, though? What's that? I'm trying to... Well, Thanos used the... Didn't he use the reality stone? Or No, he used all the stones in order to uh, eradicate everybody. And uh, I, I, would just, I would just imagine, since he used the power of the, the stones there, that that's where their souls would lie, would be there in the in the soul stone it trapped in the soul world okay so we're just seeing all the all the dusted and eradicated characters in the in the soul world is what we're seeing yeah i mean it it could be like i mean that scene of course could be you know like after the whole movie's done with and everybody is like brought back resurrected we could see them all together but it could also be like a scene of all of them in the soul world so i don't know it's all speculation on my part guys yeah, it's definitely. The Soul Stone is obviously going to be an important factor with the whole, commu- you know, the communicating with death. And I, I got to imagine that something big's going to happen with it. it it's got to be a bit of the MacGuffin for the whole storyline, mm-hmm. I'm assuming. Yeah. Yeah. I just w- I wonder if Thanos will communicate with anybody using the Soul Stone other than Gamora. I, I have a feeling like we're not. I, I don't think Thanos is done talking with Gamora in the second film. Oh no way in hell! A hundred percent. Is he talking to Child Gamora, or is he talking to Gamora Gamora? I think he's talking to Child Gamora until we get real Gamora back. Okay. Collider was talking to the Russos and. Uh, as well, we, we all know that they are leaving after Avengers Four. They, they've talked about that. They said we're done. You know, we're gonna they're gonna start making movies for their new production company, Agbo. But they were asked by Collider if they'd ever come back to Marvel. To which they responded, "Not until they're ready to make Secret Wars." Oh wow! What a thing to say. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Do you think that Marvel right now, do you think like Kevin Feige is like, all right, <laughs> we've got to make Secret Wars. We've got to get the Russos back. 
Yeah, looks like we're doing Secret Wars next now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm definitely laying it out there. Dude, if if I'm Kevin Feige, I'm like, yeah, we, we're, we're doing Secret Wars. Yeah, that's all it takes. It feels like this was probably mostly a joke, though, right? It, it sounds like they would love to do it. Hmm. I don't yeah, know. Did, if you got to wait for Secret Wars, though, right? You need to build another group of characters we haven't seen mingle with each other mm-hmm. to be able to make that seem special. Agreed. Agreed. So we'll have another event before that. We'll have it like Invasion, correct? Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. And then, of co- and then the Russo brothers can be like, then they can say like, Secret Wars is going to be our swan song. You know, yeah, we teased it. You know, Agbo is great, but, you know. Daddy wants to cash a paycheck. <laughs> so we'll come back and we'll do Secret Wars for you. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Hopefully at that point they can find another. I know the Russos are great and I would love to see them come back too. But hopefully like we can find some other giant creative geniuses that we can move forward with too. Like I don't want to have to rely on the Russos, you know. Oh, they didn't think they were going to. They thought that James Gunn was going to do the whole cosmic universe. And we all know what happened with that. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So they're definitely on the lookout for that next grand overseer for these next big Avengers events. So it'll yeah. be interesting to see who's going to step up and kind of fill those shoes. And as much as I love big job, as much as I love Taika, I don't want to see him do the event films. Is is that horrible of me to say, Jake? No, I think his stuff is better one shot stuff. I think just his his like the temperament of his movies and kind of the feeling like it's great like i love thor ragnarok and it's probably one of my top three marvel movies but uh, like i don't want to see that for the avengers event movie i want those taken you know Mm -hmm. seriously much like the russo like to me that's what the russo brothers are best at like they, they keep the jokes but even with winter soldier their first movie they were able to just really ground it in serious drama yeah yeah and like yeah, really make certain, you fall into that there's a certain tone that ytt carries with him that i just don't think would translate well you know what i mean and, and we need that darker tone for this i think he's a fantastic director and mm. i really like just like jake I'm, I'm sure you too brian i loved ragnarok but i don't think he'd be the right one for that at all yeah i don't either it's just it's saying goodbye to the Russos and ushering in like new people to take on these event films that I'm worried about. Like even uh, even Joss Whedon, in my opinion, was uh, was a one trick pony when it came to that that first Avengers film. I just, you know, he he wasn't able to deliver in Age of Ultron, in my opinion. And the Russos have not let us down yet. So the fact that they're saying like not until they're ready to make secret wars has me kind of like, because I haven't seen from Marvel studios, the next guy that I feel like can take over and do these event films and do them the way that I think would be able to handle an ensemble cast, still give us the humor and also give us the consequences and the, and the, and the, and the, the, the drama and the weight behind these stories I haven't seen that next guy or gal. Yeah. So it's like yeah. I'm 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 like who's going to do this? So when when the Russo brothers are even teasing that they could come back and do Secret Wars, I'm just like, "Yes, that's I don't want to see these guys leave because I don't know who's going to be able to fucking fill their shoes. All four of them." 
Yeah, they're great. And, and we still have to see if the Russos even them. I mean, I have all the faith in the world that they will, but we still haven't seen them stick the landing yet. I mean, and that's a big landing they have to stick, right? It's a lot easier to do part one than it is part two. Part two is the one that everyone always gets upset about when you do these kind of things, right? Yeah. You know? <laughs> it's everyone loves Empire Strikes Back. People always hate on Return of the Jedi, right? And it, it's and like part one had that perfect like just pacing and the perfect amount of each character. And that trick's gonna be harder to pull off when it comes to closure, right? Like that stuff always feels so forced. Like we don't want to yeah. see well, sure. fifteen different endings with characters. Dude, and like, there were still com- there were still complaints about Infinity War. I didn't get enough cap. You know, like yeah. people are, you know, pissing and moaning about that. And it's like, I'm thinking like, well, I, I think the first movie was about Iron Man. I think we're going to get a lot more cap in the second one, people. I agree. I agree. This, I mean, these, the guys that are doing this movie came from writing and, you know, directing two cap movies. So obviously they have big stuff planned for cap. You would yeah, imagine. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, but that's kind of insider stuff that just the regular, you know, layman doesn't think about when they're watching the movie. Right. But yeah, I agree. It, it's going to be harder the second time when you're doing a conclusion that it wasn't the first time to satisfy everyone's need for seeing X amount of every character and just the idea of what they're going to give us as closure itself is just going to be so huge that, yeah, it'll be really interesting to see if they can pull it off the second time. Yeah, dude, I hope I never have to pass a rock through my penis. (laughs) Like ever in my entire life, I hope that it never comes to that point. I need to stop drinking soda. I think that yeah, do that, not fuck with Mountain Dew, and you'll be all right, dude. I do, and I, I need to stop it. I've been drinking a lot of Dr Pepper recently. I've been on a diet Dr Pepper kick, and I need to chill out with all the sodas because I don't, you know, as much as we joke about you know like rocks coming out of our penises. I don't want that to become a reality to like where one day I am crying as a man in my bathroom and waiting to pass a rock coming out of my penis. <laughs> um, soda does that to you? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Big time. Uh, yeah. Oh, man. I'm in trouble. Yeah, I know. And then like. Then you can go to a doctor and like sometimes they can like uh, take a laser and bust it up a little bit, but you still got to pass them. It's not like you don't have to pass them. You still got to pass them through your penis hole. And Jake, I don't penis hole. Nothing should be going up in that fucking thing. Absolutely nothing should be going up in your penis hole. I know. But on the other hand, this fucking like Christmas Mountain Dew I'm drinking is really good. (laughs) So what are you going to do? Yeah, well, you're gonna have a uh, you're gonna you're gonna have an, a fucking meteorite coming out of your dick is what you're gonna is what's gonna happen, Jake. Uh, if it, what is it like one meteorite per thirty years of dew drinking? Or is it once one? You're gonna happens, you're gonna like uh, Jake. A bunch of times. You're saying that like it's gonna be worth it when you got all. I'm telling you, it's not. It's gonna hurt like hell. Having a rock coming out of your fucking dick hole, dude. You're going to hate. I'm telling you, you're going to be like, why wasn't I drinking fucking Lipton tea? Mm. It's too late to turn back now, I think. I don't know, man. There's always room for change. You can, <laughs> you can, can change, Jake. You can, make this, you can make the changes now. All right. I'm just turning to a different podcast. I don't like it. 
Yeah, it did. It, it, it has turned into I don't like. Yeah, I don't like this one either. I'm not a fan. <laughs> I think it, is, is that what it is, Jake? Like every other episode is going to be good from now on. <laughs> this one's had its moments. Really? Yeah. Yeah. What moments is, for you? Uh, oh shit! Now I'm on, <laughs> now you're on the spot. <laughs> am I am I terrible if I tell you that when you said that my first thought was was last week good? Yeah, I had I thought Neil, <laughs> I thought the episode with Neil was actually pretty good. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It was good. It was good. We had uh, something going there. We had some chemistry there. Yeah, I just feel like uh, sometimes it's. The, I think this week it's just the news, just the news stories, right? We got to be serious with these news stories. We can't fuck around with them. We got to. Yeah, be, right. <laughs> <coughs> what if Ugh. Thanos got all of the? You know, he got all the stones. What if he passed a P stone? Oh Ooh. shit! Oh shit! What if there's Thanos a fucking stone for your gauntlet? Yeah. What if? Maybe that's like maybe there's a stone we don't know about. The seventh stone. <laughs> the seventh stone, and Thanos still has to pass it through his fucking purple dick. That's going to be the name. The name of Avengers Four. Avengers Four, the seventh stone. It'll be Avengers Stone. <laughs> Avengers Four, the Dick Stone. <laughs> the Dick Stone. <laughs> uh, the, uh, the the whole the movie will start with like a close up of like this weird looking like purple thing with like a hole in the middle and we're like what it's just a close sh- close up shot of Thanos's big fucking massive cock and we watch the stone pass through <laughs> yeah they're going to fucking blow watchmen out of the water with that shit oh, so. i don't i don't oh. like this episode jake it's my fault no I'll no, take the. Blame. I, I will take some of the blame. Is it a joint effort? How are you? <laughs> We're all sucking it up. Is this just a group fuck up? I think it is. I think it is. I think we've all played our parts in this episode being a pile of shit. This is the the possession of pop culture leftovers. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I don't know who the thirty four percent is though. Even it's pretty even. Oh, God. Hey, you remember that episode where they awkwardly talked about passing rocks through their penises? Oh, yeah. I hated that one, too. Anyway, moving on. Um, what do we got? Marvel has spoiled some reveals in the past, like, with uh, with their toys, Jake. We've seen them. Um, remember uh, Giant Man was kind of spoiled by the Legos, and then we saw Thor cutting off the head of Surtur, uh, you know, for Ragnarok. We saw that spoiled in a uh, Funko Pop. Um, Correct. Have they learned their lesson? They might have, Jake. The new toy for Jude Law's mysterious character remains mysterious as the name of the character he plays on the Funko Pop box simply says Star Commander. Uh, oh, tricky, tricky. Yeah, I'm, I like that. Yeah, but it's nice. It's early yet still, though. They have yeah. time to fuck up. It's They fuck up with all the variants and exclusives because they always make those so uh, related to what's going on in the movie. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm just hoping that they can keep this one up. I would love to go into Captain Marvel still not knowing who the fuck Jude Law is playing in that movie. Oh, yeah, that would be amazing. But that feels impossible yeah and then uh final thing here uh deadline has learned details about the uh scarlet witch series 
coming to Disney Plus. They said Marvel Studios star Elizabeth Olsen has played Scarlet Witch as a supporting character in four films to date. The character will be a title character for the first time next year with the launch of, here's the title, Vision and Scarlet Witch, a Disney Plus streaming series. So it is going to be uh, Vision and Scarlet Witch headlining this show, Jake. I, I said it before. I find that in the comic books, their stories separately can can be very good. I've seen you know Vision's comic books be very good. I've seen Scarlet Witch do some really cool stories off by herself. Um, but in the MCU, I've never found these characters interesting apart. They've always been better together. And uh, and that goes for uh, both Scarlet Witch and Vision. Uh, I didn't care for Vision by himself in Avengers Age of Ultron. I didn't care for Scarlet Witch by herself in Avengers Age of Ultron. I've never really connected with these characters until I saw them together on screen. And that was for the last movie. I thought they were fantastic. So that, that's just my opinion. And I think that the series is going to be better because of it. Because I think that Paul Bettany and Elizabeth Olsen have really good chemistry on screen. Yeah, I agree with that for the most part, Brian. I think in the comic. It, it's the same in the comics, but they work a little bit better separately in the comics yeah. than they do in the movies. Yeah. But it's still a bit of the same chemistry where they work even better together. Exactly. Yeah. Are you looking? But I mean, I love House of M and that House Vision of M. Really, yeah. Like Vision has no part in that. Like that's an all Scarlet Witch thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. House of M is fantastic. And then like, um, I haven't read the whole thing, but the Vision series that came out, I think I don't get me. I'm probably wrong here, but I think it was by Al Ewing. And it was about Vision and his family, and that was like a really cool series. It was like a mini series that came out, and that was awesome. Oh, yeah, I heard a lot of buzz about that. That was just like yeah. three or four years ago, right? Yeah, yeah, that was about three years ago or so. But, um, but yeah, in the movies, I completely agree. Yeah, and I've read some like uh, I've read some really fun West Coast Avengers story with just Vision. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I love I love some of those West Coast Dude, stories. Dude, oh, I still got some old West Coast Avengers books that I like every once in a while, just for like nostalgia purposes, I'll go back and read because they were so much fun. But um yeah, for the I, I agree with you. I'm in agreement with you. Like the the characters are just great together. They were they I don't know, it's just it it's a very it's a very cool and uh weird romance. <laughs> between those two characters and they're just great together so yeah maybe this will make it work separate right and once you establish all this stuff with them together maybe the mm-hmm. next time we we split them apart it'll actually be a bit more impactful with all this history hey jake dan got a question for you do you think that all these netflix uh the not netflix uh, do you think they're all gonna get canceled yes hold on do you think that all these uh disney plus marvel series are gonna be limited series or do you think that some of them are gonna be so popular that Marvel's gonna be like yeah you're gonna get a second season of vision and scarlet which you're going to get a second season of Bucky and Falcon. Do you, like right now, it sounds like all these are going to be like limited series. But do you think like the, do you think that there's the chance that we're going to get uh, additional seasons? I think we, we will get ongoing seasons of shows. But I, I for some reason, I don't think it will be these shows. I think these shows will probably be limited because of the actors. Dan, yes. what are you thinking? That's exactly what I think. I think the actors, their schedules are not going to permit that. But if they can do some shit like they're doing with Titans, we may have a different story. You know what I mean? Because Titans is just killing it. So if they can do something on that level, then they're going to make the time to do this because, you know, Disney's just going to hand them stacks of money to do so. Yeah. But on first, you know, on initial thought, I think it's probably going to be very limited. One shot. 
I don't even think it's just the actors. I think that's part of the equation. I think it's also just spreading the story too thin. Like you, you can't put too many main, main characters in too many series because you you do have to keep also making the movies. So I don't know. Like I just possibly if something's like a smash hit, they're going to capitalize on that. Like they're not idiots. If like any of these shows just come out of the gate with so much buzz. And then by the time they get to the last episode, there's even more viewers than there was in the first episode. Then obviously they're just going to do whatever they can to do more of it. Like that's, that's just business, but I don't find, I don't think it's going to be that popular by any means. So yeah, I think these will just be one and done seasons. I don't know. It's it. Like, how are these seasons going to end? And, like, that's – because you can th- – because the, the – okay, hold on. Here we go. Like, I, I'm think- – we talked about the Rocket and Groot series, and I was thinking to myself, like, that would be cool to see, like, the original Groot and Rocket. And, like, how, how does that – how does that season end? Does it end with them like uh, showing up on Xandar and meeting Quill for the first time? Like, is that you know? Is that are they going to end it like that? You know, I don't know. Doubt it. But anyway, but like the Captain, uh, uh, not Captain America, the uh, Bucky and uh, Winter Soldier series. <coughs> excuse me. That has to be set like you know post Infinity War. You would imagine because like those two haven't even met. They they just recently met you know what i mean yeah exactly i agree with that and then also with the the vision and scarlet witch like is that going to be the story of like how they fell in love are we going to get that prequel jake are they going to play that out or is this all going to be like post infinity war stuff i think it's going to be post and they're going to fall more in love is what i would imagine Hmm. That's the one that seems to be like the one shot for me. I could see uh, the Winter Soldier and Falcon one being like a, like a buddy cop show almost and having some run, you know, a couple seasons at least. But I can't see Tom Hiddleston doing multiple seasons of this. Of Loki? Yeah, of the Loki one. I just can't see it. I. Yeah, it depends on his movie career, doesn't it, Jake? You think? I mean, like. He's got a new movie yeah, coming he, out. He's, he's, he's the new movie recently i don't know if you guys saw like the little teaser that he had it was like him in like a look like a subway station and he's just walking towards the camera and it's like looks like it's going to be an independent film and i don't know i, I it, it just didn't really I, it was it, guys this is like the definition of a teaser because it showed fucking nothing um but i mean i don't i don't think tom hiddleston's uh movie career has set the world on fire yeah, you got uh, a point. And he's dabbed in TV before. I mean, he's been willing to do things like the Night Manager before. So I, I don't. I agree. It's not like Kong made him a giant leading man or Skull Island. I mean, Skull Island, and then he did the uh, what was it, the Country Singer movie? Oh yeah, and that was probably his most acclaimed like headlining movie. And even that wasn't you know gangbusters. Yeah. So we'll see. Yeah, thinking about it again, I guess this is really what put him on the map more so, right? I mean, he was obviously already around, but when you think Tom Hiddleston, I think most people think Loki. So well, maybe shit. so. Yeah. Well, I mean, he wasn't – honestly, to be quite honest with you, he wasn't even that big when he did the first Thor movie. It wasn't until Avengers when people really started to like fall in love with the Loki character, right? I mean, am I crazy, Jake? No, not at all. I, I remember groaning when I heard that Loki was going to be the main villain of Avengers, kind of. 
Like, I just was like, oh, can't we? We just did that in the last movie. We're just going to do the same villain again where we're bringing all these characters together. But yeah, they really like made that character into something else in that movie. Yeah. We'll see. I love Tom Hiddleston. Like, part of me wants to see his career turn to shit because I just want to keep him <laughs> coming back as Loki. <laughs> so. You're so mean. <laughs> I know. Oh, you're wanting to kill Daryl's dog. Shut the fuck up. I didn't want I know, to kill Daryl's dog. I, yeah, I, I know. Was, I was. I, I yeah. This. Uh, you know what I meant. Anyway. Uh, DC news. What do we got here? Yeah, Batman the vagina thing. She says that. Um, this, yeah, am I trying to wrap things up, Jake? <laughs> No, go for it, man. <laughs> Aquaman has been getting great rea- reactions from critics uh, who have seen it. Umberto Gonzalez from The Rap did a video that he uploaded online praising the movie and saying it's just as good as Black Panther and also one of the greatest comic book movies ever and is now officially the best movie of the DCEU. Uh, so that was from Umberto Gonzalez. Did you guys watch that video? No, no. I heard some of the quotes, though. Yowza, he loved it. Uh, Andrew Dice from Screen Rant says Aquaman is breathtakingly beautiful, weird, badass, fun idea of a modern superhero fantasy and makes zero apologies. Second half, second half's one cheer laugh after another. Imagine 80 Schwarzenegger starring Hideo Kojima's avatar and you're most of the way there. Uh, Meg Downey says Aquaman is a buckwild movie, which is honestly both good and bad in almost equal measure. If nothing else, it looks great, and it's completely unafraid to just go for it, which I appreciate in it. Brandon Davis says uh, Aquaman is great. James Wan made a really unique superhero origin film, often crossing into fantasy epic territory, but grounded in family and discovery. The world is visually incredible. Jason Momoa as Arthur Curry is a total badass. Uh, Patrick Wilson is a standout. Um, I, you know, and oh, that's that's good to hear. There's more. There's more here. I mean, more people are ready. Eric Davis says Aquaman is the most ambitious DC movie to date a big sprawling visual spectacle that is gorgeous crazy stuffed with terrific action and a lot of fun to watch James Wan in my opinion is the true star he elevates the material making it entertaining and conquers it Peter Serretta says Aquaman is better than expected uh feels like a Marvel phase one movie in a good way Uh, it's at best when it's having fun and not taking itself too seriously Black Manta is a great villain that comic book fans will love some truly spectacular one shots and good action there's tons more people are um praising the film and saying it it, it's good the the ratings the reactions go from good to great i've never heard anybody i haven't heard anybody say it's a pile of shit yet but it goes from good to great so it just depends i feel like umberto gonzalez watched this one and absolutely loved it and i feel like then you got like on the lower end peter serretta from slash film saying it's better than expected it's a good movie um, it's not, you know, it's not great though. It's not like he's not comparing it to Black Panther by any stretch. So I don't think that this movie's going to be divisive, Jake. I think people will go in and think like it was okay or they're, they're, they're really going to like it. I don't think people are going to walk out and say that they absolutely hated this one. I could be wrong. There's going to be, of course, gonna, there, there's going to be people that, that say that, but for the most part, I don't think this is going to be like your man of steels where it's like split down the fucking middle. Yeah, it does seem like this is this is probably going to be a pretty acceptable movie to people. 
and it's not going to be your typical DC fair where everyone's ready to punch each other in the face about what they thought about it. So that'll be nice for a change. Dan, where do you stand on Aquaman? What do you think? You know what? I've actually turned around on it because I was not excited at all about it. I, You know, the Justice League fucked me up. I didn't care for it at all. <laughs> I wasn't really wanting to see another an Aquaman movie, period. But the more I hear about it and the more I've seen, I'm really excited. Um, sorry, Jake. I bought my ticket through Amazon, so I'm going to be there on the 15th. And, yeah, I'm looking forward to it, man. I, I think this is going to be the one that does something like – like Wonder Woman did. You know what I mean? I think that I think these are going to be the two that stand out of these DC movies because I'm just not a fan of the of the DC movies except for Wonder Woman and I just didn't care for Batman versus Superman or Man of Steel or any of those. What do you okay? Um Shazam. What do you uh, what are your thoughts on Shazam? I'm hopeful because I think they're going to have more comedy in this one. It's that's what I think's missing from the DC movies is that lightheartedness, that that comedic element that's just not there mm-hmm. i mean you know i think henry cavill's a great actor but the guy is a fucking piece of chalk on these <laughs> movies you know what i mean he just is he's like looking at a belt just trying to act or something is no, that really no. his fault though or is that the direction of no, scott snyder no no i, I, I agree uh, Zach i think snyder. that's not his fault i think it's not but yeah. it is what it is yeah and that's what we have to work with i just think that uh, aquaman looks really exciting i think momoa uh is gonna bring something different that you kind of saw, but he didn't really get to like shine in the Justice League. So I think this is the one, man, and I'm really looking forward to it. You talked about humor. And you talked about that lacking in the DCEU. The rap is reporting that DC Warner Brothers is developing a Jaime Reyes Blue Beetle film. Yeah, that's interesting. I'll see what they do with that. Again, you know, uh, I like to see these movies that come out with have some people of color in them, so... Let's see what happens, man. I think that the DCEU knows that they fucked up royally. So it's really up to them on what they do. I, if they're going to continue to make these movies, then they have to step it up. They have to do something different. So I think it depends on you know your directors. It depends on who's writing these things. And um, I, I'm not just going to write them off just yet. Let's see what happens. I, I think this is great news. I, I think that people are going to – hopefully people will be more excited about – you know, the Blue Beetle film, like once we see, um, you know, if 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 Aquaman is good, if Shazam is good, then I think like then I think people will be more like ready for like this Blue Beetle film. I I think with the <clears throat> announcement of a Blue Beetle film, I don't think that it's going to be far behind that we're going to get. And if it does well, if these next couple movies do well for the DCEU. I don't think it's too far behind that we're going to get a booster gold movie, Jake. And then I think that that could lead into a blue and gold film. Oh yeah, I agree. I mean, that's where the money is, is doing that. You make two movies and then you combine them together. Or you make three movies and combine them together. So if they can, they can get on that track, they're going to do it. And so, I mean, yeah. these are the characters I would love them to finally get on track doing that with. Jaime Reyes in the comics is the uh, third Blue Beetle. Uh, in the comics, Mexican-American teenager Jaime Reyes is the third character to assume the mantle of the Blue Beetle after Dan Garrett and Ted Cord, uh, created by Keith Giffen, John Rogers, and Cully Hamner. The character made his appearance in the comics in 2006's Infinite Crisis number 5. Um, basically... Dan Garrett, the first Beetle, Blue Beetle, was the first. He found the scarab, and he gained the powers. He he was an archaeologist that uh, uh, they, he was. They were 
doing a like a looking for this tomb and he found the scarab right before uh the tomb collapsed this is like weeks before world war ii found the scarab and then it gave him the powers the second blue beetle was ted cord and he was like a a brilliant guy this was a totally different take on the character blue beetle he was a brilliant guy and and uh kind of like a tony stark and he built the blue beetle suit and then he trained himself to be a superhero and then Jaime Reyes discovered the uh, scarab on his way home from school with two of his best friends, Paco and Brenda. And it was uh, buried in a, in a lot. And he took the scarab home, uh, wanted to know what it was. And then the scarab uh, that night came to life. And then it bonded. It grafted itself to his spine and then gave him the... Uh, armor of the blue beetle and gave him the you know the enhanced powers as of the blue beetle and he could create wings and and weapons and shields and um if they're going with jaime reyes i think it's really cool because it's a younger character and uh i think tom holland has kind of proven that at a younger superhero you can you can do a movie with a younger superhero and i think that uh Right now with like, you know, Wonder Woman being like a female led superhero and then, of course, Black Panther blowing up the way to the dead that, uh, you know, with um, with this being a person of color, like this could be a huge movie for DC uh, if they do it right, if they get the right people behind this story and the right people in the roles and writing the screenplay and and um, this could be a whole lot of fun. Blue Beetle. Kind of like, you know, if you're not reading comics, you don't know who the character is. But I think this could be another case of like Guardians of the Galaxy. You were like, yes, exactly. Who are these? And then like now it's like everybody like you, you're, you're walking down the street, Jake, and you're going to see people wearing Blue Beetle T-shirts. Ha- yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, that yeah. would be super cool. Right. Yeah, I, I mean, outside of comic. Oh, go ahead, Jake. I'm sorry. I was just going to say, I, I a lot of what you're saying, I really, really like. Like, I think this is a great move for DC. Not, not only is it an auxiliary character, but just being, you know, a minority character, I think is a, a really, a really smart move. You know, we've seen enough of the Superman, Batman stuff. It's time for DC to, you know, go all out. They've got all the characters in their universe to do it with. Yeah. Yeah. Damn. What were you going to say? I was just going to say that I think that that's what really helped Guardians of the Galaxy is that, you know, outside of, you know, regular comic readers, you had this Motley Crue team, you know, this this band of uh, misfits, if you will, that just kind of came out of nowhere. And it just swept the world by storm because the writing was so good. The movie was so great. And now, like you're saying, you know, you have people with T-shirts, you have freaking Disneyland rides, you know. So maybe that's the key. Maybe the key is bringing in these lesser known characters so they don't have so much to like work against. You don't have to compare to like, for instance, Henry Cavill to Christopher Reeve or something like that. And it can just be its own thing. And if they do it right, it could be phenomenal. All right. So who ushered in the guardians of the galaxy? It was James Gunn. Now who ushered in the suicide squad? You know that, I mean, see, that's the thing or was that, uh, what was his name? I'm, I'm not Gareth Evans. Um, I'm drawing a blank, actually. Gareth Evans did the Raid movies. Um, I'm trying to think of, like, uh, the name. It was the Fury director uh, that did the Suicide Squad. Anyway, 
I think it all comes down to the director. Like, if they, let's say they get, uh, you know, let's say this next Suicide Squad 2 movie blows up that's being written by James Gunn. Do you think at that point we're far far enough removed from, like, uh, you know... Uh, you know, if that movie gets praise and people love his script and they love the direction of that movie, do you think do you think that they could have James Gunn usher in this Booster Gold movie? I don't know if they they haven't uh, announced the director on this Booster Gold thing. Yeah, I think they're probably going to test the waters with Gunn, right, and see how how well they do with the Suicide Squad thing. And if that that's gangbusters, then I definitely think a character like this would be something that they might consider letting him take a shot at. Yeah, James Gunn's proven that he can do it time and time again. I think the people that have the biggest issue with him is Disney, you know, and uh, David Ayer is who you were talking about. David Ayer, thank you. Yeah, no problem. So, yeah, absolutely, man. I think that uh, Gunn is capable of doing gold. And, yeah, he stumbled. And I think that Marvel's going to see that they made a huge mistake. When you said he's uh, capable of doing gold, did you talk? Are you talking about booster gold? Oh, no, no, I'm sorry. I just, <laughs> that was a joke. Yeah, it was a terrible got, joke. You got me there, buddy. Yeah, I know. It was a terrible joke. That was, that was, fucking, that was awful. I knew what you meant. I was, I was just... I oh, my God. eye on you, Brian. I, yeah, just dad jokes galore for me this fucking episode. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Hey, uh, I, I read this from Deadline. Not only could we be getting this... Uh, uh, Blue Beetle movie that I'm really looking forward to. Can't wait to hear announcements of like who they're going to cast and uh, director and writer and all that stuff. But Deadline had this. They were talking about female superheroes in the in the current landscape of comic book movies and and just in film in general. And they were talking about you know they were talking about Wonder Woman. They were talking about uh, Captain Marvel. In this article, it goes on to it, it says here uh, DC's most famous female hero, Wonder Woman, is on the way back as well. Filming began last summer on Wonder Woman 1984, which reunites director Patty Jenkins and star Gal Gadot for a sequel to the acclaimed 2017 hit. The movie's release has been pushed to June 5th, 2020. There's also been talk of films for Supergirl, Zatanna, and Batgirl, while male healer, hero movies like the long promised Flash solo film. Or a new Superman installment have lost momentum. Fucking Jake, a Zatanna movie? Are you fucking yeah. kidding me? Yeah, that could be really cool. Like, I definitely want to have it be like an origin story and just straight up introduce that character into a DC cinematic universe, or even just doing it as a one shot might be the way to go. Honestly, the I, more I think about it, now, now that I say it out loud, I. Uh... I do. I want to see a young Zatanna. I, I, I'm, 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 I'm in agreement with you. An origin story. I want to see, you know, she comes from a family that she, she comes from a family that that knows magic. But I want to see I want to see Zatanna um, as a young as a, a, a younger character. Go kind of like the Blue Beetle route, maybe even go like the Spider-Man route where she's really young. I think that that would be fun. I love Zatanna. So, yeah, it's a classic DC character that outside of animation really has not gotten much love. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, yeah. Um, Dan, do you have any experience with Zatanna? Is this a character that you that you follow or? I'm familiar with her and I have read a couple, but nothing to where I could really wax about it. But I am curious about something because I, I can see her in my head. Do you have any uh like idea or uh, thoughts of who you'd like to see play her casting. I, I can't, I love the character so much 
that it's hard for me to pick somebody to play her because that it's a, that's a really scary thing. It's hard for me to pick. I I don't. I really don't. Jake, do you have any idea you want to play Zatanna? No. I mean, it's just such a hard casting pool. Like I, it's one of those things where I'd almost want them to find someone, right? I think it. Anyone that we know, we'd probably groan at. I can't think of anybody. Yeah, I really can't think of anybody. God damn it. Jake, they could do they, can you imagine if they do this with Zatanna? It could be like they could do this they could make it just as good as Doctor Strange, if not even better, because it's a a, a young girl learning the mystical arts. Yeah, magic movies are a lot of fun, man. Yeah. I, that Nolan Prestige movie is like one of my favorite movies. I love the Prestige. So, good. and I, it'd be nice to see it like with that kind of like tone, you know, take it seriously and not really campy. But yet, you know, you still want it to be fun. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think I think even more so than Doctor Strange, this character would lend itself to just being a really great like magic romp type of action movie. Fuck, people are dying to see a great magic movie. I know people are watching The Magicians on Sci-Fi, and, 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 you know, Eric Wade, we've had him on the show. He loves that show. But I feel like a lot of the people that have been showing up for the the Harry Potter, the the Fantastic Beasts movies, like, some people are getting what they want out of those movies. They're enjoying them. And then there's people like me that I'm going to those movies, and I'm not getting that. I'm not getting what I want. And then I also feel like, you know, you've got you've got a female audience that loves the Harry Potter stuff. And, you know, this could be like their, if, if Warner Brothers wanted to do this right, Warner Brothers could make. I'm not saying they're going to make this Harry Potter, but they could make this their female Harry Potter in a way. I know Zatanna can go really dark, you know, in some of the comics, but I've also seen it where it's a younger Zatanna and it's it's, it's a lighter, more whimsical story. And she's learning magic and. I think that's where they should go with this one. I think audiences audiences would really gravitate towards that. And I think girls, young girls would love to see a young magical user in the DC universe. Yeah, I agree with that. It'd be a very inspiring hero. And, and like I said, I, I, who who's the villain for this, this piece, though? That I'm not lured in. I don't know. I, I yeah, like who's who's your Zatanna villain? I have no clue. Couldn't tell you. <laughs> I mean, is uh, are we gonna? Could they do like Doc's? Not Doc Savage. Um, what's his name? Uh, fuck. Ah, I can't think of his name. Um, I was wanting to say Doc Savage, but it's not Doc Savage. Forget yeah, it, guys. I can't. Wiki. I, I'm, I'm looking at Wiki. It's great podcasting here. No, I'm having. I'm having a brain fart right now. No, you know, it's it's been great podcasting this entire episode, hasn't it, Jake? Um, yeah, it's probably better when we both shut up. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Anyway, let's let's move on. And I'll, if you want to look that up, you can. I don't give a shit. But let's move on into Star Wars news. I'm giving up. <laughs> I'm giving up on the bumper. Here we go. Star- <laughs> <laughs> Umberto Gonzalez from The Wrap. Uh, Nick Nolte joins the cast of uh, the uh, Star Wars Mandalorian. Um, is he in talks or did he join? I think he joined, actually. Really? Which is a huge, 
I don't want to say a surprise, but it is kind of a surprise in a weird way. I, I never would have expected that. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. He's, he's saying Nick Nolte has joined the cast of The Mandalorian, and his role remains under wraps. So, yeah, he's joined. This is uh, The Mandalorian series for uh, the uh, Disney+, Plus, which they're filming currently. It's a very interesting choice. I mean, he's so haggard and, and you know, gritty, even in his voice. I'm very curious to see what they do with him. It's mm-hmm. like I said, it's not anything I would have ever said. Hey, let's go get Nick Nolte and, and let him do it. But, you know, it's it's Favreau. So, yeah, probably just Favreau a minor supporting role, right? I would well, think so. They don't I have see him doing a lead. Well, they haven't listed like any um, like how many episodes like him and Carl Weathers or you know, are doing for this series. It, it's, it's come full circle, though, with Nick Nolte. He was, um, he screen tested for uh, uh, Han Solo back in, you know, um, when, they, when they were casting for Han Solo. Him and Kurt Russell both were uh, screen tested for the role of Han Solo, and he didn't get it. Harrison Ford got it, of course, but, so it's kind of, wild I guess Carl yeah, Weathers I, also wild I, I'm again very curious to see what they do with this mm-hmm. yeah I mean I'm sure anyone is not going to turn down a chance to be in this thing right it's probably going to be a fun thing to film I mean oh, yeah. Favreau's got to be a great guy to work with we know Taika's doing an episode or two mm-hmm. like god can you just imagine being part of this set and this crew well, yeah, I mean, you know, not only just Taika Waititi, they got, you know, Bryce Dallas Howard's directing. I don't know if she's starring in it. Taika is actually playing a role in the series, too. We know that. Um, oh, uh, Gina Carano got cast. I forgot to announce that on the show. But Gina Carano from, she played, uh, she was in Deadpool, Deadpool, uh, the first film. Oh, gotcha. Remember Ajax's, like, you know, uh, the 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 woman that was uh, part of Ajax's crew in Deadpool. She had the toothpick or the match or something. That's yeah, doing. yeah. Gina Carano. She was originally like, wasn't she like an MMA fighter originally? I believe so. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's they, where she came from. They were talking about her. You know, there is rumors of her being cast for Wonder Woman for the longest time, and then Gal Gadot got the role, but. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, Nick Nolte, I don't know if he's going to be playing like a human in the show, if he's going to be a Mandalorian or if he's going to be like uh, an alien. We have no clue if he's just going to be providing a voice. We don't. Yeah, we have no idea. But yeah, Nick Nolte joins the cast. So I can't imagine. That's a good point with, with Star Wars. You could just do anything, right? It may not even be him in his form. Yeah, it could be. Uh, he could look like Uncar Plutt for all we fucking know, Jake. Yeah, just like Favreau and uh, was that was Solo? Yeah, he was uh, Rio Durant. He was the little capuchin monkey alien. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, it could just be anything. Like let your imagination run wild. I guess it's kind of hard to speculate on that one. You never know. You never know. But yeah, uh, Nick Nolte joining Star Wars in any capacity, I never would have guessed. But <laughs> yeah, he originally uh, tested for the role of Han Solo back in like uh, 77. So didn't get the role. And uh, Kurt Russell, have you ever seen those? Do you ever seen those videos of Kurt Russell trying out as Han Solo? I have. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen him too. 
Yeah, yeah, and uh, Nick Tol- Nick Nolte was one of them. I'm so glad Nick Nolte didn't get that role. I'm so glad it went to Ford. Yeah, no shit. Gosh, it's all I got for Star Wars news, gentlemen. I ain't got nothing. This is that is our show. <laughs> that is the show. Oh man, <laughs> my stomach and my brain are happy at the end of this one. Oh <laughs> yeah, uh, no, I want to thank Dan. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode. My pleasure, man. It's always a great time. It's been an experience, to say the least. Uh, yeah, that's... <laughs> <laughs> I'm fucking with you. It was a great time. I, I, please, anytime you'd like me on, I would love to come back, if you'll uh, have me. Yeah, oh, absolutely. No, like, I want to, like, anytime I say, like, it's a terrible episode, it is not our guest's fault. It's, it's me. I'm blaming myself. It's like, it's, uh, I'm judging my performance in the bedroom, Jake. Yeah, you can't do that. You can't do that. You just got to think positive, even if you're falling on your face. Listen to you. Pick. You're like, dust yourself off, Brian. Get back on that bicycle and ride that fucker. Yeah, yeah. Fuck it, man. No, me. Tony Robbins over here. When I, yeah, exactly. Tony Robbins over there. Me, when I fall off the bike, I just want to like, I, I just want to like curl up and die in the place that I'm in. I just want like, kind of like want to just... I don't want to get back up on the. I just kind of like want to r- roll up into the fetal position and just cry there where I've fallen. <laughs> <laughs> wow, we got really deep now. Yeah, yeah. No, there's no picking me back up and like trying to ride that bike again. It's basically like I'm done with bikes forever, and like where I am is like this is where this is my new home. <laughs> this is my. I live here now in this really <laughs> pathetic patch of land that I have fallen face down, face first in. So, yeah. yeah. You need a hug, buddy. You're okay. Don't worry about it. No, no hugs. Get the fuck away from me. <laughs> I'm not giving it to you. I'm not giving you a fucking hug. I just said you need one. Yeah. <laughs> Calm yourself, Brian. Yeah. I fucking tell you I have a dream and then you want hugs from me? Oh man, yeah. I, I, well, I was worried. I was like, I, "Where are you going with this?" No, leave <laughs> that one ambiguous. <laughs> anyway, eh, fuck this episode, Jake. Oh yeah, I hear you, man. I'm looking at these steak and shake coupons, and they are looking good. Yeah, yeah we'll be, we'll be. Hey, Dan, thanks a lot. People, hey, what can people? Hey, where can people find you? What do you? What are you guys talking about over there? What's going on? So we are the Heroes of Noise. It's a podcast that's like a fan-based. Yes, we do pop culture. We talk movies. We talk TV. We talk a lot of music. Uh, we talk a lot. Uh, very tangential podcast. Uh, my buddy Steve and I have been doing this for over a year. We have no intentions of stopping, and we love it a lot. So uh, if you're interested, please come on over. You can check us out at www.heroesofnoise.com, and uh, we would love for you to, descri- excuse me, to subscribe and check it out. And again, guys, thank you so much for having me on. Yeah, I urge our listeners to check you out. You guys do a great job. Steve's fantastic. He's very high energy. You're he very, really is. Yeah, he's very high energy. You're very high energy. And you guys have a lot of fun. You guys are fun to listen to. There's I don't, there's no awkward moments. You're not talking about people passing stones through their penises. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's good. You have a good podcast. You know? <laughs> you know, I try. I try to steer it that way. But he's such a like a straight, narrow guy that it's – it's it's a good balance to say the least. He he is check. he is a very straight and narrow guy, and I, I know you try to go down those roads sometimes with him, and and it just it doesn't go that way. But Steve is Steve is an interesting and fun guy, and he, he's very energetic, and his laugh is very contagious. I, I enjoy listening to him. 
Yeah, we get that a lot. He's he really is just a wonderful person. Just, you know, yeah. getting to know the guy. But if you want to find out about us and our personal lives and things like that and on top of us, you know, reviewing movies and things, please check us out. We have a great time and we hope you do, too. Yeah. Steve is not a sad sack of shit like I am. I mean, I am. Just, I am a sad sack of shit. I fall off a bike. I just want to <laughs> I want to curl up and die in the place where I fell off that bike and I don't want to get back up, dust myself off. I live in the dust, Jake. <laughs> I, I reside. I have become one with the dust. When you are I, the dust king. I am the dust king. There is no picking myself back up. I am just. I fall off that bike, and that is where I live. All Jake's hearing is steak and shake. Steak I, and shake. I just. I just. I, all I'm thinking about is God. Can we end this one really depressing? But I didn't want to say it. Oh, <laughs> we. Oh, you want me to just end it with me, like with my with a cry for help. <laughs> <laughs> Kamikaze, this bastard, Brian. You can do it. I have that, that was my ultimate dream while you were saying all this stuff. Was, Man, I would love this to be the closer. <laughs> I just, I just end it with like people like wanting to give me a hug, but also afraid to. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I co-sign that. You can just edit all this part where we talk about it out. Yeah, f- yeah. Fuck your affection. I don't need it. let's end this bitch yeah check out that's a good close that's a good closer too (laughs) yeah i like that hey uh check out the heroes of noise podcast with dan ramirez and steve hudson those guys are great you do a great job every week so uh check that out and uh yeah and just like all good leftovers saying their doggy bags thank you for your patronage thanks for listening we'll see you next week with episode 262 see ya later y'all see ya Thanks for listening to Pop Culture Leftovers. Congratulations. I don't know how you did it. I couldn't do it. You people need a t-shirt saying, I just listened to two hours of nonsensical crap. Anyway, if you'd like to reach the Pop Culture Leftovers cast, you can email them at comments at popcultureleftovers.com. You can also follow them on Twitter at PC Leftovers or like their Facebook page. They'd love to hear from you. They're all pretty sad and lonely. One of them is homeless. But I didn't say that. There's already like 7 million podcasts Talking about pop culture and all that Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat But it's all been done before and we don't want to be a copycat We're the leftovers picking up the scraps Dropped by the cool kids it, it, It's a trap! Good and toss it, good and taste it Do we love it? Hey, let's fix it, clean it it, let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture carryover. Counterculture pushed over. Pop culture leftovers. And with the uncool kids, what's to say has already been said. Leftovers. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. Podcasts that are original and good have already been done before, so we should. Separate the wheat from the shaft And we're the shaft The crap Even though we're the shit Woo! We're the leftovers Picking up the scraps Dropped by the cool kids it, it, It's a trap Good and toss it Good and taste it Do we love it? Hey, let's face it Can't erase it Let's embrace the Tupperware party Subculture spill over Like a vulture carryover Counterculture pushed over Top culture Leftovers And with the uncool kids What's to say Has already been said Leftovers Pretty sure that only talent is the band that's singing this pop culture leftovers. Ha, ha, ha.
we love it. Hey, let's face it. Can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carry over counterculture. Pushovers. Pop culture. Leftovers. And with the uncool kids. What's to say has already been said. Leftovers. Pretty sure All right. Thanks for sticking around for the Stan Lee rumor. I don't know if this is true, but the rumor that I'm hearing is that Stan Lee, his cameo in Avengers 4, and this is going to hit really hard after the passing of Stan Lee. The rumor that I'm hearing for Avengers 4, his cameo, is that he will reappear from the dust in Avengers 4. So, wow. That's going to hit audiences really hard if that turns out to be true, especially with the passing of Stan Lee. But um, I honestly think it's kind of beautiful. But uh, we will see if that's the truth when we watch this movie uh, sometime early May. It's coming out, like the first weekend in May. So, all right, guys, have a great week.